Coming up on this episode of the podcast Under the Stairs, we conclude our summer Teapot's Top 10 series of 2017. This is the Top 10 Horror Movies of the 70s, as selected by the podcast Under the Stairs. And I'll be joined by five guest hosts from the series to collaborate, collate and dissect the Top 10 Movies. But before we get into that, it's year four, motherfuckers, and you know what that means? This time, it's war. Warning, the podcast under the stairs is not safe for work. We'll feature movie spoilers and language which most listeners may find offensive. Brought to you in conjunction with Legion Podcast Network. Welcome to the podcast under the stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 123. This is the round table, the conclusion of our summer Teapot's Top 10 series. Over the last several episodes we've been looking at the top 10 horror movies of the 1970s. Using the very special nose arc rules, we've went through every single year individually counting down the top 10 movies of each year and taken two forward to this list. Myself and my guest hosts who will be joining me after this uh, upcoming break have all submitted a scoring of these 20 movies and we will be going through each of the years again, recapping what we did during the series and then we will be bringing you the definitive list, counting down from points scored against each movie from 20 through to 11 and then definitively from 10 through to 1. Also, we're going to be looking at the listeners' choice. So yeah, the listeners have also scored 18 people sent in lists, so I've scored them as well. So we'll also look at the listener list and then finally conclude with a collation of both lists, creating the definitive Teapot's Top 10 Horror Movies of the 1970s. It's going to be very exciting. It's an incredibly long episode, so I'm not going to chat much at all at the the front of this episode at all. Uh, Suffice to say that I hope you enjoy and have as much fun as we did recording about four and a half hours worth of content for this episode. So I'm going to jump out just now. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. When we come back, I'll be joined by Bo Ransdell, Court Psyops, Doug Tilly, Andy Blockley and Ricky Morgan for the round table, closing out Teapot Summer Top 10 Series 2017. All that and more coming up right after this. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. You know the thing about a shaggy skin? Lifeless eyes. Black eyes like a doll's eye. Boy. 
So here we are, as promised, we have went through (laughs) 10 episodes, 100 movies, seeking the Teapot's top 10 70s horror movies of all time. But unlike any other list created, known to man, or this podcaster, um, I flung a little caveat in there that every single year must be represented by not one but two movies to create a list of 20, which me and my guest hosts will whittle down. This is going to be incredible because I have the list, ladies and gents. I know where everything went. But it was a fantastic summer top 10 series of shows. I had five of the best podcasters at my side carrying the journey through and it is with great pride and pleasure and privilege as well that I introduce them all one more time for the summer teapots top 10 of 2017 so joining me first uh, is a very good friend of mine i podcast with him quite a lot we do some stuff to do with twin peaks it's interesting it's grown arms and legs the the shows we now do are longer than the episodes we're reviewing by by quite a bit as of course the man behind legion podcast network the hero hero ghost show the shodcast um, and many other projects written and an internet form that I could not do them all if I wanted to is the fantastic Bo Ransdell. How are you doing, Bo? I'm doing well. Thank you for uh, for having us all here. Uh, it, it will get bloody quickly. <laughs> so I appreciate the calm before the storm. Excellent. Excellent. That's, that's what I like to hear. Bo is already setting up this scenario that there's... I bet you everyone gets on. I bet you everyone... Or maybe not. I'm not betting, actually. That's a bad move. <laughs> Bad move. Uh, bringing in my second guest. Now, this man famously said the last time he was on this show for this round table that if he ever had the opportunity to interview the man whom one of his podcasts is actually in reverence of, that he might as well just give up. And then, like, <laughs> before that show actually dropped, news dropped that he is actually interviewing that man. So I just want clarification. First and foremost, Doug Tilly, that um, Eric Roberts is the fucking man podcast will continue beyond that interview. Is that correct? I am not making any promises <laughs> at all to that. But look, for longtime listeners of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the podcast that you're referring to, uh, they know that we made a blood oath to cover all the television and film work of one Mr. Eric Roberts. We are my co-host and I, Liam O'Donnell, we're 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 kind of banning about the idea that when we meet the man himself and we have a little chat with him, we might ask him to break that blood oath. So maybe it won't go on. We won't uh, we won't know until we sit down with him. It's it's fascinating that having listened to a, a very large number of those shows, um, are you are you at all concerned that maybe Eric Roberts is putting the legwork in and has listened to them all as well? And if so, please apologise to him for the episode I was on. I mean, there's going to be a lot of apologizing. 
I will say that uh, the idea that we would have eventually talked to Eric Roberts certainly crossed our minds uh, several times uh, up to this point. But the idea of doing it in front of a crowd of a few hundred people uh, live, uh, that was never really in the cards. <laughs> so if we if we can get out of Chicago with our lives, I mean, that's I, I consider that one a win. It's <laughs> good to know. So we're saying as well, you do another fantastic show because you you are a glutton for punishment. Because not only are you watching some of the great Eric Roberts movies, but you're watching some of those straight to to VOD numbers. <laughs> um, Whatever are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you also have another show which purposely looks at micro budget movies, the no budget nightmare movies, uh, or sorry, no budget nightmares podcast. Um, mm. And so yeah, you just like really this in a lot of respects. This kind of renaissance of seventies movies must have been a welcome break for you, Doug. Uh, anytime I get to watch things I actually want to watch, I consider it a welcome break. Uh, <laughs> that's why I do a lot of guest appearances on other podcasts because uh, it takes me out of my wheelhouse of garbage uh, and and puts me in a place where I can watch things like, well, some of the movies we're going to talk about today. But yeah, I just want to quickly mention that No Budget Nightmares is just about to hit, to hit its 100th episode. Uh, we started in 2011, so it's taken us a long goddamn time to get there. Uh, but we have some really exciting interviews planned for that too. Uh, yeah, I'm getting my interviews and my whole skills kind of locked down before I talk to Eric Roberts. Getting them locked in, that's what I like to hear. Right, my third guest is one of the most controversial figures. He's not really. He's not controversial at all. Everyone loves Andy Blockley. He was my co-host on the fantastic Doing the Nasty podcast, which I would say at times would rival No Budget Nightmares for quality of movie. Um, <laughs> a lot on that list that are not good. He's also my co-host on the currently on hiatus uh, Opera Omnia podcast. But he's an all-round great guy and has no controversial statements at all to mention about any fantastic Italian horror movies released in the 70s on this episode. Isn't that right, Andy? Yeah, mate. Well, the universe is actually so fit to strike me down with some horrific tongue aids. <laughs> tongue aids. <I> think, <laughs> because it obviously knew that I was going to come out and, and not be as kind, probably, to some of these Italian movies as some of your co-hosts. Um, so I've got horrendous ulcers on my tongue making it quite difficult to talk, um, but I will not let that stop me. <laughs> I, I, I was kind of wondering which, if you had in mind which of the hosts had actually put a hex on you, or did you think we did it murder on the Orient Express style and all took turns? Yeah, I think, I don't know, a bit of everything. I know there's going to be some people, because the problem is, like, whatever film is my worst film on the list is somebody's favourite, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Somebody's put it through. So I'm just going to have to see what happens. I've taken an Oxy. All right. <laughs> you can get them here now. <laughs> I, d I did not know you could get them over here. What the fuck? Yeah. It's to be overrated, to be honest. Good for pain. Um, yeah. I don't really understand why people take it as a party drug. I'm not really feeling any kind of particular buzz. <laughs> well, you've got to mix it with the liquor, too. Just, oh. Yeah. You know, pro like, tip. Oh, fuck. Okay. Right, just hang on a sec. <laughs> Plus, you got to get rid of the time release and take it all at once by snorting it up your nose like hillbilly heroin style. Well, no, no, I've got we've got the instant release ones. Um, still no good. So. <laughs> just, we just made the harder stuff over here, Andy. Pop these oxys like sweeties. Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe. Like, it's it's oxycodone over here. It's oxycontin, but Rach looked it up and it is exactly the same thing. To... They're hers, by the way, because she suffered horrendously with like back and neck. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, not really, not really buzzing. Just uh, hopefully it will just kill the pain in my tongue long enough that I can slag stuff off for four hours. <laughs> yeah, if it wears off mid-recording, that's no great tragedy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it, it, it's worth noting if anyone wants to get back at Andy at any point when he no. says something bad against any of your great movies, just tell him how overrated Terminator Two is. Really you overrated movie, Andy. It. Really overrated. Really overrated. Not good. <laughs> Special effects have not held up. <laughs> it's, the, it's the movie that broke Eddie Furlong. He was a kind little boy. Look at him now, Andy. Look at him now. Yeah, who's your, who's your next guest? Should we move along? <laughs> <laughs> right, swinging this, swinging this pendulum of doom uh, further across. My, my fourth guest um, has, has cited me as some sort of bad influence for the the multitude of projects that appear to have cropped up in his um and <laughs> his workload recently i don't know why because uh, this man started off with just one podcast on legion uh, it was a certain show called the hail Ming power hour i love it dearly i think it's phenomenal he has since then created another one called short bus cinema which is an it's an incredible very much like like, like doug's pursuit of really kind of well no no budget nightmares is probably not a pursuit of really bad movies it's just in the name really isn't it really it's it like, just happens to be bad movies he, we're looking for a good one yes um he's on a different journey with short bus cinema he's looking for the worst of the worst um which is a thankless job uh, but someone has to do it and and he's doing it with my, my good buddy johnny krug he has a brand new podcast which i don't know if i can formally name yet so i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna let him do that which is going to be a horror exclusive podcast which i'm very much looking forward to hearing when it drops and he has since announced another project so that the man <laughs> is just like he's almost he's the male jamie jenkins or jamie g salmons for those that get that joke of the of the podcast world that is my very good friend ricky morgan how you doing ricky man i'm, I'm sitting here looking at this list and excluding myself can you put together a, a better powerhouse of horror podcasters together to pull this thing off. This is an, in, an incredible group right here. So uh, it blows my mind that I'm sitting here with you guys. So, uh, and just, I'm going to come clean here real quick. And uh, in the back of my creep show comic book, I ordered a voodoo doll. And uh, so Andy Blockley, I'm, I'm sorry, man. That's, that's kind of where it came from. Yeah. Well, I mean, I knew, you know how much I love, you know, the giallo stuff, the Italian stuff. So I, I just couldn't let that happen. So, uh, you know, when you came on uh, Hell Ming a few weeks ago and started bad-mouthing Herzog's Nosferatu, I just went ahead and purchased that Joker, and I fixed you up. So, uh, <laughs> it's pretty bad, to be honest. What you've done is a good quality doll you got there because it worked. Yeah, uh, I love the fact that he's, he, he didn't just stab your tongue once, but multiple times, Andy. Right, um, right. Yeah. Just to be thorough, just to make <laughs> sure. Real crime no, of passion, man. and uh, so this is this just incredible because this is kind of my first time, like you said earlier, uh, getting to talk with Doug a little bit, and and I just met Bo last week in person for the first time, and I just hate that all these friendships are going to end so quickly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it's been fun. Uh, I want to go ahead and say that ahead of time before I just turn everything off before we get finished. And uh, but yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. Brought my brass knuckles. I'm ready to roll. Uh, now, and I, I love Court. I love Court too. I didn't mention him, but I do love Court. I, I did Aww. see that you have uh, another podcast coming. Is that formally announced now? Can, can we announce that, or is it still uh, Legion Podcast Network's dirty little secret? 
we're still working on the horror-based one. Um, as you guys noticed, I do everything but horror. So <laughs> I thought, wow, that's weird because that's uh, all the shows that I guest on. They're all horror shows. So, uh, you know, uh, I have a great love for that. But uh, it's myself, Johnny Krug, and Mark Ball are creating a project called Flash of the Blade. So be looking for that. We're still maybe a month out from that. But on the flip side of that, I'm bringing Legion another show. Bo's probably shaking his head right now. <laughs> but... Uh, um, you brought up Jamie Sammons, mm-hmm. uh, Jamie, myself, Brian Sammons, and Billy Stewart from Scary Dad are putting together a show called Dude Looks Like the 80s. It's an all <laughs> 80s podcast, and uh, we've got the first one pretty much done. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a, a real, real fun you know, trip back in time, and uh, yeah. I'm I'm really looking forward to releasing both these new shows, but uh, the bus keeps on rolling, and uh, Hell Ming is Hell Ming, man. We're gonna keep doing our thing there. I, you know, that's uh, Danny and I. We just uh, I, I love when people get with us, like when we're just out talking. People are like, man, it's like I'm getting a free show here because that's just the way we talk. <laughs> yeah, that show is just us turning on, recording, going. So, uh, uh, so yeah, a lot going on, and it's all your fault, Duncan. <laughs> Thank you. I think um, so. So let's let's uh, introduce our final guest. Um, Bo consistently mispronounces this man's name. He also he also tried sure to. Um, I'm I'm fairly sure that I also know that I was there when you started this whole. Oh, it's team. What's it? Rubbish mouth versus <laughs> clean street. Garbage people versus team. Yeah, clean. that was Bo's marketing idea to drum up Legion numbers. Like, don't don't let him like pretend it was anything other than a cynical attempt to try and get more downloads. Um, and it, it was, worked. It did. It, did <laughs> it work. wasn't so cynical, Duncan. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, my my last guest is a very good friend of mine. Uh, I've got to know him quite a lot over the last year. Um, and I want to say you've been maybe listening to Teapots just slightly longer than a year now, but um, yeah, we, we have done a couple of different recordings now. He's been under the stairs a few times and we have found very, very quickly that we share um, a, a kind of conjoined brain on a lot <laughs> of things. It, it's very, very, very strange, but in a, a, in a kind of weird way. Uh, it's it's quite satisfying and soothing to know that sometimes my weird brain is out there somewhere else, um, across the water and an American. Um, so that's, that's that's what I like. To, although he can grow a beard than I can. In fact, I think everyone on this show can grow a better beard than me. So fuck the lot of yous. Uh, so my 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 last guest has yep. two podcasts on Legion Podcast Network. Uh, one is of course Cinema Psyops Psyops Bo Psyops. The, the P is silent. Silence. I've heard it both ways. Because <laughs> yeah. his leader can pronounce it however he wants. <laughs> like, like, but Bo's heard it both ways because he has said it both ways. That does not make it right. Um, and he has the OCD podcast, which is on episode three, I think. Now, is it three already? Soon to be four released. Actually, it's once a month. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Um, it is of course a fantastic court side. How you doing, court? I am excellent, and I am so glad that in the immortal words of Vanessa Williams, you've saved the best for last. <laughs> <laughs> well <Wow>. played. <laughs> yes, it's hard now to, try not hard to keep to. that song going in your head after I just said that. Try it. It's I there. dare you. It's there. It's there. Thanks. Thanks for that. This be Why would you want it to stop? We're all four uh, hours worth. All four hours worth. <laughs> yeah. It's a beautiful yeah, ballad. <laughs> it's touching and very moving, yes. <laughs> so... So, ladies and gents, this is my 
my team here. These five podcasters appeared on two shows each and we rattled down 10 movies for every year in the decade known as the 70s. It was an arduous task to say the least. Um, for some more than others, some people got years which were a bit easier. Um, some got years that were a lot harder and um, Court unfortunately got landed with what I like to call the Kobayashi Maru of uh, <laughs> 70s uh, countdowns with 1978, which was just horrible. It was a hor- it was a great episode, but it was horrible. <laughs> so much so that I you visibly hear me. Not not only do I break, but then I start to break Court um, at the end of the episode where Court is like that. What we're saying is we're putting through Dawn of the Dead, and then there's silence, and I can I can actually hear the recorded stare of disbelief in your microphone. Like what are you doing, Duncan? We need to do something. So yeah, we went through them all, and it was arduous, and it was time consuming, and it was taxing. So why not relive it? Because <laughs> that's what I like to do. Um, so what we're going to do at the first part of this show here is we're going to go back through each of these years again and give you a very quick reminder of what movies featured in each year and what two movies went through. We're going to speak to the guest host that featured on that year to make sure that they are still happy with their choices, safe in the knowledge that nothing can be changed now. Um, but we will we will have a conversation with them and then I'm going to pass it out to the other hosts to potentially agree or disagree there's so much sex here to disagree on this show so much sex here so um kicking us off very first year 1970 my guest host on that one was the fantastic ricky morgan the the list of movies bird with the crystal plumage i drink your blood taste the blood of dracula mark of the devil scream and scream again five dolls for an august moon count your gut vampire hatchet for the honeymoon the Ancini's Woods and Blind Woman's Curse. Moving forward from that year, we chose Bird with the Crystal Primage and Count Yorga Vampire. Ricky, you have had probably the longest time to mull this over because this was this was the very first episode recorded and the listeners know that they were recorded out of order. But this was recorded, I think, about two months ago now, so a bit of time has passed. Still comfortable with those two selections? Oh, yeah, man, because you had... Uh... Lots of giallo, you had lots of vampires. Um, I think the two that we pushed through were the ones that kind of made those genres kind of turn their head and go, hmm, that's the next thing, so we need to up our game. When uh, Birth of Crystal Plumage came out, everybody making giallos paid attention. And it was just <laughs> it was just the beginning of the incredible stuff we get later on. Uh, Count Yorga was just so different for the time because we, we broke away from the whole Victorian, you know, uh, classic gothic kind of feel and broke it into modern day. Yeah, I think they're solid choices for set 1970. Yeah, I, I was thinking about this one <clears throat> earlier on today, actually, when I was going back through my prep for this show. And whilst I think there is, there, I think our concern was that you had a couple of Bava movies, but they weren't great Bava movies. Um, I mean, yeah. they're good for what they are, but it kind of feels like he's almost treading water until uh, Bay of Blood comes out. Or twitch right. of the death nerve for you North American people. Um, so it does kind of feel like he is treading water a little bit. And Count Yorga, whilst it is not a, a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination, um, it has a bit of camp in it. And it actually has a really good ending. I love the ending. The ending's a total fuck you ending to the audience, which I, I kind of dig. 
Um, the only thing that I think we struggled with, and I'm still kind of struggling with it to an extent, is I think you could make a case for Mark of the Devil. I think you, I think you probably could. Um, well, maybe. well, here's here, here's a good example of why we made the right choice. And I meant to tell you this on the 74 show, but I watched a mid, uh, mid-80s mid movie called Frightmare. Mm. Uh, Frightmares. Uh Jeffrey Combs, you know, and it, they have a collegiate group that studies horror films. And in their dorm or whatever this room is that they've got, they've got all these movie posters up. There was a Count Yorga, Yorga poster. There was not a, uh, <laughs> there was not a Mark of the Devil poster. So that right there said, these are these are people that are educated in horror and they pick Count Yorga. So we made the right choice. We made it. <laughs> On that basis alone, I will stick with it. Right. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna open this up. I'm gonna because it's a round table. I'm gonna round table this because um, I am the chair, which sounds a lot more sexier than it is. Unless it is a sexy chair, which I am, so I'm sexy. So deal with it. Um, oh, so spin it, <laughs> sexy chair. Um, spinning it first to Bo Ransdell. Bo, an interesting list, an interesting collection here. Listening back to that show, which I know you did. Um, d- did you? I mean, do you come down on the same two that we come down, or is there anything that you you find that you know almost that there's a degree of incredulity there that we 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 omitted a movie which could have went through? You know, I I think seventy is interesting because I I do think uh, that Mark of the Devil does. You can make that argument. I agree with that. I'm also a bit partial to Blind uh, Woman's Curse. Yeah. It's just kind of my jam. And it also feels like a weird spiritual successor to Kuro uh, uh, Neko mm-hmm. in a weird way. And so I was kind of into that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if I were going to swap one out, it would be probably Yorga. But it's a tough year. Like, all of these movies are good. But there's not a movie that kind of demands, uh, other than, you know, Crystal Plumage. Yeah. That that's like this is absolutely the best movie, and everything else is like, yeah, all right. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but I don't think anyone's truly right. So. Interesting, interesting. Doug Tilly. Um. Yeah, I pretty much agree with that entirely. I mean. It, Crystal Plumage is sort of unimpeachable. I mean, I'm, maybe someone here will impeach it, but I mean, it, it's such, it's so head and shoulders above the rest of that list that it's you know it's one of those kind of clear outliers. It's like this one will go through. Everything else is sort of a toss up. I will say that I like Count Yorga. Uh, you know, I like it a lot. But when you look at this list as a whole, uh, I feel like it's it's one of those one of the few movies on it that is clearly below that top level. I don't think it belongs on a list of the top twenty horror movies of the 1970s but that that doesn't say anything about the people picking it it's really that 1970 wasn't a particularly good year for horror mm-hmm. uh, or at least wasn't a particularly good year for great horror movies there's a lot of really interesting things i actually envy having to watch a lot of those movies because uh they're so diverse and there's a lot of people trying new things but most of them are sort of failed experiments as opposed to something that's that's kind of truly exceptional um i probably and I know that you uh, have already poo-pooed Baba's <laughs> efforts from this year. I probably would have went with Hatchet for a Honeymoon. Uh, I do love that movie a lot. But Mark of the Devil probably deserves uh, a spot as well. Either way, if, if those two had gone through, they would have come near the bottom of my of, of my 20 uh, from the 1970s. 
Yeah, it's, I think I think what's quite interesting, and you will see when we get to the end, is that a lot of the listeners and a lot of the hosts here all kind of agree exactly with that statement. 70s is a really interesting year for transition, but most of what you see here are ideas which will shape better movies moving forward. Um, out with Bird with a Crystal Plumage, which kind of felt fully formed, and that's why you see it's used not only as a template, from Argento, who goes on and basically remakes it a lot. Um, but all these other directors who are like, all right, that's what we do. All right, that's cool, we can do that. Um, some do it very well, some less well. Um, Andy Blockley. <laughs> now, uh, now, Andy, I'm just going to add that you are in pain. So if you do not want to say anything bad against Bird with a Crystal Plumage just now, you should save your tongue. That's all I'm saying. All I know. It's fine. Um... <laughs> laying my cards on the table I'm not a, a Jallo fan Don't, sure. can't get into them I've watched loads, I really have like really tried my hardest to get into these movies, I won't really argue that Bird with the Crystal Plumage isn't a good film because I watched it quite recently um, to sort of refresh myself for today and um, yeah it's, it's a good movie, I just don't consider it a horror film mm-hmm I think that's the problem. I think that's where I struggle with the fact that it's on the list. Um, out of the films that are on the list, I think it is one of the best films on, you know, from the nine from nineteen seventy yeah. for sure. I just don't consider it a horror film. I don't really know what's in it that makes it a horror. For me, it's just like an episode of Columbo. <laughs> I think, I think. Uh, when forming horror, right, like as a, as a full genre, horror seems to, as it goes on, it seems to very much pick up subgenres as it goes along. Subgenres that really struggle to be housed anywhere else or where other genres are reluctant to house uh, certain things. It's why the whole Korean revenge subgenre is considered horror. I mean, you could argue. Yeah, the things that happen in it are horrific, but they're not really horror movies. But they don't really fall anywhere else, so horror's kind of like that. Yeah, you can play them at our festivals. And yeah, we will take them up. Like, of course, you work with us on this one. Please, please. Uh, Bird with the Crystal Plumage, Jowl is a subgenre in its entirety, is basically the predecessor to Slasher. So if you're, if you're working backwards, you could... You, I mean, it, it's like trying to make the case that... The original Dracula is a horror movie. Universal's Dracula is not a scary movie at all. We don't really see much in it which would terrify an audience now, but at the time it had an impact, and at the time Bird with a Crystal Plumage had an impact. Um, I, I see what you're getting at. It is very much a, oh, someone's committed a murder. Right, let's solve it. Um, and yeah, the Americans twist that when you come to the slasher and it's, it's less about let's solve it, it becomes let's survive. Um, and that- yeah, I think with with, um, with slashes, it's like the the killings themselves aren't, for me, what makes it the horror, it's being stalked, you know, yeah. like being somebody coming after you, the, the terrifying thought that you're about to be killed and the, that kind of thing. Like with me, the murders, I mean, in the instance of Bear the Crystal Plumage, you kind of see the attempted murder happening, but you, there's not really too many killings going on. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like a lot of them with these jellies, well, they're off screen, some of them, especially with something like um, Don't Torture a Duckling that we're going to talk about later on. I think any of the killings are really on screen. You don't get many. No, I was just able to kind of see what's horrific. That's just me. You know, like I say, I'm not saying it's a bad film or anything. I just kind of, I wouldn't have put that, I wouldn't call it a horror film, is all so, I'm saying. I just want to confirm here. Oh. 
just want to confirm here, Andy, that you're calling our gentle a pussy. That's fine. That is, that is, that is fine. I will later on. Hold on. Let me find it. Where's that voodoo doll at? Uh, <laughs> right, a pox it. on your house, sir. <laughs> swing it to our last one. Uh, court psyops. Anything you want to, to come in with? Do you agree with the selections? Disagree with the selections? What's your position? Uh, I don't disagree with the selections. However, I don't like Ricky's use of Frightmare to try and justify why he selected Count Your Vampire. <laughs> Sir, I have seen Frightmare and I do not accept that as a reason to pick Count Your Vampire. <laughs> and also, a pox on your house, Andy Blockley. A pox on your house. There we go. Andy, Andy Blockley. Um, I've got a pox on my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> right. You've all um... seen the pictures. <laughs> Let's swing it to the next year, 1971. I was joined by the the, the big sexy Bo Ransdell, who, who joined me for 71. The movie's a bit better this year. Uh, we had Bay of Blood, The Abominable Dr. Fibes, The Devils, Willard, Daughters of Darkness, Short Night of the Glass Doll, Let's Scare Jessica to Death, The House That Dripped Blood, Twins of Evil, and Cat O Nine Tales. So, um... We put forward from this year The Devils uh, by Ken Russell and Daughters of Darkness. Now, Bo, you have had time to mull this over, sir. Quite a bit of time. Is there anything that you would have changed looking back on that now? No, we nailed this. Um, <laughs> I say with all modesty. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I would like to give a shout out yet again to the fact that in that conversation short night of glass dolls and uh willard yeah were were real big runners up uh in in a, a fun way but no i mean i think look we can talk about daughters of darkness and i'll prove myself right <laughs> but the devils <laughs> is Unimpeachable in my in my opinion, the, the fucking balls. On the this fucking movie. balls on this movie. The fucking yeah. balls on this guy. We did say that a lot in that recording. We also we also did say that a lot of the movies felt like the directors were going like guitar solo yeah. like finishes. Uh, uh huh. We did say that a lot. Uh, yes, I think it's what was interesting about that one was Willard was a first time watch for me, and um. I, I genuinely loved that movie so much so that they announced uh, America was getting a, a, a Blu-ray of it, and in, in the UK they've announced a double pack of both um, Willard and Ben, which I pre-ordered off the back of seeing Willard. I'd seen Ben before, but I thought Ben was Willard, so there we go. Um, or Willard was Ben, either or, either nor. Um, it was a great list actually. What was interesting to me is that you really do see the dominance of. Italian cinema, much to Andy's dismay. Um, there is a dominance of Italian cinema at the start here. And it's all like directors who were kind of either just starting to find their voice or were already, you know, considered maestros. Um, and you see that carrying through with, you know, Bay of Blood by, um, by Bava or, you know, uh, Aldo Lado's, you know, Short Night at the Glass Doll, and the fact that Argento swings back in with Cat and Nine Tails. Um, I, I don't actually, having looked at this, I don't disagree. Uh, I, I still stick with this one. I really like Daughters of Darkness, because I think, once again, very similar to Yorga, I think it's doing something a bit different, and it's, it's actually 
you know, weirdly prescient in terms of the subject matter and how they play off with the sexuality that feels far more fresh and modern than it did back then. Um, I think the acting's really good in it as well, and there's some, some great kind of one-shots in there. And The Devils, it is very hard to argue that Ken Russell didn't just, like, literally whip out his dick and slap it on the table in the 1970s. Um, <laughs> and say, look at it! Look at it! Because um, that's kind of how it feels. It's, uh, um, it is one that I I, uh, I watched again last week, and I was just like, this fucking this fucking the mother the balls in this guy ball the motherfucking balls in this. Movie. I know, so, I know, man. From like frame one, you're right. It is just Russell's dick on the table, just like <laughs> look at it. It's veiny and beautiful, people. <laughs> yeah, I, either that, either that, he walked into the Vatican and took a piss in the holy water. One of the two. It just kind of it kind of feels naughty to watch. Feels like you, you shouldn't be doing it. Feels sacrilegious. Doug Tilly, 1971. Um, do you agree? I uh, I watched The Devils last night as a kind of a refresher for this, and it was the first time I watched the the version with the Rape of Christ scene in it. <laughs> oh, right. um, oh and, welcome uh, to the party, pal. Uh, and you know, the balls on that fucking guy <laughs> <laughs> to make. I mean, look, The Devils is. If anything, watching it last night, um, where I put it on my list, I actually might even knock it up a couple of notches if I had the opportunity. It's that goddamn good. Uh, it, this is another year where there's one that's kind of a, a strong outlier that's so clearly superior that the rest sort of fall behind. That said, if it was me, I like Daughters of Darkness a lot. I like it a lot more than any of those Jess Franco movies that came out in the 70s, which kind of mined similar territory. But if it was me, i put put uh, uh, Dr. Fives forward Ooh, for sure. That like That's... Better. To me, that one belongs on this list, uh, and and you know, I again, it as long as the devils got, went through, I'm not going to argue too much. But uh, I think I put vibes over Daughters of Darkness. Very nice, Andy Blockley. Yeah, well, I heard you guys talking about the devils. Uh-oh. The ball was on this guy. The ball was on this movie, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and I Uh-oh. thought, come on, how bad can it be? How bad can this movie be? So I got hold of it, and yeah. The <laughs> testicular fortitude of this movie <laughs> certainly is uh, is there to be seen. Um, quite phenomenal how it escaped being on the video nasties list. I don't know. Is it was it banned? Is that why? Because it heavily didn't even get the chance. Yeah, heavily, heavily. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, there's some really fucking good shit in there for 1971. <laughs> like, you couldn't probably do something like that today, which oh, is no. kind of weird because you can kind of get away with anything, it seems, today, especially on television, the kind of shit they can show. But yeah, the devil's fuck. Yeah, um, yeah, it didn't let me down. I was uh, pretty impressed with that. I've, um, I've got to kind of echo what Doug said, though. I would have swapped out Doors of Darkness and I would have put Fibes through. I adore that film. I just think it's absolutely superb. Um, I kind of, you know, I couldn't really argue with the points that you made as to why you didn't put it through particularly. Um, I just would have put it through just because of what an absolutely fantastic film I think that is. I just think it's wonderfully written, the dialogue, all the kills, you know, just what a precursor to Thor, all these incredible traps that he sets up, Yeah. you know, 35, 40 years earlier. I just think it's incredible. So, yeah, I'm almost there with you guys, but, yeah, I would have uh, swapped out and had fives in there as well. Right, there we go. Swinging it over to Court Psyops. The Devils has to be my absolute favorite movie of the 70s. Uh, I only discovered it just a few years ago, 
and this is before the I think the BFI release of the DVD. Oh yeah. So the version that I have and the version that I have seen is the cobbled together from various sources and you know with the rape of christ intact from like a laser disc with japanese subtitles or some <laughs> shit like that and it, it, it was bootleg because it was the only way to get a hold of it and watching it it just completely transformed me it turned me into a completely different person after watching it i felt i needed to be more kind because i just felt so <laughs> awful about everything that everybody did in that film because of all of the backbiting and the pettiness and it just it destroys your faith in humanity while rebuilding it at the same time and it just it so changes you and i've never had a movie do that from any decade nearly Can as I much just as ask what the devil's what is done. it they're doing to oliver reed at the end i can't kind of work out what it is they're twisting or hammering in what are they doing <laughs> they're putting they're putting uh chunks of wood like wedges of wood into his shins and splitting them open yeah mm. holy shit okay yeah. And then they made him crawl to where he was going to be burnt at the stake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I thought genitals were involved, but shins is pretty bad too. Yeah. It's, it's a oh, torture move known as um, it's a torture move, uh, Andy, known as the the Vatican carpenter. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not nice. Not nice at all. Yeah. And it's it's pretty accurate to how suspected witches were treated oh, yeah. in order to elicit a confession. And it just turns your stomach, and it just makes oh, you want to vomit just thinking of the stuff that they did. Could could you please say the balls on this guy? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. The fucking balls on this guy, <laughs> eh? To make this fucking movie, the fucking balls, The fucking huh? balls on this guy. Sorry, sorry. Peter you know. Griffin, man. Brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Uh, right, let's say... Uh, oh, I never gave you a chance to see if you agreed with Doors of Darkness, though. It doesn't matter if I agree with Daughters of Darkness because you guys put the devils through and I will forgive any transgression. You could have picked them you could have picked a comedy from nineteen seventy one and I would have been, yeah, yeah, sure, good, good, whatever. We got the devils, I'm good. <laughs> I mean Daughters of Darkness is a great film. I mean, do I like Fibes more? Yes, but I'm I, I don't even fucking care what goes through as long as the devils goes through. <laughs> there we go. Right, let's swing it to Ricky Morgan. Uh totally agree with the picks. Uh if anything, if I would have pushed the, anything different through, I probably would have uh, went to bat for Willard a little bit more. But that's yep. just me. Uh, and a big shout out to Short Night because that's just incredible. Again, we were talking about coming out of 70 and 71, the impacts of what people saw the year before. Everybody's up in their game. You take Mark of the Devil and see what happens with the Devils. Mm-hmm. So you're just seeing this this grow. How far can we push this? And it's just Ken Russell. I mean, come on. Uh, (laughs) uh, you know it's just like what we were saying with Bird of the Crystal Plumage being just heads above all the other movies from that time same thing with with this year The Devils is just knocking it out of the park still has the staying power uh, and I'm a big Oliver Reed fan so it's it's just it's great there we go there we go so Bo not everyone universally agreeing with you on Daughters of Darkness yeah, you know, I I get it. We have the you know British sympathizers and whatnot, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I here is my defense of, of Daughters of Darkness still, uh, which is that not only is it just this beautifully crafted and kind of emotionally complicated movie on top of being about vampires, the influence that this movie has right. is yeah. you can just see it 
in every vampire movie today almost because they're ripping off the hunger which ripped off daughters of darkness and Mm -hmm. um anyway i i think daughters of darkness is just a fantastic film but yeah you know and i i i so appreciate the the unanimity on the fucking balls the fucking balls on on this guy (laughs) oh so good man uh i was like like when when i realized that the devils was going to be on my list that's where i was like oh well i win everything i won it all (laughs) the devils is just one of the greatest things that ever happened to movies so (laughs) right let's say let's swing it to 1972 doug joined me for this episode (laughs) this one actually had a surprising amount of heavy hitters or what i like to call genre heavy hitters for for a start and on this list we had don't torture a duckling last house on the left Deliverance, Frenzy, Asylum, Horror Express, Lisa and the Devil, Dr. Fibes Rises Again, Your Vice is a Locked Room and Only I Have the Key and The Blood Splattered Bride. We chose to move forward, Don't Torture a Duckling, and controversially, although at the time I didn't think it was controversially, but it appeared listeners found it very controversial, we put forward Deliverance in that a lot of people didn't consider Deliverance to be a horror movie. Which just blows my mind. It's like, I can't think of anything more horrific than going out camping um, and being raped. <laughs> Sorry, that's just me. Maybe maybe other people are forgiven of that. I don't know. Um, what was it's, quite... Well, it's kind of a male rape revenge fantasy. Yeah. So, or, or film, yeah. Yeah, so if the, you know... If yeah, where's like... the fantasy in that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fantasies are strong. That's just me. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just clarifying that. Just the, the, I mute your mic if the, you're going to say that. It's not like that again. <laughs> yeah. The term is the term is campy rape, so uh, that kind of you know yes. kills any of the horror influence of it. Yeah. It's campy rape. It's campy. It's real campy. Um, now, to me, Doug, before I swing it to you, um, I am still resolute in my my two picks here. I think "Don't Torture a Duckling" is, and I've just got the Blu-rays just come through from Arrow. And I've watched it, and it's it's beautiful, high definition um, take. And albeit yes, the last shot of that movie is pretty fucking goofy, right? We're, we didn't argue that, <laughs> but in terms of tone and subject matter, and uh, I know Andy's great was there's no deaths in this one. I can kind of understand why there isn't really. It's the it's the death of children, and that's still a taboo subject even today. But was even more taboo in Italian cinema in the seventies. But I think it's it's just a really well written movie, um, incredibly scathing <laughs> of of the church. Funnily enough, just like the devils, just does it in a different way. Um, but it has some really weighty issues which Fulci doesn't tackle really ever again. He, he, I mean, he does things he does things differently after Don't Torture a Duckling, and Deliverance to me is hands down the best made movie in 1972. I think it's I think it's an incredibly shot movie. I think it's incredibly acted. Um I, I almost I, I feel that people don't think it's a horror movie because it's executed so well as people almost feel that it transcends to some other genre, which I don't know what that genre is, but to me it's, it was very much a horror movie. A lot of people expected Last House on the Left to go through, and whilst <laughs> I have seen that movie many, many times, and yeah, I've said it before, it does make me feel ill watching that movie. It, you know, there is something very unsettling about it. Goddamn cops and their quirky bow down, 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 down kind of music that's going on. What? This is not Smokey and the Bandit. This is Last House on the Left. 
Um, so yeah, I stick by my picks there. Doug, have you had a change of heart or are you still with me? I still feel very conflicted about it in some ways. I mean, I'm not going to argue whether something is horror or not. That's something that's become a bit of a general issue in this entire community oh, yes. uh, over that's the last favorite few years. Thing, favorite thing just uh, now. And it's incredibly irritating. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I find, you know, what people find horrific or terrifying. Deliverance is absolutely a horror movie because it's all about, and again, even outside of the, the male rape aspect, which is horrific in and of itself, it is about people being stalked by people in the woods that they can't see, whether they're, you know, demented rednecks or they're some creature. It doesn't really matter, right? It's The tension goes throughout it. It's a survivalist film, and I think it's very influential on the survivalist films that came throughout the rest of the 70s, like the animal horror and the eco-horror type movies. But even the cannibal movies came right from Deliverance. Um, so, I mean, it, I'm not going to argue whether something is horror or not. So just accepting the, the, the films that we went through as horror, I think Deliverance clearly belongs on this list. I feel conflicted about <laughs> Last House still, and I yeah. can see why people would really want it on. I just don't really love that movie. I just don't. Uh, I think that it's incredibly ballsy, uh, if we're going back to the, <laughs> the <laughs> that being a qualifier. <laughs> There's a lot of ball, you know, but it's also, uh, I feel like some of the performances are really weak. I don't think that uh, anyone involved was really working at the top of their game, which isn't, you know, a, a qualifier to say that it shouldn't belong. Yep. But I feel like everyone did better work afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's a movie that's very groundbreaking and very influential, but I don't think it's great. I just don't think it's a great, great movie like I do with Deliverance. And, uh, and look, Don't Torture a Duckling, I was a skeptic about that movie for a really long time. Uh, but when we sat down and watched it actually for your show, uh, yeah. Duncan, we I think we, we all were kind of blown away. Uh, I, I consider it Fulci's best movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it, it took over the spot of the beyond and actually kind of vaulted over it pretty significantly for me. And, uh, and uh, I think, you know, to me, Giallo as a genre, uh, it can be a little sketchy. I think it can. It, I don't think there's a lot of really stone cold classics in it, but uh, the ones that are uh, are going to be on this list of the best of the '70s, and uh, we're going to talk about all of them. But uh, Duckling, I think, belongs in the conversation uh, of the best ever made. There we go. There we go. Yeah, I, I, just to to echo what you're saying about the whole is it horror? Is it not horror? You know what I love these days, Doug? I love strangers telling me what scares me online. You know, people I've never met before tell me what scares me. That's that's my favourite thing. 2017, the year of It's Not a Horror Movie. Um, right, let's, <laughs> bitterness aside, let's swing this to Andy Blockley. Now, Andy Blockley specifically name-checked Don't Torture a Duckling earlier on, um, but not didn't necessarily negatively name-check it. He just accurately pointed out that a lot of deaths in this movie, in fact, pretty much all of them, are off-screen, apart from the, the fantastic dummy being flung off a cliff <laughs> at the end of the movie which is which is well executed Andy um, do you agree with the picks here or what would you have changed yeah I mean obviously I totally appreciate horror is completely subjective and when I say I don't consider something a horror film that's just purely my way of sort of rationalising why it's as low on my list as it is yeah yeah um, I think I went for to, out to bat for Deliverance quite early on when we were kind of discussing can this even be on there like I totally think um, yeah Deliverance should be on the list. I think I made quite a flippant remark about if you like being bummed or not. You know, <laughs> for me, like <laughs> Deliverance is one of those really rare things in horror where you actually, or any film really, where you actually get to see male on male sexual violence in a in a setting that isn't a prison. Yeah. 
Mm. It's not really that, not really very often done at all. Obviously, you got Pulp Fiction did it. Um, I can't really think of many other films. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, just because this has got like Burt Reynolds in and, you know, and John Voight, it's really similar to something like Wrong Turn. You know, it's just a bunch of people, like you say, getting stalked in the woods by, and it doesn't really matter who. Um, yeah. It's fucking horrific and it's kind of terrifying. And I totally, you know, I totally uh, agree that Deliverance should be on there. Don't torture a duckling. <laughs> Just, oh. I don't know. Like, maybe I need to watch it more than once. I think it's a really fucking bad movie. Oh. Like, I just <laughs> couldn't get it. <laughs> on your house, sir. It's <laughs> pulling a blockly. Like, Do it, Andy. I personally would have put Last House on the left through. It's as a horror film, right? Not necessarily whether it's a better, just a film in general, but as a horror film, I think like Asylum's a better horror film, Frenzy's a better horror film, Horror Express, Vibes, pretty much everything else. I, I really just couldn't get into it. I mean, what really sat with me, like that no one has really mentioned yet as well, is the weird, weird fucking paedophile scene where like a 30-year-old woman is trying to seduce like what looks like a 12-year-old kid. Yep. Probably is fucking great for the kid. People go, oh, yeah, you know, it's brilliant, isn't it? I love that. But you know, like for me, just because I work in child protection, so for me, like just because somebody consents, doesn't mean they're not a victim. You know, I see plenty of thirteen-year-old girls that willingly go and meet a forty-year-old bloke mm-hmm. and have sex. He's still on the fucking sex offenders register, going to prison and getting his fucking balls cut off. You know, it's like yeah. that weird role reversal thing. It seems okay if it's like a thirty-year-old woman on a on a young lad, just because you think, oh, I fucking love it if that happened to me. Yeah, just maybe. What, just what I just want to stress: no one said that, though. I know we maybe oh, never no, no. A, never addressed it, but we didn't. We're not. Nah. I, also, I, I don't. I don't think that the film presents that as this clearly black and white. This is a positive thing for yeah. the child or the adult in this case. I think it's clearly meant to to send a message of this is kind of fucked up. Yeah. yeah I mean, to be honest, I'm kind of talking about myself in a way because before I kind of worked where where I work, and I'd hear like a a, 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 you know, a sexy teacher like shags a 14 year old student. I go brilliant, looking <laughs> 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 great, good for him. Um, but I kind of think now, you know, oh God, it's still being prayed. And then that just really sat fucking weird with me, that, that bit in the movie, because it kind of doesn't come to anything. I think that's what I find most strange, almost a bit like Fulci was maybe kind of indulging himself in a bit of a fantasy it's, there. It's, to set up as a, it's loosely to set up as a red herring. Yeah, she's, she's a suspect uh, no. for, a, for a, a large portion of the movie. Yeah, um, so that bit was pretty fucking horrific. But apart from that, like I just couldn't get into it. I've, I've read it like a lot of reviews on this. They almost just think, what is it that people like about this film? Mm-hmm. I just think, I don't know. And I know like Italian movies are kind of known for this. They're kind of known for the bad dubbing, which obviously makes it look like they're terribly acted. And I'm sure if I watched it in Italian with subtitles, which I couldn't find a version like that, maybe I'd appreciate it a little bit more. Um, but I just think this is a really crap film. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm sorry. Motherfucker. Oh. <laughs> well, 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 guys, guys, there's only going to be a few times that he's going to say that this is a really crap film. Um, so, so just accept it. So we it. should this savor is, it? Yes. Just, it, just, well, every, just every year on the countdown. <laughs> yeah, just, so what you need to do is, like, you just, just need to remember that as bad as this feels, Suspiria still to come. So um, <laughs> I just got a couple left, and then and then it's on the up. Yeah. Hey, and that's one of mine too. Um, put in. That's that's one of mine too. This is true, dog. <laughs> but they're oh, like, well, this is Andy, by the way. Hi. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, anyway, it's okay, people. People are allowed to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
But just to wrap it up, yeah, I thought that was worth addressing the bird with the crystal plume. I think it's just an interesting kind of flip that if it was like a 40, 30-year-old guy yeah. trying to seduce a 12-year-old girl, yeah. I think people would really talk about that a lot. But I read a load of reviews on Amazon, maybe like 20 reviews I can't flick through, and nobody mentioned it. So I just thought it was worth mentioning. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm just not really keen on that film. I, maybe I need to watch it again. Um, but just not for me. If you, uh, but, if you are, get the Arrow one, and there's a really great documentary and analysis on it, um, okay. where um, a critic explains in a bit more detail why she thinks that scene's important, uh, and specifically the role of women, the, the kind of three-position role of women um, in that movie, which is like hugely fascinating. It adds up to... I just think it's... I can't change your opinion. I know that you don't like Don't Touch Her, don't like I just think it's... It's just like a, yeah. on a different level from a lot of those movies that came out. I think I'm just not a fan of Italian cinema in general. And it's quite strange because I really love French cinema and Spanish cinema and Korean and Hong Kong cinema and yeah. J-horror. And I, I, it's not that I've got a problem with foreign films. Yeah. There's just something about Italian films that just really don't resonate that strongly with me at all. Yeah. Um, and this is kind of one of the ones where I'm kind of got to the end of it. And I just thought I don't really understand what all the fuss is about with this one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe a second watch is in order. Yep, cool. Right, let's swing this. Who has not spoke? Court hasn't spoke, have you yet? No, I'm just sitting here fuming. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Court, with- um, give us a rundown then. Do you agree, disagree with the picks? <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to argue against Deliverance, uh, whether or not I feel it's horror or just a Saturday afternoon where I grew up. That's that's not important. <laughs> but Don't Torture a Duckling, I feel definitely belonged on this list. It is one of the templates for what would come later on for Giallo. Mm-hmm. More so, I think, for me personally, than even Bird with the Crystal Plumage, no matter how controversial people are going to think that is. Because it brings in the sleaze factor that so many of these jollies ended up resorting to. But it does it in very subtle ways up until we see the pedophile scene with the the 30-year-old woman. And it definitely needs to be there because what it was trying to show is every single person in that town was horrible. Yeah. And the children... Exactly. The reason that the children are allowed to be killed and no one really seems to be doing anything about it is because they're all so self-involved to the point that they don't even care that this drugged out rich lady living above the the family there is actually doing things like this because she's just getting away with it. Even the freaking priest, everybody is just well, the rotten priest, the, and the, the, the priest is killing them because he wants to keep them innocent. He doesn't want them to turn in. Not that that's any... Any um, like like in his own up. twisted logic, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why he's I mean doing that's that, a very so. Catholic thing to do too, and I think that's why Fulci put it in there because in his in the priest's own twisted logic, uh, it, it even kind of fits in with the way that the religious folks would think, especially the the extremist version of like Catholicism or even Christianity, mm-hmm. is that to a certain point a child is innocent. And then once there's a, a, a secret line that no one really knows that once you cross, that's when you're really responsible for all your sins. Mm. That's one of the things that got driven home, you know, with with the teachings that I had whenever I was dragged to church as a kid. So this is very much prominent in the film. So the horror isn't necessarily, you know, watching a woman getting beaten to death by chains, which is still pretty fucking horrific. It isn't it isn't necessarily the pedophilic stuff. It's the overall lack of moral center 
in this town mm -hmm. and the overreaction of a religious zealot extremist to try and save people, quote unquote, save people. And he feels that what he's doing is right. And just letting that get stuck in your craw does not sit well at all. And the worst part of it is there's nothing in this film that actually probably couldn't happen. Right. This could be something that you would read about years later. You know, psychotic priest murders children in small Italian town because everybody's a fucking evil bastard. Hmm. You can kind of feel say. you can kind of feel Fulci kind of exercising some demons in it too. You can tell this mm -hmm. is a very personal project, which considering how, especially even his allotted later work, it feels that he's kind of of, of doing it from a distance. This one, I feel like you really feel that he is connected to the material uh, and that he's trying to to make a statement. Which you know, it's kind of refreshing because a lot of Gialli are kind of criticized as being style over substance. Yeah, yeah. And in, in Fulci's case, particularly, a lot of his work, and I fucking love Fulci, so it hurts me to say this, but a lot of Fulci's work really was style over substance. He just mm -hmm. threw yes. shit at you and just was like, whatever sticks, sticks, and if you don't like it, fuck off, which is one of the reasons why I love him. Don't Torture a Duckling is very much the opposite of that, where every single thing that he puts in the film is very intentionally put there, and it's ridiculously the most subtle thing that Fulci has ever done <laughs> yeah. like like to yep. to the point to the point where if if you don't sit back and just absorb the overall idea of the film it's not going to have that effect on you so absolutely Andy a second watch is in order and <laughs> just kind of just kind of let it wash over you and you know if it takes watching it in Italian with subtitles give it a shot but you know what they dubbed everything including the italian yeah, soundtrack yeah. everything <laughs> everything yeah. with italian cinema is always dubbed so it never feels yeah. fully they, they don't record with <laughs> never, yeah, no, yeah none of the movies are recorded with sound so everything's done post yeah and it is i i can i can attest it is a it is a significant hurdle to get over with italian film but once you get past that point to where the weird sort of esoteric feeling to the dubbing where everything feels like it just doesn't quite match up it ends up becoming like an enhancement thing. It's like hazelnut in your coffee or something. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I do like Fulci's horror. I like his Gate to Hell trilogy. I've got those on Blu-ray and kind of watch them fairly regularly. Um, so yeah, this is something different. This is just so it's so subtle, and I, I I hate using that term, and especially to try and describe Fulci. But this is literally <laughs> the most subtle and nuanced film this man has ever made, and it's just. I can't even believe it. And you know what? I, I'll admit it. I didn't like Don't Torture a Duckling the first time I saw it either. But I mean, what you said made a lot of sense, really, about the fact that it's the town, really, is the kind of the horrific yeah. aspect. They just don't seem to give a fuck. And, and I it's think all of humanity people. in that town, too. It's kind every miss, single yeah, living person. Kind of missed that a little bit, I think. Yeah, but if, no, yeah. no, no one's saying you're wrong, Andy. That's because that, we're not going to. I'm do saying that. you're wrong, Andy. I think I <laughs> no, one, no one is saying that Andy is wrong. No yeah, one. I'm quite happy for someone to kind of explain why they liked it because, like I said, because be, purely because of that, I went through on Amazon and IMDb to kind of think, well, what is it? You know, what am I missing Never here? So no, it's good to, to hear. It is. It is good to get <laughs> some uh, some other points of view. We, we've spoken about IMDb. Like, IMDb is the, the great bastion of this is a terrible movie. I don't. Everyone that made this movie should be ashamed of. Yourself. There is no redeeming features. Five out of ten. You know, you're like, what? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Uh, right, Bo Ransdell, you're tagged in here. 1972. Did we get it right, or do you disagree? You know, I, I started from a place of making an argument for last uh, House on the Left. Uh huh. 
Uh, and I, I think I've been swung around to duckling as well. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, like I, like I don't, and like, if you listen to some of the shows I was on, you, you might have heard me say that I, I, I kind of had Jolly Clockwork Oranged into me. Yeah. Uh, as we were doing these shows, and so my appreciation level is much higher than it's ever been. And uh, Don't Torture a Duckling was was a really good rewatch for me. And um, yeah, I mean, I I think you're right. I, it It's a movie that I always feel bad after seeing. Yeah. And that's why maybe I like uh, Last House. I don't feel great about that either. Yeah. It's just like, it's just the, you know, the Sophie's Choice of Bummers. Um <laughs> That would describe this entire top ten experiment that Duncan came up with. So yeah, bummers. Yay. Yeah, well, uh, but I, I do think Deliverance is is the standout here. I think it's one of the best movies from the seventies in general, uh, clearly. And yeah, I, I think it holds up. Even I think it, it you know, I, it, like we were talking about the Devils being a movie that couldn't get made today. You could make Deliverance today. Yeah, it'd be difficult. And, I mean, not as a big budget film like this was with honest to goodness movie stars and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it's it's special. Uh, But, yeah, you know, yeah, I think you guys got it right. Well, there we go. I'll allow it. Ricky Morgan? (laughs) Don't Church of the Duckling was the movie that made me realize the genius that Fulci is. Uh, even in his crazy, wacky ways. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, Court was saying it earlier. It's, it's, there's nothing scarier than as a parent growing up and thinking that your kid is not safe anywhere. Mm-hmm. What's even scarier than that is to have parents that don't care if their kids are safe or not. Yeah. And you see all of that in this movie. Um, the priest is just a piece of it. Again, it's the wacky, kind of off the rails. Hey, I'm trying to protect the kids by killing them. You know, not <laughs> not the best choice, you know. But at the same time, um, it's so well put together. Um, I think you see a lot of influence from this and other stuff later on. I'm even going to go out and say that even Salem's Lot pulls a little bit from this. Mm-hmm. As far as just the, you know, our kids are being killed off and, uh, you know, nobody really cares. Um, <laughs> and um, so you, you've got a lot going on. But when somebody says, don't torture a duckling to me, I go right to. And, and of course, Court said it a while ago. It's, it's not supposed to be the centerpiece. But the way that Fulci put together the scene where the town's guys, you know, they, they all gather together to, be, to beat the woman with the chains. Yeah. And you've got the radio playing over there on the in the little car. That just hits you so hard. It it is I would say it's as brutal as you know, it could very easily be in, in martyrs. It's it's that kind of brutal. Yeah, I mean it's and, uh, I, I mean you can see why Tarantino was influenced to use it in Reservoir Dogs. Yes. I mean right. he, and he openly admits that. You know, huge influence on him in Reservoir Dogs for, for the scene yep. where the um the guy's ears being cut off. Because <laughs> it, it yep. follows exactly like that. It's, it's it's incredibly powerful. Exactly. And and I think again that that's what made me realize the power that Fulci has because most of the stuff I'd seen before was, you know, Gates of Hell trilogy and stuff. So it's all about over the top gore. Where this kind of pulls away, and even though you've got the gore factor with the chains and everything, but the way that it's set up and the music playing in the background, and there's really no sounds except the sounds of pain is just 
it, it just stays with you. So that scene in particular is just it just really stands out to me. Great, great put together film. This is one of the earlier giallos I'd seen. Um, and, and besides the priest, you know, the, the 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 falling down the cliff scene, you know, besides that part, it's just an absolute brilliant film. Um, like that scene in The Simpsons where Homer keeps falling out the ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> Now, on the other side of this, I do love Deliverance, without a doubt. Um, I think it kind of caught everybody off guard when it came out. Mm -hmm. It's a big budget movie with possibly the biggest male stars of the time together in one film. And the things that happened in that, I think, really made the way for a lot of the stuff, like you were saying, uh, you know, Wrong Turn, all these movies that came later. But I still have to go back and talk about Last Health for me. Yeah. Um, Yes, it's got its quirky stuff, but there's 20 minutes in that film there that to me there is no equal. Um, I, it's just unbelievable. When you see the interviews with the people that were actually doing these scenes, and they said in between takes they couldn't even look at each other yeah. because of what they were doing, it's really, really disturbing. And again, it's the same thing with Deliverance. This is the movies where this is real. <laughs> this is the stuff that really happens. Torture Duckling the same way. Yeah. These are a different breed of horror that we hadn't really come up to yet because it's always been monsters or, you know, Dr. Fives dressed up and getting revenge. It's these kind of things. And this is hitting home. This is your kids aren't safe. You aren't safe. Um, you know, it's just a different, different time. Last House on the Left is the only movie I ever had to get up and turn off and take a break from to make it through it because I wasn't scared of what I saw. I was scared of what I thought I was going to see. Yeah. And that is the power of a great director. Yes, it's got its campiness in it, but I think if you read the interviews and stuff, that was on purpose because they knew the stuff that they were making was pushing it a bit too far. So it enabled to pull it back out. You do the Keystone Cop kind of thing going yeah. on. In hindsight, yes, it does hurt it. But again, there's there's a solid 20 minutes of that film that has no equal. Um, so that would be the only argument I would have as far as that list. But not taking anything away from Deliverance because big, big budget film. John Borman, you know I'm a Borman fan. I do. <laughs> um, it's a great it's a great film. And uh, but that would be the only argument I have. I think Deliverance is one of the best made movies of the 70s. But as far as being one of the best horror movies even mm. though uh, i agree i think it is hard to a degree i just think that uh, last house edges it out a little bit so that's my only argument cool cool right let's swing this one to 1973 bo was back with me now bo had said to me in advance that he only really wanted one year if he could by some stretch of the imagination land 1973 he would be over the moon um I then advised them, very much like I advised everyone, that it would be done by random selection and not because people were wanting things. Because that's now how I operate. In fact, if you tell me you really want a year, chances are you won't get it. Because that's how much of a dick I am. He'll be like that. Oh, you really want that one, do you? You're not getting it. Um, but for some reason, pretty much everyone landed with the years that they want. So Google, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe secretly recording your, your selections uh, or what you were looking at online and feeding into the random selection. Who knows? Bo got 1973. It's a whopper of a year, actually. This one was the first one that when I sat down to go through it, I was like, 
Oh shit, we've got we've we, we've we've got trouble here. Uh, we had The Exorcist, The Legend of Hell House, The Wicker Man, Don't Look Now, Lamora, A Child's Tale of the Supernatural, Sisters, The Crazies, Scream, Blackula Scream, Theatre of Blood, and Torso. So just a couple of movies that were good. Um, <laughs> so this to me is like the first year that we did where this is the after effect of a lot of the groundwork that had been put in in the first couple of years of the 70s that are now paying off. Uh, people are taking the ideas from the devils uh, and then converting it into movies like The Exorcist. Um, people are taking the ideas like to an extreme from something like Bird with a Crystal Plumage and coming out with a movie like Torso. Um, we are in this weird world of, you know, this kind of almost Polanski style <sighs> Psychosis, which you know filters through into a movie like Don't Look Now, and um, we have the you know the, the the debut of De Palma with Sisters. We we have a lot going on in this year, but we didn't really debate that much at all when it came to this one. We comfortably put forward The Exorcist, surprise, surprise, um, and with very little to and fro and Don't Look Now went through, which I'm still comfortable with. I'm still 100% comfortable with. Both thought I was going to put up an argument for The Wicker Man, and yes, there is a time and place to do that, but not when it's against Don't Look Now in my eyes. I think that movie's absolutely fucking incredible, um, and a movie that, that really resonates with me on a very, very deep level, and that I don't know how I would cope if I lost my child. And um, yeah, and, and there, there are things in that movie that are weird and wonderful, and Nicholas Roge is the director. This to me is where he is very much like on a completely different level than, than all the other auteurs out there at the time. Uh, Bo, thinking back on it now, you we had a bit of chat. Uh, you were really batting for The Legend of Hell House hard. Um, I like that movie. You do, and it's a it's a great movie. Um, have you changed your position? Are, are you still comfortable with what we put through, or you know, has time been less kind to the Exorcist and Don't Look Now? Yeah, Duncan, both of those movies are crap now. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to change it. Um, no, I I mean. <laughs> You're arguing about like which there there are easily three, mm, arguably four films on this list that nine out of ten people would tell you belong on a list of the the best horror films of the seventies. Yeah, uh, you know whether it's Sisters or Wicker Man or Exorcist or Don't Look Now or The Crazies, uh, you can certainly make an argument for that. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of great movies on this list. I, a couple of shout-outs for people who didn't listen uh, to the episode. Go watch Lamora. There is something kind of wonderful about that movie, really uh, even yeah. though it's not, not a best of the 70s overall, but by God, people ought to see that. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I feel very confident about both of those movies. Uh, and... You know, don't look now, man. I, like every time I watch that, it just the the fact that it surprises you yeah. with being about the supernatural. Ultimately, hmm. you know, like that's its little sneaky trick in a way. And oh, damn, that movie's good. <laughs> uh, all right, no, I'm good. I feel yeah. <laughs> Nicholas Rogue is just like you know kicking the amp over. <laughs> 
<laughs> he is Slash in the November Rain music video when he's on the cliff <laughs> with no amp, just playing. That's who he is. Like yeah, here blown in the wind. Uh, yeah, and, and 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 it's worth pointing out. Like we keep skipping over it, but holy shit, The Exorcist. Yeah. Like it's just kind of a given that that movie is brilliant, but it is. I like that. That's the horror film in my mind that brought a level of realism to horror that is still when horror is at its best. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was. It was up until this week the highest grossing horror movie of all time. I I don't think they're factoring Jaws into that. I think Jaws made more. Yes. Because Exorcist, you've got to remember, Exorcist has been released three times, three full cinematic runs. So I think that's where it got but, the, the total. Right, but Jaws started the summer blockbuster. It all made right. all of the money. It made all of the money. All the money went to that movie and there was no yeah. money left, Duncan. It, uh, <laughs> there were lines at gas stations in America because Jaws had made all of the money. <laughs> <laughs> On box office mojo for adjusted uh, ticket price uh, in, for inflation, they have Jaws as number seven all time with over a billion gross. Oh, so well, I there mean, you go. It, yeah, yeah they're, they're not covering Jaws then. Who's the, what horror site is not covering Jaws as a horror movie? Let's it find is these people. Jaws isn't horror. That's exactly the problem. So, you know, I, I remember seeing the, the posters and stuff as a kid where Jaws is busting through the, the barrier that the exorcist is grossed and all that stuff. So, But it wasn't comparing you know, horror to non-horror or anything like that. It was just movies in general at that point. And I think now we've subdivided everything to all these genres and how it happens. But yeah, I mean, come on. It's The Exorcist. I mean, Case closed. Yeah, we need to sort this shit out. We need to form a vigilante posse. Hunt these <laughs> motherfuckers down. That's what I'm saying. That's the way I'm going. Uh, yes, Bo, I agree with you. It's very, it was almost a given when we did the... It was a given when 1973 list was done. Even on the show, we didn't really talk about it. We were like, that, yeah, The Exorcist, that's going through. Yeah, right, awesome, next movie. Um, we didn't get into detail about it. And that's not to say that there's not a lot to talk about. There, there are hours upon hours upon hours of podcasts, writings... Um, you, you know, like interpretations and, and just praise lavished over that movie that when it came to us talking about it we were like nothing we're going to say in five minutes talking about this movie is going to you know this is a given to put through but it is a fucking incredible movie arguably one of the greatest horror movies of all time arguably the best horror movie of the 70s we'll find out <laughs> ladies and gents or we'll find out that's how you keep them keep them listening um, let's swing this pendulum over to let's start with Court um, agree or disagree with the two that went through for 1973 The Exorcist I cannot disagree in any way shape or form but... of course I have uh, a, a whole lot of baggage with The Exorcist because I kind of saw it when I was like four or five mm-hmm. when I shouldn't have <laughs> I snuck out and kind of hid in the hallway while my parents were watching it so that film is Still to this day, it goes right back to being that little kid scared hiding in a hallway watching The Exorcist through some mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> but um, don't look now. I I probably wouldn't have put on the list. I, I I I yeah. Um, I can't really remember. Yeah, I can't really remember the other ones that were on 1973 off the top of my head right now. But at this point, I'm getting delirious, so I'm not going to argue talk now. <laughs> oh, there you go. He, he just pulled a blockly. 
<laughs> pulled a blockly on this show. Um, yeah, I don't know what I would have put over top of it. Is what I'm yeah. saying. Like yeah, I yeah. can't, I can't recall right now. So, so I give a, up. No, 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 no. Let's swing it out. Legend of Hellhouse, The Wicker Man, Lamora, Sisters of Crazies, Scream, Blackula, Scream, Theater, Blood and Torso. I probably, I probably would. If I were on 73, I probably would have argued more for Wicker Man or yeah. possibly Legend of Hellhouse a little bit more. And I understand both trial for that and how he, he wanted to see Legend of Hellhouse go through. I would have tried to find a way to justify and I probably would have fought a little bit on that, but I don't know. I Bo can't argue like that a don't bitch. look now. I like, I like what you're saying, Bo caved. caved like <laughs> Folded like I'm, an accordion. I like it. I but Don't Look Now also features Donald Sutherland's ass very prominently. <laughs> so I can't think of anything more He's horrific closed. than... Yeah, I can't think of anything more horrific than prominently featuring oh. Donald Sutherland's ass. What a fine ass so, ass. by that logic, Animal House should also be on this list somewhere, I think. <laughs> right, let's swing this one to Andy Blockley, 1973. Thoughts? Oh, I can think of something worse than Donald Sutherland's ass and that's him having his toes sucked. Oh, that's the scariest thing about this movie for me. Um, yeah, The Exorcist, I've got to totally agree. I mean, I think this movie, probably better than anything else we're going to talk about tonight, holds up so well by today's standards. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you could have the best director, the best actors, all the money in the world, and you still can make a movie today as good as this. I can't believe how well it holds up for a film as old as it is. No one's ever done a possession movie as good as this, in my opinion. I totally agree. Um, that it's gone through. I think I would have fought for The Wicker Man mm -hmm. probably quite hard. Um, I do appreciate Don't Look Now. do think it's a good movie. There's a great sense of dread throughout that movie. Um, but I find it easier just purely looking at it from do I think, which do I think is a better horror film. I can put myself in a position of um, Edward Woodward's character easy, more easily than I can put myself in the position of the people in Don't Look Now just because I've not got kids. Yeah. Um, so I find that far more horrific that he's stuck on that island with all those lunatics. Um, there's just something really fucking creepy about that. And then that incredible fuck you ending. Yeah. Um, I just think it's amazing. I could have totally done without the musical numbers in that movie. <laughs> um, uh -huh. Which kind of knocks it down for us. There's no musical numbers in Don't Look Now. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> I find it irritating and out of place. Um, I actually, if you listen to the lyrics in the songs, they are actually quite good. And they're, they're kind of they're well written songs. They're just bad songs, and they kind of don't need to be there. Um, I think Sisters is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, unfortunately, I watched Sisters fairly recently, and I think if I'd have watched it back then, obviously I wasn't born, but you know, people that watched it back then probably would not have guessed the, guessed the twist. Yeah, um, right. Because yep. there's been a hell of a lot of films that have done a very similar thing. I guessed the twist before I'd even pressed play, just on the fact that it was called Sisters. I thought, this is going to be one of them. Um, still really enjoyed it. I think The Crazies is good. I think it's the remake is, is one of those rare occasions when the remake's better. I do prefer the remake, um, but I do think The Crazies is, is a pretty cool little movie. Um, but yeah, personally for me, it would have been Exorcist and Wicker Man, but I can't really argue with Don't Look Now either. I do think that's a pretty cool film. Interesting, interesting. Ricky Morgan... Well, we've already talked about The Exorcist. No argument there. Again, we always have one movie in just about every one of these years where it just stands out so high above the others. The second pick, you know, it can kind of go any ways. Uh, we've talked about Don't Look Now before just in conversation. Mm -hmm. It's a brilliant film. It's it's haunting. Uh, sticks with you. But you know what? And Bo said it because he wanted the year, but 
man, Legend of Hell House? Yeah. Torso? I mean, Torso is my second favorite giallo of all time, pre-slasher. I love it. Uh, Sisters, good grief, man. I mean, De Palma punching you in the face. The Wicker Man. I mean, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't have this year. <laughs> <laughs> and at the bottom of the pile, and, and, and Andy just said it and almost said sacrilege, but uh, The Crazies, man. Uh, it's actually my favorite Romero film. Uh, it's the zombie film without zombies in it. Uh, again, making us the monster. Yeah. The, the fact of the beginning of that movie when the dad kills his family – or the father, you know, he's killing, he kills his kid and his wife, sets the house on fire, and then he's sitting in a cop car yelling for them to jump out the window to save themselves. Yeah. Horrific. Horrific. Yeah. Absolutely horrific. Um, so I'm, I think y'all did a fantastic job in this episode because I was pulling my hair out the whole time listening too because <laughs> I love all of these so much. But, uh, if you sat down and showed these to people, I think these two would be the ones that would have the most effect now, going back and watching them. Interesting. Dr. Tully. I think it says a lot about this year that a movie as good as Theater of Blood isn't really part of the conversation. Yeah. of Right. The yeah. yeah. That one uh, too. Yeah. I mean, that's a great, great movie, right? And I agree. It really shouldn't be part of this conversation because it the, the, the films that are best from this year are not even head and shoulders for this year, but maybe of the entire decade in some ways mm-hmm. exorcist has to go through i you know that I'm, I'm really happy that people haven't really argued that point you, you've heard it argued probably by people that if you don't have a strong religious belief that the exorcist isn't an affecting movie but <laughs> yeah. i always thought about it as a movie that is about the anxiety of a parent who has a child right. with some sort of illness and you don't know what sure. it is and what you know the lens that you'll go to to kind of deal with that that's something that you see so often now again i don't have a child myself but you know you can kind of relate to that anxiety uh, and don't look now. It really kind of covers some of that same territory about you know what hap- what happens to you, the grief that you would feel if something happened to your child, and the kind of psychological effects that might have. Um, if I was to debate this list, I feel like it would be a really difficult internal struggle because if I was to deba- if I was to just you know without the rules that Duncan has put in place, put together the best horror movies in the 1970s. I'd have to include the Wicker Man on there. Yeah. And it's kind of weird to look at this entire list and not see it on yep. there. Uh, and I'm going to argue the point that the music is great in the Wicker Man. I think it's fucking <laughs> amazing, in fact. Uh, I think it helps make that movie, and I think it helps set the tone of it. But um, And I think also the fact that I don't have children might be a contributing factor to why I might have picked the Wicker Man over Don't Look Now. However, Don't Look Now is, is sort of one of those unimpeachable movies as well. Uh, it is a movie that that relies on kind of tone and atmosphere and sort of an uneasiness created by the editing as opposed to kind of strict horror, you know, right in your face all the way through that the that the exorcist kind of gets into as it moves along. So, uh, you know, this is the kind of part of the 70s where horror sort of comes home, that the supernatural elements are sort of on the edge, but there's a lot of real, really kind of realistic uh, yep. uh, setting there where characters react in a very realistic way. So I'm really glad that we're talking about those three in particular uh, as potential to move on. But I will say that it's sort of a failing of this whole process that the Wicker Man won't be in the debate a little bit later on. So uh, I, I think you made the right decision, but it, it pains me to say it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it gets worse. It gets worse the further we go along through here because, like Doug said, there are going to be notable 
movies missing on the final list, and it's because I am evil. Um, <laughs> I think that's the, <laughs> we'll just name this episode Duncan is a Bastard. Um, Duncan is a sadomasochistic bastard. Yeah, I did get off on all of it. Um, in 1974, saw The Return of Ricky Morgan. Two hosts still to make an appearance, uh, by the way, but Ricky Morgan came back for his second year. Um, 74 was the controversial, the first big controversial one. Um, it sparked a ton of debate on the Facebook group page, some listener, <laughs> uh, some listener messages and emails um, with people going, what, what are you doing, man? <laughs> are you okay? Uh, uh, has fatigue already set in? Uh, and in 1974, we discussed Death Dream, Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, Deranged, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Black Christmas, Abbey, Sugar Hill, Madhouse, Spasmo, and Captain Cronus, Vampire Hunter. Now, I loved 1974 because it got, mm-hmm. gave me the opportunity to fling in some truly amazing black exploitation horror movies the ones that just make me smile from ear to ear and just doing 70s horror allowed me that opportunity where the big names were already picked by my co-hosts to start being playful with my side of the list and bring forward things that maybe aren't necessarily the cream of the crop always but are definitely worthy of discussion that don't get enough discussion we settled on this one for Death Dream and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I will be honest with you, up until the point of going in to do this episode, I had it pretty much set in my head that it was Texas Chainsaw Massacre definite. Um, very much like the previous years, it's the one that's head and shoulders above the rest. But I had some inner turmoil between Let's Sleep in Corpses Lie and Black Christmas. And then I watched Death Dream for the first time. And that movie floored me. I mean, absolutely floored me, and you can hear it on the episode where I was like that. Why? Like, I know Bob Clark movies. We have a few of them in this year. Um, you know, Deranged, Black Christmas, and, um, you know, Death Dream are all from that camp. Why is it I have never heard anyone talk about Death Dream, ever? I'd never heard of it before. And in fact, I I'd, I'd kind of looked a little bit cynical on my list when Ricky had picked it, because I was like... He has missed some noticeable ones here. Why is he went for there? Watched it and was floored by how powerful it is. Such a powerful, powerful movie that when it came to discuss it, to me it was almost a no-brainer. Um, having let that settle <laughs> since uh, <laughs> be, being captured up with with, with the, the the fever have what of watching them at the time. I'm pretty much sticking with my guns on this one. I watched Death Dream two nights ago again. Um, and it's like, is it a perfect movie? No, not by any stretch of the imagination. But when you look at the, the kind of after effect of, I mean, Dawn of the Dead isn't out yet, so people aren't really working on the, this is the template blueprint of how to make a zombie movie. We just have all these kind of fractious levels. In fact, when you look at it here, like Sleeping Corpses Lie, Death Dream, and um, uh, what's the other one? Uh, Sugar Hill. All three of them are zombie movies and not one of them does zombies the same way as any of the other ones. They, they all do them completely different because they're still fractious at this point trying to find a centre narrative that they can pin as a template to how to make these movies, which they will have in a couple of years' time. Death Dream to me just has a whole hell of a lot of emotion and soul behind it, which, you, which didn't... It shocked me. It shot. I, I didn't expect it, and I. Bo will tell you. I have a bit of a reputation as being 
Uh, uncaring? Is that a fair word, Bo? Insensitive? Um, yeah, Dead like inside, a, I think. A, yeah. a cold automaton of a human being. <laughs> seems fair. Um, seems, it doesn't, doesn't feel overtly harsh. I wouldn't know anyway because I'm cold and dead inside. Um, but... <laughs> Like I could feel myself at the end of this movie just just feeling like the feeling human bo human emotions um, <laughs> I did I felt really sad at the end of this movie and it's something that I don't generally feel when watching movies uh, and if it's going to extract that sort of response from me then it's to me it's worthy of putting it on the list for that reason like I say I think Let's Sleep in Corpses Lie is a better made movie I think there's no competition there and Black Christmas is certainly like Texas Chainsaw Massacre incredibly important in its position but if I was standing up for the little guy which I felt that I had to do when doing this one Death Dream all the way uh, Ricky have you changed your mind I don't think you have because you came in militant that you were going to convert me on Death Dream <laughs> like you, you didn't have to uh, well I I have kind of changed my mind. I want to take Texas Chainsaw out and put Abby in. <laughs> <laughs> Do love a bit of Abby. Wrong. Wrong, oh, sir. Man. Wrong. Man, Abby is incredible. But anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah, my, my sleeper. I couldn't be prouder of my contribution, even though you know, I got a feeling it'll probably get shot down as we go through this. But the impact this movie has and nobody's talking about it just blows my mind. It's super low budget. But it 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 has got so much feeling in it. Like I said, I mean, I'm I'm not a drinking man, but it would make me want to go have a drink after watching it. It is it is very very powerful. Um, it's the Schindler's List of the seventies, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it ties into what we've just been talking about with these other years. So it's just amping it up again. When you look at these lists from the seventies, you can see. 1970 was the start of something new, and you just see it getting amped up every year as we go through this. Death Dream is taking the same subject of don't look now, don't torture duckling, where, you know, this is happening at home. Our kids are not safe. Our kids are in Vietnam, and they're coming back. Or if they don't, you know, in this case, he comes back, and he's not who he was, which is saying a lot, you know, with all of our soldiers coming back. I mean, the suicide rate of, of veterans from Vietnam was astronomical. Yeah. So it's really speaking to all that, and not just what happens to those people, but the family that's involved. Uh, who would have thought a Bob Clark film with some low-budget sound uh, uh, Savini effects in them mm. is going to cause, uh, have this kind of story behind it. So yeah, I'm very, very proud. I, I I was happy to go with with Let Sleeping Courses Lie because I love that movie too. Anytime hippies are getting killed, I'm in. I'm happy. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, Death Dream, man, yeah, I couldn't be prouder of, of at least bringing it to people's attention. So, uh, I, my job here is done. Oh, <laughs> Bo Ransdell, thoughts? Yeah, I I disagree, but <laughs> as as mildly as possible. Uh, I'm gonna be the vanilla ice cream of this conversation. <laughs> Um, I think Death Dream is a great movie. I really do. I just prefer Black Christmas on this list. Uh, I think Black Christmas, like Black Christmas, to me is that like a, a a bowl of soup on a cold day kind of movie. You just throw it on and it feels great to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and you know texas chainsaw is significant in so many ways and also incredibly entertaining uh but death dream is fantastic i i I don't really have a problem with it being on the list because like you said it's just it is the little movie that could uh it should be awful uh like everything about it should be terrible and instead it it has a real gut punch and and is this kind of weird take on like a monkey's paw type mm-hmm. story yeah. that's it, it it just works like it, it 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 has its emotional hooks in you and yeah i'm 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 down i'm good cool right doug telly boy <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean i look i don't think there's going to be much argument about texas chainsaw massacre i fucking hope there isn't uh <laughs> that, that one is just that one goes through no conversation necessary but after that, yeah, it gets murky. I love mm-hmm. Death Dream. Uh, I, I knew it first as uh, Dead of Night, which I think we should at least put forward as an alternate title that some yeah. people know it as. Right. Uh, I love that movie, you know, with every fiber of my being. That part at the end, and again, not just to point out favorite parts around a movie, but that part where Andy at the very end is is trying to bury himself and he's pulling the earth onto oh. himself yeah. with his mother crying. I mean, that to me yep. is one of those enduring images of the entire decade. And it's it's h- horrific and sad on sort of a different level. It, it I, I often say if there was one movie I could remake from the 1970s, it would be Death Dream because I feel like there's so much territory to mine. And I think what Bo said was really uh, apt as well, which is that this is a movie that could have gone wrong a million different ways. There's no way it yep. should work as well as it works. And I mean, what an accomplishment that Bob Clark had so much uh, was able to put uh, out well, really three great movies, great genre mm-hmm. movies in one year. I think yeah. he's kind of undervalued as a horror Completely filmmaker. Completely different movies as well. Com- like, exactly. Could be any different if they tried. Uh, also, you know, th- there's a Canadian aspect to it, so I'm always <laughs> pulling for the home team. Um, <laughs> Black Christmas, to me, though, is the movie that has to go forward here. You know, it's still... It's the movie. I, I feel, and again, Duncan, I don't want to to uh, criticize your feelings on Death Dream, but I do feel like that when you discover something, you you have that initial excitement you that kind of yeah. overtakes all other things. But but what Bo was saying, like there's there's something about the old reliable, uh, and there's also something about um, a movie as well crafted and as influential and as really incredibly done as Black Christmas that that you know d- at the very least deserves to be part of this conversation. That said, there's a part of me. That is kind of happy that it, that Dead of Night or Death Dream went forward instead, simply because it is a movie that more people should see. And if this con- this conversation makes more people see it, then I mean that's kind of worthwhile in itself. Cool, cool. Court psyops. I would just like to basically f- uh, copy everything that Doug just said and, and repeat it because he pretty much nailed it. Uh, I understand why you guys chose Death Dream. I'm just. I just don't agree with it. I, I, I think Black Christmas should have gone through for exactly all the reasons that Doug just said. And, of course, Texas Chainsaw Massacre had to go through because, for me, that's like the second uh, best film of the 70s. <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't even... Just the impact alone that Texas Chainsaw Massacre had, I can't even begin to describe decades later watching it on VHS. And I can't even imagine what it would have been like to be in a Texas drive-in and have that film play. <laughs> and just like the way that it would just ruin your life and the view of the world around you. Because that's what that film does. It takes you to a place that you will never want to go back to 
in these crazy people's minds. You just live in their world for an hour and a half. And the film is literally everybody on the screen is insane with the heat. They're all delirious and they're just that's just captured on film. This just mass delusion and insanity. And you kind of become a part of it while you're watching it. I think Black Christmas is a very well-crafted horror film. And I know a lot of people have kind of got a backlash on it because a lot of the the bloggers and the, the podcasters like us champion the film and everything. And I think that may have seasoned why you guys went with that dream a little bit more because you felt like you loved it more. But, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying you guys wanted to be a little controversial and decided to choose another Canadian film just to kind of, you know, say oh, fuck you to everybody Canada. that likes Black Christmas. <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. Death Dream's a great film, and it's not an easy choice. And uh, may God have mercy on your souls, and that's coming from an atheist. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, now, we know historically Andy Blockley hates the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, Andy, tell us why we were wrong. Yeah, I was a bit lukewarm on that the first time I watched Because <laughs> um, I think I built it, I was about 15, and I built it up in my mind to be like far more than I think it could have ever lived up to the way you know you do build things up in your mind and the, you know what you can imagine is far really worse than anything yeah. you can see on screen um, but since then and with repeat viewings sort of over the last 20 years um, it's not just one of my favourite horror films of the 70s literally one of my favourite horror films of all time so I've got no no argument with that being on there um, I did enjoy Death Dream I'd never seen it before uh, I watched it for the first time the other day uh, I'd it's a good film. It really is a good film. I, sometimes it confuses me when Duncan gets really emotional about films, knowing the way he is. I'm not really sure why it's hit you. Um, I'm glad that it has hit you the way it's hit you. You're, it you're nice confused, to... Andy. I don't have emotions. Imagine no, it must, be really, it must be really difficult for you. <laughs> you're getting some therapy booked in for this. To kind of, you know, like when Richard Kiklinski... Uh, that interview with the psychiatrist because he just wants to know why he was the way he was. <laughs> that's that's like you with Death Dream. Um, it's a good <laughs> film. I did really enjoy it. I just think personally, Let Sleeping Corpses Lie um, and Black Christmas are better horror films. I would have put both of those through over Death Dream, although I am glad I watched it. It is very poignant. I mean, I can imagine, you know, I really like the contrast of the mum being absolutely overjoyed, almost to the point where she's in complete denial that there's something wrong with her son because she's just so happy that he's back, and that's really all that matters. And the dad knows. He kind of knows this is a bit fucked up and this is just not right. And I really like that kind of contrast throughout the film. Uh, you know, this the mother's love, where, to be honest, even if her son is going around killing people the way he is, it's this unconditional love that mother has that she, you know, she still loves him because she's still, you know, he's still her son. Um, and I think that was a really, really cool film. It's well worth watching for people who've not checked it out. Um, but yeah, it wouldn't have been on the top of my list. Um, but yeah, I, I totally get why it's gone through. So no arguments from me this time. There we go. There we go. 1975 saw the the introduction of. Um, a special guest, Mr. Psyops. We've already heard him talk. Uh, this was one of the years you were pulling for. In fact, you got both the years you were hoping for. 75, I mean, was no slouch. I think we can say that. Uh, of the movies discussed on that show, we discussed Jaws, Deep Red, Strip Nude for Your Killer, Eyeball, Shivers, The Last Stop on the Night Train, Don't Open the Door, The Killer Must Kill Again, Lips of Blood, and Race with the Devil. Going forward from this year controversially uh, was Jaws obviously uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I can I can see a lot of people had a problem with us putting something people, like Jaws through. A lot of people don't think it's a horror movie. Um, and the second those movie, people are wrong. <laughs> uh, the, the second the second movie to go through was another Argento movie. This one was Deep Red. His return to Jally after a failed attempt at a dramatic comedy, which I have seen and it's not very good. Five Nights in Milan, not a good movie. What were you thinking, Argento? What were you thinking? Shame. Shame. Um, what I loved about this list was just the pure mix of of weird and wonderful that was flung in here. But what was noticeable above this one, above all others, is the fact that we really were moving pretty much away. There's very few movies in here that have any sort of supernatural element at all. Um, even the, the limited use in Deep Red of the psychic at the beginning uh, but when you move to Strip Nude for Your Killer which is you know very much just a jelly uh, Eyeball, Shivers which we're moving into Cronenberg territory at this point Last Stop on the Night Train which is essentially an Italian ripoff of uh, Last House on the Left um, Don't Open the Door which is a terrible movie but I felt that we had to put <laughs> it on there because to me, there there is an influence from Don't Open the Door that starts to permeate in movies like Tourist Trap at the very, very late part of the 70s. Uh, Lips of Blood, which is very artistic, very over the top. That's kind of, you know, it's shot in such a way that's very whimsical. Uh, and Race with the Devil, which is just the epitome of a B-movie, really. Um, I, I mean, I have no qualms with this. Like, Jaws and Deep Red, any given day, are, are two of the best like horror movies of the 70s, in my opinion. Um, I, I don't think you're going to disagree with this one, Court, because this was fairly unanimous with us. The debate didn't last long at all. No, I think we just basically were like, so Jaws and Deep Red, right? Let's go home. Let's, let's call it a day. <laughs> I think that's how pretty we did much, it. Yeah, pretty much it. I mean, and I love yeah. the conversations about, like, Strip Nude for Your Killer was a movie I'd seen in the past, but couldn't really remember much out with the nudity. But going back to watch that one, I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. You know, in spite of the nudity, um, Bible was a great jelly. Um, yeah, there was a, there were a ton of really, really good things on this list. Now, Bo is going to agree a hundred percent with us because these are two movies that Bo loves. Bo, seventy-five. Any any objections to Jaws and Deep Red? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I have one. All right, shivers. Um, right. shivers. Got to be shivers. Yeah, of course it's shivers. <laughs> I can't, I can't defend not putting Shivers on there other than it's a Sophie's Choice put on me sure. by a bastard sadomasochist. I can't I can help it. I can totally defend that. Deep Red's a better movie than Shivers. <laughs> I, don't think, I, I personally don't think there's a... Shivers is a great movie. And l l l let me take yeah. nothing away from it. I think it's like, as genres go, it's, you know, it's creating its own brand new genre and it's incredible in what it does. Deep Red to me is just a better movie. Like, just all written is a better movie. I think that was our justification is that Deep Red was a better made film, but for for me, Shivers gives me the heebie-jeebies and makes me feel all sorts of nasty inside, and I, I still, like, just thinking about it from the last time that I watched the movie, I feel kind of creepy, and I just want to cuddle up under a blanket and pretend like I never watched it. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and Jaws, Jaws and Deep Red don't have that effect on me, but it's because they're both better made films that they got put above Shivers. That's the only reason that I had in my head to justify it. Yeah, there's such a moral ambiguity to Shivers mm. that makes the audience complicit with mm. that film. That is just, it, it's it, it's a magic trick that Cronenberg does in that movie. Uh, yep. So I would put that over Deep Red for sure. Jaws is, I mean, a shark is a bear of the sea. 
So sea <laughs> bears. Sea bears, right. But so of course I'm in. And Jaws is one of my favorite movies that has ever been. It, it is a, a piece of eyes. perfection. Those eyes, the blackest oh. eyes, the soulless <laughs> eyes. It's coming for you. Dark. I mean, Quint alone, Jesus Christ, is one of the best characters that was ever in, in movies. Like, like when he's uh, uh, piloting the orca, uh, driving the boat. I don't know what you call it. I'm not a seaman. Um, but uh, as he's like driving the boat and the engine's smoking and Dreyfus is telling him like, you're, you're about to blow the engine knowing full well that he's just gone, you know, complete Ahab at this point. But that look on his face of like, I'm going to burn this motherfucker down. Uh, oh, God. Robert Shaw as Quinn is, is one of the great cinematic treasures. The ocean will boil with my hatred for the damn sharks for what they've done to me, fellas. I'll tell you what, those black eyes, the soulless eyes. <laughs> oh, you got city hands, Hooper. Been counting money all your life. <laughs> oh, it's so good. For that, you get the head, the tail, the whole thing. <laughs> Y'all know me. Y'all know what I do for a living. <laughs> oh, I, like, let's just go watch it right now. Let's go watch Jaws, you guys. Hi, ladies and yeah, gentlemen. Welcome watch. to the Jaws cast. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Tilly, are you with Bo on this one? Is Shivers better than Deep Red? Well, we did have a whole uh, <laughs> roundtable about the work of David Cronenberg. Five hours. Look, look, we could sit here all day and argue whether Shivers is better than Deep Red or Deep Red is better than Shivers. But I'll tell you one thing. The Brood is better than Tourist Trap. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting to that. We're, getting... <laughs> We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Don't tell you, you're breaking character. You're breaking character. I know. Okay, okay. I'm going to stick to it. Jaws, of course, goes through. No problem at all. I would go with Deep Red. No yes, doubt about it. Boy. Deep Red is, is, is my favorite Jello. It's just my favorite uh, altogether. Uh, full stop. I love Shivers. I think I don't know where the conversation began that people uh, started to prefer Rabbit to Shivers, but they're wrong. Yeah, Shivers is way, me, me, way me, better. Me, you're 100% on point with that one. Shivers is better than Rabbit. Yeah, they're, and again, they're Marilyn Chambers fans. That's the only reason that they're trying to champion <laughs> Rabbit. But who's not, really? I mean, who's not a fan of Marilyn? I can't argue that stance. I'm just saying it's not a better film, you know, but if you're that big of a Marilyn Chambers fan that you want to watch it, go ahead. Sure, absolutely, yeah. No, but Shivers is a great, great movie. I think it's the first, uh, you know, the the first fully realized David Cronenberg movie, and we we can say that I think with some confidence since we oh, watched yes. all of them. All of them, uh, and and it deserves to be watched. I don't think even if I was to put together like the the top twenty of the seventies, Shivers would necessarily make it on. Deep Red is for me, you know, top ten. Jaws is top ten. So, I mean, let's 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 just lock it in and move on. Very nice, very nice. Ricky Morgan. Um, Jaws is my second favorite movie of all time. Uh, n- number one is actually uh, two different movies, so that doesn't count. But anyways, <laughs> I don't want to say I don't want to say that's Jaws. How that works. Stuff. Well, you know, uh, it goes back and forth between those two, but Jaws Life is always locked in second. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I told somebody this the other day. You could take the shark out of jaws and the movie is still incredible because of the the chemistry of the of the three main characters is just brilliant um jaws horrified me um i think it's just one of the greatest not just horror movies but movies in general ever made uh to this day 
when I still go out in the water, I'm still looking around, right? <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. so it, it changed that for everybody. So uh, you can't deny the power of Jaws at all. Um, now, Deep Red, just like Doug just said, it's my favorite giallo, hands down. Um, this is where Argento gets everything to click. Um, it's It's got its weird, quirky things about it. Uh, again, just Argento putting stuff together. And then when you see cuts where they go back and they put the Italian pieces back in that were cut out for the American cuts. and So the, some of those things seem kind of out of place now when you see them. But this is where you see Argento saying, all right, you guys have seen these other movies I've done. Watch this. And I really think this just sets a whole new standard going into the, the whole slasher genre of, of what can happen with these kind of films. Um, nobody does an end credit shot better better than Argento. You know? <laughs> Head cut off, blood on the ground. You've been watching Deep Red. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I just can't beat that, man. I mean, it's incredible. Within the, the span of two seconds, this yeah. all happens. So, um, I do love Shivers. Uh, arguably my favorite Cronenberg film. Hmm. The guy did so much with so little. Uh, you know, the opening scene with the, the doctor and the, with the girl laying on the, the countertop. And even though you don't see anything, it is so effective. So, yeah, I, I love the Cronenberg stuff. But I have to stick with, with what you guys picked. I think you absolutely nailed it. Um, there's not a better – to me, there's not a better Argento film than Deep Red. So um, – these two are, are very, very high on my list, possibly in my top 10 movies of all time. Both of them are, are sitting in there. It's, it's interesting because we're about to swing to Andy, and Andy made that case earlier on about Jally being, at times, especially earlier ones, maybe not necessarily qualifying as horror. And it's very difficult to argue that, you know, even if you discount some of the previous Argentos as being kind of crime thrillers or whodunits, um, it's difficult to argue that Deep Red is then by default the first Argento horror movie because that's you well, know is is so blatantly you know yeah. going to be over the top and ostentatious and aggressive and hyper violent um you know it's, and, it's him renewing himself to the genre and also what made this one so different was that stupid dang toy robot that comes out of the oh doorway God, that thing. <laughs> i mean <laughs> I mean, you, you kind of laugh at it, but at the same time, you're like, if that thing really came out, I'd have a heart attack. Yeah, shit myself. <laughs> shit myself. 100%. Andy Blockley. Um, Jaws, Deep Red. We know that you hate Dario Argento. We know that you hate everyone in this call. Um, we, we know that you don't like Deep Red. So uh, what would you put in its place? Okay, um, <laughs> so you obviously know I agree with Jaws. I do think Jaws is an absolutely phenomenal movie. I mean, I love being in the ocean. I feel very comfortable in the ocean. I'm a pretty good swimmer. But whenever I go to the beach, I can't help but think, fucking hell, like, can you imagine like the terror of just seeing a shark? I, and it always just stays with me. And like Ricky was saying, it doesn't matter if not even necessarily if the shark's not in that movie. The characters, the music, the setting, like everything's just fucking perfect in that film. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. Um, not just my favourite, you know, 70s horror or horror, just my favourite film. One of my favourite films of all time, you know, forgetting any kind of genre. It's just an incredible movie. Um, so that, that's, one, that's, 
that's one less pin in your tongue now. So I pulled that one out. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am feeling a little bit better. Um, <laughs> deep red's a difficult one. I kind of liken it to ketamine. <laughs> All right, that pin's going right back in. Go on. Uh, I think we got a back of the box quote here. Yeah, <laughs> I, I try. I tried it once at a party. And I really fucking didn't like it. Um, but I thought, like, quite a few of my mates were into it at the time. And I thought, well, maybe I just wasn't in the right frame of mind. <laughs> I'm going to try it again. <laughs> I had a worse time on it the second time. I went back for a third go. And I just can't fucking get into it. Like, obviously people love it and people are really into it. And you guys all think it's great. I just, I really fucking don't like the movie. I don't really get, like, the thing is, my issue with Argento, I know we've talked about the whole dubbing issue. Like, if the acting in Jaws was shit, it wouldn't be on the list. We wouldn't even be talking about it. If the acting in The Exorcist was crap, like, we wouldn't be talking about it. Like, for me, the acting's just so bad in Deep Red. It's so goofy and, like, for me, almost laughably bad. I don't understand why it gets to pass. But you like Gates of Hell, so that's my question. Yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> but there's, more, there's other stuff in that that kind of makes up for it. You know, like a film doesn't necessarily have to have incredible acting. I mean, Dawn of the Dead, some of that is a little bit ropey. Um, but it's, there's so much other good stuff in there, it almost kind of makes up for it. Like, I really want to like Deep Red. I remember messaging Duncan going, I've got I've bought it. Like, which version do I watch? And I actually ended up watching both. Yeah. And I just fucking couldn't get into it. So, I mean, it's a difficult one, isn't it? It's like, I hate like ragging on films that people really like because it fucking hurts me when people do it. Like, because I almost think, well, what's wrong with you? Like, what? Why aren't you seeing what I see? And I'd almost like to be able to step into somebody else's brain for like two hours and just watch it and go, oh, fucking hell, yeah, I get it. I, I finally get why everyone loves Deep Red, and I wish I could kind of do that. And I've really kind of tried and watched it, you know, different frames of mind, different times of the day just can't get into it and which See, is a I shame think, i don't think the acting's bad i think there's some bad yeah, there's maybe some say. bad characters in there but i think of right. argento's back catalog i think there's a there's some really good strong performances and and deep red that adds to it i mean the thing about it is essentially it's a whodunit and in the classic sense of a whodunit characters are maybe perceived or portrayed on screen a certain way to give them the mystique of potentially being a suspect. Everyone mm. should be a suspect and you whittle down through them. But I I genuinely think I would say that easily 75% of the performances in Deep Red are really good. Even by our okay. general standards. And I, the I, leads uh, in particular I think are really yeah, good. Yeah, I think uh, David Hemmings yeah. is brilliant. I think it's um, the dubbing again. It seems to be that the way that these Italian films are dubbed is a hurdle that you can't really get over, Andy. I think, and I think it probably it, is, yeah. It's, it's, it, it's sort of like stains everything else about a film for you and i totally get that because i can't get my wife to watch martial arts movies with me because of the bad dubbing in them (laughs) they could be they could be some of the most beautifully shot and just you know wonderful tales but she can't stare at their foreheads whenever they're talking to not (laughs) notice that the lips aren't synced up and i think it's just the 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 sound and it just doesn't you know the, the sound of the way that the people talk and it has that otherworldly feel where the voice is almost coming off yeah Yeah. i totally see where that that happens and you know i had a problem like i said i had a problem with that a lot when i first started watching these but i was watching really bad versions you know and bootleg versions or tape traded versions before it was you know officially released in the in the states here so 
it it kind of became easier to handle the the bad stink because I would watch lots of movies that didn't have good stink because the VHS dub was screwed up from the tape trader, <laughs> yeah. you know. And so it, it's if you can get over that hurdle, I think you would you would be able to see everything else. It, it's like um, it's like being almost color blinded by the fact that you can't get past the sound, and so you don't see the rich tapestry that's in front yeah. of you. You only see like certain shades that are there, and then everything else is like it's just not there for you. I don't know where to give up. That. Another five years, and I will go back and I'll give it another go. And <laughs> yeah. um, Duncan, is last stop on the night train the one that we did for the for the video nasty? Yeah, it's the one that I actually yep. think at times is more horrific than Last House on the Left. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's I, um, more people yeah, would know that as night train that. murders too. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's I think that's what I know it as. There's a scene in that where a woman would literally rather hurl herself from a speeding train yeah. than face her attacker. Right, and that just really fucking sat horribly with me. Like, like, like the thought of that, you know, like the terror that must have been going through that woman's mind. It, like, it's jumping out of a fucking speeding train is a better option. Yeah, um, I think it's just terrifying. Um, Shivers, I really like. Uh, personally, I would have put that through. Um, over and I really have got a soft spot for Trilogy of Terror, even though one of the stories is just stolen straight from Sisters. It's literally the same story. Right. Um, but I really do enjoy the other two stories, especially that third one. I had a bit of a thing for like, you know, move, like dolls with like, uh, you know, films with scary dolls in, like the film Dolls, you know, the Stuart Gordon one, like yeah. Child's Play, Big Master. So I thought that was a really cool little film. That um, was the first first thing to ever scare me was that doll i think right, we had that yeah, conversation the fetish yeah. doll. you said there's a, there's a second there's a second story as well isn't there that follows straight on yeah yeah don't worry about it nowhere near as, <laughs> nowhere near as <laughs> but yeah that that final shot where she's kind of sat there in like that hunter pose like in the squat, oh man is yeah great um incredible i probably would have put that through as well um over d-ray but that's just obviously because i've just not i can't really get into it um but yeah jaws for me fucking number one jaws is going to be difficult to kind of talk jaws down i think from the top five overall but we'll see <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll see i've got the list um so let's <laughs> let's, let's bring andy into the arena now andy did oh, 1976 God. so this is a chance for the other people here to maybe counter although i'll see Ain't no flies in this shit, Andy. Me and you, I think, solidly handled 1976, even though there was a bit of turmoil from yourself, which we'll get into. The list of films... Oh, let's see what everyone else thinks. Yeah, the, the, the movies on this list, Alice, Sweet Alice, Burnt Offerings, The Town That Dreaded Sundown, The Omen, Carrie, Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde, The Tenant, To a Devil a Daughter, Who Can Ch Kill a Child, and The House with Laughing windows the movies we put through were the omen and carry now during the recording um i was swithering about the omen for a bit i, I kind of felt like we should put through burnt offerings over yeah. the omen but I, when it came to actual recording time i was like no i'm gonna stick with that one i really i think the omen's an incredible movie i think it's one of those kind of stalwart great examples of a horror movie where everything just feels effortless just everything just feels perfect um not saying it's the best within the genre, but it just is, you know, an effortless movie. Um, you didn't have any issues picking Omen. You had issues picking Carrie, and you would have picked a town that dreaded sundown over Carrie. And I kind of talked you into picking Carrie, so we kind of almost talked each other into each <laughs> other's picks, which was yeah. weird. Uh, and we ended up with different ones than we would initially have went in with. 
Um, do you still feel this way, or do you still feel you wish you'd put through the turn that dreaded sundown over carry? Um, I mean, Omen definitely, because even though I think I think it's easy to overlook Omen just because it's been replicated and imitated so many times. Yeah. They're almost like cliches now when you watch it and you kind of roll your eyes a little bit, but, you know, putting yourself back in that mindset of 76, it's just a fucking phenomenal piece of filmmaking, I think. But um, Town That Dreaded Sundown, I still personally think it's a better horror movie than Carrie. Um Goofy cops aside, there's just something that really I find fucking problematic about like being out with your missus and being attacked and being helpless to, to do anything to help her. It's almost like one of my fucking things that I have like a you know, like an anxiety nightmare about, yeah. you know, like something happening to Rachel like and I'm helpless and she, I just have to fucking sit there and watch terrible things happen to her. So for me, that's why The Town That Dreaded Sundown I think is a better horror movie, just because for me that just resonates with me. Um uh, Carrie, I still need to go back and revisit. I mean, I can see that the uh, Arrow have uh, kind of issued this all singing, all dancing special edition that's coming out in December. Oh, yes. Um, I won't be buying it just of because. Of course you won't. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't mean I'm not going to go back and re watch Carrie. Um, but I kind of, I know Carrie well enough to know that I still think the town that Dreddy Sundown is better. And I, if it was just down to me, that's the one I would have put through. But I do appreciate that probably Carrie is a better movie. Um, yeah. It just doesn't kind of, it just doesn't hit me where, in the same way that, you know, The Town That Dreaded Sundown does as a horror film. It's just that, it's, like I said at the time, it's just that goofiness and there's so much of it in The Town That yeah. Dreaded Sundown. Like every time the cops are on screen, they're just bumbling cops. And it's not done in a way which I even feel is handled with any modicum of. Well, it's we'll not put, particularly charming at no. all. It's just a bit irritating. Yeah, it's, it, it, it takes you out of the the very gritty, dark tone yeah. that it's the film's already set up. It if, then kind of knocks you out. out if of we're that, saying, really. yeah, if we're saying that you know, like Wes Craven deliberately put in goofy cops to break the tone of Last House on the Left, he uses it very sparingly because of that reason. Um, yeah. And the town that dreaded sundown it's so overused to the point that I, 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 I just I can't I can't it, it, it's. And I understand the importance of the movie and all the rest, but um, it'll be interesting to see what everyone else... Because I got messages about this one as well, Andy. Um, right. People were like, what? what? The Omen? The Omen? Why are you putting through The Omen? Why is Burnt Offerings not going through? I had someone make a very, 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 very powerful case as to why House with Laughing Windows should go through, which was a movie okay. that yeah, I said at the time, it's a really good giallo, but you know, I just didn't think it was on the same level. Uh, yeah. I'd, I'd someone tell me that The Tenant wasn't a horror movie um, because that'll happen um, let's see what our uh, our guest hosts think now let's kick it to Doug Doug, uh, Omen and Carrie did we make the right choice here? I mean you did, you absolutely did um, I mean I like a lot of movies on this list I think Bird Offerings you can make a strong case for I was surprised not to hear Toby Hooper's Eaten Alive on this uh, list I don't I, not like that it. I think <laughs> <laughs> that's why I didn't put it on. I, I don't think it should it should make uh, the top two, but I think it's it's worthy of being part of the conversation. Um, Town of the Dreaded Sundown is a great, great movie uh, that has those kind of glaring flaws in the same way that um, Last House had for me. So I mean, I, I can definitely see the the logic uh, that went into picking The Omen and Carrie. And I mean, those are two really great movies. Uh, and it, it's funny because they're very polished movies compared to some of the others that are on the list. They're very Hollywoodized in some yeah. ways, but they're both also really intense, really intense. Uh, and, and movies that I actually think, I think they kind of 
followed on the path that has already been built in the 1970s. You can see that kind of movement towards Hollywood accepting these larger horror movies, uh, especially after Jaws. Uh, so I, I think that uh, that it's perfectly strong pick. If I was to do this episode, I would have picked the same two. Cool. Bo Ransdell. Uh, I would have dropped Carrie what? for Town That Dreaded Sundown, I think. What? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think Carrie is a really good movie. I don't think it's De Palma's best movie. I also... I, like... It, it's worthy of the conversation for me about the best horror of the of the seventies, but it's not super high on my personal list. It, I think it's a great movie, but I think I think there's something raw about uh, the town that dreaded sundown that I like a lot. Yeah, and despite yeah, I mean, despite all all the uh, you know the goofiness of it and whatnot, but there, when it gets down and dirty, it's a little nasty, and I I kind of like that about it. It's a little mean spirited, uh, and I I think the omens. A, a, an undervalued horror film. I think uh, a lot of people gloss over that one uh, as well. And that's a, there are a bunch of crazy monkeys in that movie. Gentlemen. <laughs> and if you want to, if you want to get me on board a horror film, you have a bunch of crazy monkeys jumping on a car. <laughs> oh, Game set and match. But the doctor called and said, no more crazy monkeys jumping on the car. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, let's swing it to Quartz Uh I completely agree with the choices that you guys made. These were not easy choices to make. And while I may not be the biggest Omen fan in the world, I cannot argue that it needed to go through. Because while it may not have worked for me, it was because I saw it at the wrong time in my life. I was already older and The Exorcist had already traumatized me. So by the time the omen rolls around, I'm like, yeah, whatever. I can freaking drop kick that little kid without his dogs around. I'm not scared of him. You know, the most horrifying thing for me in the omen is the scene where uh, Lee Remick falls from the balcony because of the way that slow motion happens when yeah. it's her quote unquote stun that does it. And that that sticks with me. And I can't I have a unnatural love for Lee Remick. So watching her get harmed in any way, shape or form just destroys me emotionally <laughs> and uh Bo, you're fucking insane carrie absolutely has to go through you know it, it absolutely has to go through i understand your love for the town that dreaded sundown and everything you said is absolutely correct but if we're gonna take it by as duncan and i did for jaws and deep red the two best made films from that year on top of being excellent movies just in their own right with their storytelling were the omen and carry so i i fully support you guys' choice and it was not an easy one to do there we go ricky morgan there's nothing scarier than piper laurie <laughs> and carrie <laughs> so case closed i mean uh, carrie is is a classic um <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, look Jesus you know, look how many remakes they keep doing with of this movie, trying to recapture what's in this initial movie. You know, they'd be better off just re-releasing this one in theaters over and over instead of uh, the the mess they're making of it. But uh, uh, everybody knows I'm a De Palma fan, so yeah, there's there's that thing. But this movie really shook up everybody the year that it came out, and if it everything hinged on this movie too, you yeah. wouldn't have the barrage 
of all the Stephen King adaptations for movies if, if this one failed. So this one had to be very top-notch. Um, I think it's one of those things where every, everything just came together just right. It's a classic film. The Omen, again, what can you say? People kind of stopped naming their kids Damien after this thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> Or started. If I ever had a son, his <laughs> name would be Damien. Right. <laughs> right. So, I mean, you know, it, it, these are iconic films in any in any form and fashion. I, I do love a little bit of Town of Dreaded Sundown, but you just can't put it on the same level. You get either Piper Laurie or you get a guy that stabs you with a trombone. So, <laughs> you know... That's kind of where I stand on that. So uh, I I find Piper Laurie far more horrifying than a guy that stabs you with a trombone. <laughs> yeah. So that that's just where I stand on. I think you guys nailed it. So let's move on. We don't have many. We've got two years left to get through. Um, three years left to get through. Sorry, <laughs> jump ahead there. So let's. Oh, why won't this end? Doug Tilly joined me for 1977. He was very excited about this one. Uh, this was his year that he wanted. Um, and once again, Google delivered the year. Um, and what a year it was, although we could see quite comfortably in this one there is a definite split in quality in this list. Um, on our list was Suspiria, How Sue, Orca, Eraserhead, The Hills Have Eyes, The Sentinel, Shockwaves, Shock, The Psychic and Rabid. The two movies we picked to go forward were Suspiria and Eraserhead. Super controversial again, Doug Tilly. Um, uh-huh. I had plenty of people tell me that Eraserhead is not a horror movie. I don't know what constitutes as a horror movie these days, but I had plenty of people tell me that we made a big mistake here in putting They're through... wrong. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with that. I don't, I don't understand Those people how, are wrong. how you can watch Eraserhead <laughs> and just not feel, like, horrible at the end of it. <laughs> like, it just... It, it's, oh. Anyway, uh, that's where we settled. Um, we had a bit of a debate. The two of us mm-hmm. were kind of teetering on the line of do we put through Houseu or do we put through Eraserhead um, The Hills Have Eyes was definitely in the conversation there as well but those three certainly were the top three ultimately we decided with Eraserhead um, and I still feel good about that how do you feel Doug? I I waver a little on Houseu uh, it is a movie that I hope that anyone who listened to that episode that hadn't seen it went out and watched uh, I will say that if Eraserhead, if you're if you're unsure if that's a horror movie, then you've got to be just as unsure about how to because it's just a <laughs> bunch of fucking craziness. All right, it does it certainly isn't a traditional style horror movie, but that's what makes Eraserhead so amazing, yeah. right? I mean, it's it is about uh, anxiety again. It's a, in some ways about fatherhood, and uh, I mean, what genre would Eraserhead be in? Sur- surreal. I mean, it's horror. It's a horror movie. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that aside, I I hate these classification arguments. Um, there's a lot of junk in that year that we talked about. It really is. Um, and people who heard you say that, Duncan, who maybe didn't listen to the episode, they're probably wondering how Orca made it onto that list. Uh, I don't I don't think it was necessarily, you know, really necessarily worthy of being part of the conversation. We ended up swapping out uh, a movie. We actually ended up swapping out Martin. A yeah. lot of people think of that as a 77 movie, but we were going by release date. Um, and I sometimes think about whether Martin would have made it through if it ended up on that list. But I feel really comfortable with Suspiria and Eraserhead. I think in 2017 we're kind of getting all Suspiria'd out <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Uh, but it's uh, again, it's one of those movies that if 
it wasn't on this list, and this isn't the only reason it went through, but if it wasn't, people would be going, are you out of your fucking mind? Where the fuck is Suspiria? Yeah. Uh, it had to be there, um, and I love it. I love it a lot. It's not my favorite Argento, but it is a movie that um, I return to again and again and get a deeper appreciation each time. And let me just put it forward. I actually think that the uh, most of the acting, most of the acting in Suspiria is pretty good. Yeah, I think... Um... Like just to stress when we're saying release date, Martin was released in seventy seven, but had to be release date in the country of origin. Of its origin, right, yeah. right. And that's where that's where the problem came in, and that's why it ended up on nineteen seventy eight and not on nineteen seventy seven. Um, yeah, I'm hundred percent agree with you. Let's see what Bo Ransdell says. I'm fairly sure that he's going to be in a bit of a conflict here because. I know for a fact, as a host of an Asian horror podcast and someone that loves House Who, I would say just as much as me and Doug does, uh, but also being a massive David Lynch fan and knowing that you really enjoy Eraserhead as well. Is there a conflict here? Do you think we landed right? Uh, no, I would make the swap uh, Suspiria uh, for House Who. What? Uh, yeah. What? You're I, yeah, look. The heart wants what the heart wants, <laughs> and the heart wants a racerhead and Halsu out of this year. Like if if you told me I could only watch two movies from this year ever again, those would be the two. That's um, and I, I like I love Suspiria. That is definitely number three on the list. But let's not get rid of Orca so quickly. Um, <laughs> oh no, I think we, I think we, I think that was the surprising thing about it. Is I think out of all the movies we discussed in there, we probably talked about Orca more than any of the other ones. Maybe oh, I love it. Set, I mean, obviously that's what I put forward, right? Yeah. I mean, I love Orca. It was filmed in my home province. I, I think it's actually a very undervalued movie. I love the soundtrack. I love the performances. It's a movie that uh, I was surprised how well it fit into the conversation. It was actually better than some of the movies we ended up talking about. Oh, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> most of my ones. <laughs> I think Orca made it through <laughs> above pretty much all. I think. Or I think we discounted Rabbit quicker than we discounted Orca, so... Mm-hmm. There you go. You guys just hate vampire armpits. That's all there is to it. <laughs> you just fucking hate vampire armpits. You just can't get around that. What's your, what's uh, your opinion, Court Psyops? <laughs> See, I just shoehorned myself in there. Uh, my first... I would like to pose a question about Orca to Bo. Oh. If Jaws is a sea bear, is Orca a sea grizzly? Uh, that that's a good question. One I've thought a lot about. Um, <laughs> I think I think that you're looking at more of a sea Kodiak situation ah, with gotcha. with the orca because of the frigid temperatures. Uh, I think I think the great white is of course the grizzly of the sea. Okay, so the great white is the sea grizzly. I just needed to know the type of bear because they're both obviously sea bears. I'll, just... I'll send you my spreadsheet. Yeah, please <laughs> please do. Uh, I I have many questions about. How do sea bears, you know, match up to their land counterparts is what I, I need to know, Bo. And, and if you have a spreadsheet, that'll sum it up. Um, now, to the actual films themselves, I fully support Eraserhead going through 100%. It is absolutely horror. You, <laughs> The film is a, a, like a pan-galactic gargle blaster of a movie for those that aren't. <laughs> For those that for those that aren't fans of uh, Douglas Adams, a pangalactic gargle blaster is the equivalent of having your head smashed open with a gold brick with a with a what is a twist of lime around it or a twist of yes. lemon or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> and that's exactly what a racer head is. The film is just so unsettling and so disheartening, and it's just so nihilistic, and it just hollows you out. And at the same time, there's this underlying humanity to it where. You understand the choices that this man has made, 
And I never thought that a fucking sock puppet would be as horrifying as it possibly could be with a racer head. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I feel I don't have to defend Suspiria as the choice of going through in any way, shape, or form. And as much as I love John Carpenter, his entire cinematography, like his, his cinematography and aesthetic for his films all stem from Suspiria. And I'm talking Halloween 1 and 2 both. There are scenes that are directly lifted out of Suspiria. And yep. you can call it homage. You can call it, you know, something else if you want to be meaner to Mr. Carpenter. But this entire film, I, I believe that this film is what John Carpenter looked at and said, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life is make this movie you know, in some way, shape, or form. Far off it, John Carpenter has said in many interviews that when he saw Suspiria, he blew his mind. Absolutely yeah. yep. blew his mind. Um, yeah, so I don't, need, I, I don't feel that Suspiria needs to be justified in any way, shape, or form. I absolutely love it. Uh, this is a film that I will buy multiple copies of. And every time there is a new restoration or a new way of, of being able to view it, new and improved in any way, shape, or form, I'm there. I, I paid a ridiculous amount of money ages ago to see a really bad, really chopped up 35mm print that was circulated through the United States at my local Alamo draft house. I'm going to see it if it comes anywhere near me for the Italian print on the roadshow that's shifted to the red a little bit in the color spectrum. And if the 4K restoration comes around anywhere near me in my theater, hopefully I will get a chance to see it as well. I buy every copy I can get my hands on. I've imported the Italian Blu-rays and English Blu-ray. I have <laughs> so many fucking copies of Suspiria. I could probably build an echo house out of the casings with them, you know, because that's just how much I love Suspiria. So I, it, there's no need to say that it absolutely has to go through. Now, now, so Cor that's why I decided to defend Eraserhead. Core, I believe in counterbalance to any argument or any statement. <laughs> and after you said how much you enjoyed Suspiria, let me introduce you to Andy Blockley. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, oh, uh, we picked... Ricky, get the pins ready. <laughs> so we picked oh. Suspiria and Eraserhead. I know that you're not a fan of David Lynch and I know that you don't really like Suspiria. What would you have put in it, please? Right. Do you want me to say why, or should I just... <laughs> oh, just... Oh, please, please tell us why. Right. Okay, I've got a hate-hate relationship with David Lynch. Um, <laughs> I've watched most of his films, mm -hmm. but I've literally never watched a David Lynch film that I've enjoyed, or not, or even thought was a good film. And obviously some of these films you're not necessarily going to enjoy watching Eraserhead, but you might think it's still a good film. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't like there's just something about David Lynch movies that just do not connect and I've pretty much seen them all so it's not like you know it's not through a lack of trying yeah um just can't get into it Suspiria is a really fucking weird one for me like I appreciate how nice it looks and how atmospheric <laughs> it is the first 10 minutes I'm completely sold like I think the first 10 minutes are absolutely superb but then it just never lives up to that opening scene for me um, I can almost kind of, if you can just re-loop in what I said about Deep Red, just re-loop that back round, I feel pretty much the same way about Suspiria. Like, I really want to like it, and I've really given it a good sort of three or four viewings to try and go, come on, like, see what other people see. And I just can't see what other people see with it. I just, I really don't. You hear how understand. quiet it is in the background right now. All the are just like... <laughs> Um, so, personally, I'd probably put The Hills Have Eyes and Rabid through Boom. as the two. Good choices. See, he loves vampire armpits. He loves vampire armpits. I'm I just can't telling you. I can get enough of them. 
You know, Andy, I'm I'm no longer angry at you. I just I feel sad for you that you can't I'm pity the fool. <laughs> no, I, I do. I I, I, I just I, I just want to give you a hug now and I just be like, It's okay, man. You don't get Italian film. It's cool, man. I, I get yeah. it. And I just I feel I wish you could see the joy that everybody else does in these films. And I, just, I, man. I feel so bad this for is, you this right is now. The, like, like, like see how I, like this this is the way that like I, I describe things like see the feeling that Andy describes when he's talking about these things is how I feel when I try to pimp Ben Wheatley to people. Like, <laughs> 90% of people that I'll say you need to watch this Ben Wheatley movie, just watch it and then come back and just say, I don't know, what the f... You know, the, the acting isn't great, you know, like... What, what's he, like all the, And they, they just destroy it. And I'm like, you know, I, I feel like he's a director that just in general um, gets like unfairly maligned because people are like well he used an artistic shot so clearly he's a cunt um, you know what I mean <laughs> I like I, like and that, that accusation of style over substance if a movie's heavily stylized, yes it will attract your attention away that doesn't mean that the rest of what's happening on the screen suffers because of it and I think Suspiria is one of like you can certainly level that and I would and I would jump on board with Andy to level it on some of the later Argento movies for sure. In fact, I think you can very easily level it on his next Supernatural movie, Inferno. He, he really decides at that point he's not really going to do much more in the way of trying to put forward a cohesive narrative like Suspiria does have in favour of, you know, that is all that is all style. It's beautiful style and I love it because of it. But I think Suspiria sometimes unfairly is maligned as being a movie which is all style and no substance. When actually there's a really good story going on there. It is a, it's a proper fairy tale story that's going on in the background um, of that movie. Um, and yeah, we've had how many times have we had this conversation, Andy? This this one has been played at how many times now? Yeah, well, I, I bought uh, Inferno, didn't I? Because I yep. kind of, it was about seven quid on Amazon. I thought, fuck it, I'm just going to get it. Because I knew it would probably look beautiful. I've got to see it on Blu-ray, haven't I? If I'm going to watch it, if I'm going to have at least stand some chance of enjoying that film, it's got to be in HD. Um, and I really didn't, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, and kind of, it, it, it's Argento. Like, we're just not friends. I like Tenebrae. Um, yeah. Aside from that. I just, I can't, yeah, we like, we, we just, we, it's just, we just don't connect, which yeah, is a not, shame. Cause, not easy like, bed you know, when, I, when I hear people talk about how great these films are, I can kind of join in when it's like Jaws and Dawn of the Dead and The Exist, but I just feel like a fucking outcast when it's Argento. You're like Joey and Friends with that episode where Penn Teller sends, sells them a, a, an encyclopedia only on the letter V. Uh, so you can only partake in conversations about Vesuvius and when they start yeah, talking right. about or Vietnam but when they start talking about something else he kind of stares off in his face I get it I get it I get it Ricky Morgan last words on 1977 did we get it right? Uh, Suspiria I'm sure I have to make no argument for uh, like Court was saying earlier uh, Bo and myself actually just did see the Italian print that's going around um, mm -hmm. around the states Uh which has the mono track on it. Oh. So uh, I took um, several friends of mine to go see it. And uh, one of my friends was like, man, he said within the first 10 minutes of the movie, he didn't know if he could handle the soundtrack because it was so in your face and so unnerving. Uh, you forget the design of what he put into that. Is it Art Deco? Absolutely. I mean, this is Argento using his flair, uh, just pulling out all the stops. Um 
it's it's an amazing film. Um, it's still not my favorite that he's done, mm-hmm. but to see it in the theater and, and to see it the way it's supposed to be seen is really something to behold because it really puts it in a totally different perspective because at home you can turn the volume down and you're okay in a theater you're at the mercy of the film Hmm. and it really makes you uncomfortable and you were bringing up john carpenter earlier i've got an interviewer he's talking about the opening when when you know she's walking outside and or you're seeing the 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 mechanical doors opening and closing he's like i'm watching this scene and doors are opening closing he said and i'm terrified and he said and I don't know why. Yeah. It's just the way that he designed that that whole you know aspect of what you're seeing there. So, um, yeah, it's a brilliant film. Uh, and like I said, still not my favorite Argento. Yeah, I as think far I, as I agree with you there, it's not my favorite Argento either. But yeah. as far as Eraserhead, uh, I'm a little on the Andy side with this. I'm not a <laughs> I'm, I'm not a huge Lynch fan. I don't dislike him. I like the weirdness and the and and the the just bizarre the way he puts things together. Um, Eraserhead, I, I own. I've watched it a few times, but it's just not one that I'm going to pull out and just say, "Man, you got to see this," because it's a personal film. Um, it's hard to share a movie like this with anybody because, you know, it's just, everybody's going to interpret something differently. So uh, these two being teamed up in the same year, I'm sure, just really messed a lot of people up. Um, <laughs> As far as uh, what I would have put through, that's kind of difficult to too because I really love the Sentinel. Yeah. Um, I think that one's kind of overlooked. It's got a scene in it that is just horror history. I mean, it's just one of the greatest jump scares ever created. Um, Hills Have Eyes, absolute classic. I do like me a bit of shock, uh, Mar- Mario Bava's shock. Um, mm-hmm. That movie is just wacko. It's got one of the another great popcorn jump scare in it that just you don't see coming, and it is so effective and so cheap. <laughs> um, uh-huh. We know exactly the one you're talking. Oh about yes, too. <laughs> I have a, I have a question it's about a- the jump scare and the the Sentinel, Ricky. Are you talking about the scene where Beverly D'Angelo masturbates? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't call that shock. <laughs> well, I, it. It certainly horrified me the first time that I saw it in ways that I wasn't ready to deal with and have since have since had this un, unnatural love of Beverly D'Angelo. So. Well, I, I love me some Beverly as well. Uh, <laughs> Orca, I, it's one of those movies that I was always afraid to kind of talk about because I felt like I was the only person that liked it, but I'm glad to see that people are really starting to say, yeah, you know what? I love Orca, and I'm proud of it. So, uh, uh, yeah, T-shirt with that one. That yeah, is what I said on the I, podcast. I do. I absolutely love Orca. Uh, I don't know that it would make it on the list as far as a horror movie, uh, as far as getting through this this situation, but I do love it. I think the movie that I would have tried to push through is probably another one. It's not even on this list, but you want to talk about disturbing? Check out Equus. Oh, that, right. that movie is messed up. So, I have uh, not seen that. Yeah. Mean, I'm surprised that people are not pushing for Hausu more since we really struggled right? with it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm on the Hausu train here. I thought and... I think Hausu is just like an for I think we described that at the time as that it is like the Asian Suspiria. <laughs> it really right. is, right. and that it is just insane. It's once you get into that building, it's like the rules go out the window and cameras are moving places that cameras would never move before in the past. Visual effects are being used in a way you'd never seen before. Uh, and narrative 
albeit it's still linear, but at the same time, there's so much dream logic flung into both those movies that, yeah, I, I, I love a, me some house. There's a part of me that, that, sorry, I was just going to say quickly, that I, I, I sometimes wonder if maybe if John Carpenter saw Hausu in 1970. Uh, eight instead of Suspiria, how his career would have gotten you. <laughs> All right, this scene, Michael Myers is going to turn into a giant piano, and he's going to chew his thing. He's going to play the theme song. <laughs> it's just the prettiest movie about menstruation yeah. that has ever been. Uh, not, not Carrie. It... <laughs> no, 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 no. And uh, it is, yeah, I, I think Halsey is just one of the great horror films of all time. It, it, and even the story behind it. Oh, the story uh, behind it is amazing. The, what, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's an incredible film. And I, I like, to me, Halsey belongs in the top 10 of the 70s. But, uh, I, I'm, you know. I'm, I'm still trying to process Halsey. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't comment on it too much because, like, I still can't wrap my head around oh, it. i've had enough yeah. i've had enough time with suspiria and eraserhead to get used to the fact that i am being forced to go on an acid trip whether i took drugs or not while watching both of those but <laughs> house how sue is just another one of those films where it's like two pan galactic gargle blasters i can't handle it <laughs> we, 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 literally, like, we literally said on the show that the, my first knowledge of house's existence was when criterion and them still put him out and i was like you know when criterion put a movie out you and you've never heard of it before, you're like, what is this movie? Like, why are Criterion putting it out? And then I watched, and I was like, I know exactly why Criterion put it out. It's <laughs> fucking great. So, yeah, yeah I, Dun- I don't disagree. Yeah, Duncan, do your favor, though, and check out Equus. Uh, I will it's, do it. It's on my list right now. I've already typed it on my phone. It's messed up, man. I will be taking a break from the 70s, though, as you can imagine. Uh, it will be several <laughs> yeah. months before I watch a 70s movie again. Um... Right, let's 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 swing it in here. We're we are so close to being in a position that we can start actually looking at what what the list looks like. Um, but this was the most difficult year for me. This this year was arduous <laughs> to record. It was just terrible. I I hated it and having to relive it just now is kind of making me feel a wee bit crazy. Nineteen seventy eight had Halloween, Dawn of the Dead, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, The Toolbox Murders, Alucarda, Piranha, Martin. I put on the shout. <laughs> Uh, Patrick and Blue Sunshine. I'm laughing because the shout, I remembered it being so much more terrifying <laughs> before watching it for the show, and I was just like that. Oh my God, what have you done, McLeish? What have you done? Um, and trust me... I thought the, you were pranking me when I watched it, to it's be the, honest. It's the one that people have posted on there when I posted the list, or like that. Oh, I've never seen the shout. I need to check that one. I was like, really? Don't, guys. <laughs> just let that one slide. Uh, unless you want to see a really young Tim Curry, which you might want to, I don't know. And John Hurt is amazing in that movie, but that's a given, it's John Hurt. You know what I mean? John Hurt's amazing in every movie. Um, yeah, uh, for this year, we put through Halloween and Dawn of the Dead, but if you listen to the show, you will know that me and Court agonised over... Well, Court didn't agonise, I agonised. Court agonised over my agonising. Um <laughs> Uh, Court was pretty resolute <laughs> Halloween Dawn of the Dead um, and the conversation for me was definitely Invasion of the Body Snatchers but Martin I would have had Martin in above Dawn of the Dead and I still that's my only regret as I would still have Martin in over Dawn of the Dead um, and so yet would, you didn't want to you didn't want to you didn't want you wanted Dawn of the Dead and Martin you you didn't want to put Halloween yeah, through yeah I watched I watched Halloween last week uh, and that's what's kind of swung my mind again I think Halloween's fucking incredible uh, yeah. <laughs> FYI Halloween's a great movie 
Breaking news here We tried. We tried to sneak it by with like, let's just do a top four, and we were going to do all four of them. Yeah, and we were then... going to cut it in 1979. Um, and yeah. just, and just do this. Which and, they made and since happy. you guys chose Taurus Trap, maybe we should have. Well, <laughs> we will wait and see. I'm still kind of comfortable with that choice until Doug berates me, right? So yeah, we chose oh, Halloween. Fucking and idiots. <laughs> <we> chose... <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I have plenty of emails telling me exactly the same thing. Although now I'm convinced that they all came from one Mr. Doug Telly. <laughs> just seeing he hired he hired a bunch of russian spam bots to get at you like you were the fucking u.s election oh yeah people people get like the, of all the years i thought this would be the one i got a little bit of kickback about 78 i thought this would be the one no 79 people went mental and i'll be honest with you, me and andy when we hit stop on 79 we were like that yeah, this is going to cause some issues. <laughs> well, that ah, fuck it. Uh, right. So anyway, let's let's before we jump to that conversation. Seventy-eight Halloween, Dawn of the Dead. Like I say, my only change would be I would probably take Dawn of the Dead out and put. I know as sacrilegious as it is, there is a no win for anyone here. No one's walking away clean from this one. But I would put through Halloween uh, and put through Martin. Um, Court. Had you approached it that way, you probably could have talked me into putting Martin above Dawn of the Dead, no matter how much I love Dawn. Yeah. Because Martin is absolutely amazing, and there is there's no disputing that. Yeah. And that's why I kept having to tell you, Duncan, when we recorded that, let it go. Take a take a deep <laughs> breath and just just let it fall. Yeah. Just let it go. <laughs> and to this day, I regret having to put it that way because yeah. I would have loved a top three, but in. In that, if you would have taken the tact where it's like, okay, Halloween's safe, it's going through, I we, it probably would have been a much longer debate between Dawn of the Dead and Martin. Yeah, that we, would have we, been we, a, like, a I literally, <laughs> There's that bit where you're like that. So we're saying Halloween's safe, and then there's silence, and then Doug's like that. We are, uh, not Doug, uh, Court's like, we are saying that Halloween's safe, and then there's silence. <laughs> He's like, I, I think there's it. a couple times... I think there's a couple times where I said, there's no way in hell I'm letting Halloween not be yeah. going through. Yeah, it's going to be... I, it was going to be long. It was going to be long. Yeah. Uh, are you like still looking at that? You're saying that maybe with the right case you would have put Martin above Dawn of the Dead, but you're still comfortable with Dawn of the Dead and Halloween? No. Yeah. Well, for me, Dawn of the Dead and Martin are two like two sides of the same coin. I mean, they're both masterfully done George Romero films, but I could have taken the argument that Martin, in its time, has surpassed what it was when it was released. It. Yeah. It has become this little darling that I think a lot of people have finally noticed, and it is way ahead of its time. All of your arguments for putting Martin through, I wholly agreed with. It was just one of those things where I couldn't see allowing Halloween to not go through, and you were adamant about pushing Dawn of the Dead at the time. <laughs> but had the fight been Dawn of the Dead v. Martin, I probably could have seen myself going, no, you're, you're right, it is far ahead of its time because it is such a wonderful film. And perhaps Martin would have gone through above Dawn of the Dead. I think it could have happened that way. There we go. There we go. Right. So let's let's see what the other guys think. This is where we get told that we were on the wrong track to begin with. Let's swing it to Bo Ransdell. Wasn't an easy year. Um, what do you think? Yeah. No. There. That's tough. There are a lot of good movies. Uh, you know, for me, it would be Halloween Body Snatchers. Um, Body Snatchers, I think, is one of the most terrifying films ever made for me i uh the first time i saw it it scared the shit out of me and every subsequent <laughs> viewing it continues to scare the shit out of me more so than halloween even i think it's a, like a 
as an adult, there was something even, even more frightening about uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And it's an improvement on the original in the same way that The Fly is an improvement. It is just head and shoulders above what the original film was, as good as that movie was uh, in its, its own right. Is it because the whole time you're terrified you might see Donald Sutherland's ass again? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm more in the fingers crossed camp. But um, oh, I, I didn't know his fingers were going there. Velocity, sir. He said, but, "I'm in the fingers," and I was like, "What? <laughs> Where are those fingers going, Bo? Keep them crossed." Um, oh, yeah. Mr. It's, Data. In fairness, uh, oh lord. Uh, in, in, uh, in fairness, it's more the mustache than anything. Um, but no, I mean the end of that movie was the, was one of the first times a movie ever just smacked me in the face. <laughs> You know, uh, like I, I probably saw that movie when I was, oh, I don't know, like 10, 11 years old. And but yeah, the ending of that movie is just like, yeah, nothing's ever going to be good again, little punk. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, and I loved it for that. And, and of course, Halloween is just it is in some ways. Halloween is the perfect horror film uh, yep. in, in yeah. just pure simplicity. Uh, I, I think both of those movies are great. But I mean. God, Dawn of the Dead is incredible, and, yeah. and Martin is, is certainly great. And I look, I, I have a big soft spot for Piranha. I love Piranha. Uh, I think we said that a, on that show. I think Piranha is so much better than a movie like that should be. And when you see Joe Dante's lineage of movies after that, uh, you know you can see that this is not just a cheaply, even though it's a Corman movie and it is cheap, you can see it's given to a director that's going to have a phenomenal career ahead of him. Are piranhas yeah. the koala bears of, of, the, <laughs> of the water? Like drop bears? Is that how piranha falls on that scale, though? I, I know I'm getting the spreadsheet, but I'm just, I, I gotta ask. Uh, you know, I haven't included uh, most predatory fish. I've kept it mostly with sharks. Yeah. Uh, okay. Although, um, yeah. All right. I'll, I'll get back to you. Well, let me let me run this past the uh, technicians. <laughs> the the yeah, ferrets. The ferrets. Just. Really. just that's just remember, koalas are drunk most of the time. That's why they're perceived as cute and innocent. When they're pissed, they're called drop bears for a reason. So I think piranha and drop bears kind of yeah. go together. So That's the, that, yeah. that whole yeah. story about being drunk, being perceived as cute and innocent, is why Scotland ranks so high in the world as lovable nation, full of lovable rogues. That's why everyone loves me. Seventy-five <laughs> percent of the time, I am inebriated. Uh, right, it's just the we'll, alcoholism. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll swing it from Bo. We'll swing it to Blockley. Lockley, um Halloween, Dawn of the Dead, no brainer for you, surely. Yeah, absolutely, mate. To be honest, yeah. Um, I know you might think I'm going to argue because I have on every other fucking year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Halloween is, for me, it's the greatest horror movie ever made. Like, it's one of the only, well, probably the only horror film that I would struggle to sit and watch in the dark because. I can't shake off that feeling. I first watched it when I was a kid that Michael Myers' white face is just going to appear out of the shadows. Um, obviously, the score is incredible. The way it's shot is incredible. I think it totally holds up by today's standards. Um, I was so overjoyed when Baz reviewed it and said how much he loved it just because it almost like reinforced, yeah, this, you know, it holds up totally yeah. Halloween. It's one of those rare rare films from the 70s that totally holds up today almost like if somebody made it today as a period piece like you wouldn't think twice yeah. um dawn of the dead is just epic epic movie i discovered that when i was on holiday in america when i was about 15 years old um 
and just picked it up and bought it purely based on the on the cover art and the description on the back. Um, got it home, realised I had to buy an NTSC compartment, <laughs> <laughs> um, which I did, and it was really fucking expensive. It took me about three months of doing paper rounds to, to save Jeez. up, and I found a place that they, they had one in one of my local like electrical stores. Um, and then that kind of started my love affair with importing American films, um, which luckily made me get to see stuff like The Exorcist and Chainsaw Massacre long before they were kind of re-released in the UK from being banned. So it's one of them epic films. I've been off work this week because um, with the tongue, I had quite a bad fever and things. And it's my kind of, you know, chicken soup film. I just think Dawn of the Dead on and I'll inevitably fall asleep watching it just because it almost makes me feel like warm and cosy, um, which is really weird given the subject matter. But <laughs> I do totally love it. I've had it on in the background while we've been recording, <clears throat> but obviously because we've been recording for so fucking long now, Oof, that's finished yeah. and the documents <laughs> the dead. Is sort of playing. Um, I do love Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I think that's a really fantastic movie, and I think it. I would have been quite happy, to be honest, to swap out that with Dawn of the Dead. Um, definitely would have needed to leave Halloween in there, but I kind of wouldn't have been too disheartened either way if, if those two were sort of interchangeable. Um, yeah, for me, it was, it was it was out of those three, no doubt, and I, I totally agree with the two that you put through. Fantastic, fantastic. Let's swing it to Ricky Morgan. Uh, you guys nailed it. I mean, Halloween, I, just like Andy was saying, I, it's it's the perfect horror movie. It's the roller coaster ride. It is a measuring stick we use from here on for any kind of, of slasher fl- film or anything that's coming up where it's some kind of mass killer. This is really the top standard, and and there's not been one made really any better than the original Halloween it, it just stands alone. What's amazing about the film is not only the fact of it being the slasher film that it is, but what it does to you to you psychologically. Yeah. Uh, him being there, not being there. You start seeing him in places that he's not even there anymore. Yeah. So, um, and just the fact of the ending of him still going, you know, falling out the window and not being dead. I can't think of another movie where that was the impact that you walked away with because I remember people talking just about the ending of it more than anything else growing up because of the fact of you shot him, he fell out a window, and he's still going. Now it's kind of old hat. We, we hear that a lot. But this yeah. is the first one I remember hearing people actually talking about the ending of this movie. Uh, yeah, it's it's fantastic. One, one of the absolute best. Uh, Dawn of the Dead? <sighs> possibly the greatest zombie movie ever made um it's got its faults you know low budget george doing his thing this was a big year for george man i mean between this and martin i mean but come on you you don't have the zombie mania that we have now without dawn of the dead Uh, i know night of the living dead is what it is and and everybody can argue about which of the trilogy is the best but the impact from this movie on is totally about dawn of the dead you don't have the walking dead without dawn of the dead Mm. um and just every zombie movie you see from this point on is basically ripping off dawn of the dead um and it's really not about the zombies it's about you know crunching up this group of people and letting them deal with a dire situation the zombies are kind of the background and eventually you know Either we're the monster or we're the monster. Uh, we're either the people that will kill each other to benefit or we are the monster that comes back and haunts ourselves and 
takes our own lives. Uh, a lot of heavy messages in there. Uh, I think it's just absolute brilliant. Would I have passed it through? That's a tough question. Uh, <laughs> Invasion of the Body Snatchers, just like Bo said, it floored me when I saw it. I was probably about the same age Bo was when he was talking about when he saw it. You know, Dawn of the Dead is kind of cartoony. You get used to the violence. Um, it's fun. It moves fast. But you really get numb to the violence that's in it. And that was kind of the point. Whereas Invasion of Body Snatchers, again, you are the monster. There's nothing scarier than something else taking over your body. And uh, you can read that as you want, be it a virus, be it a, you know, the, you know any of these other things it could be. Uh, such a well-made movie, man. So that's a hard, that's a hard one to compare. Uh, gosh, I think you did the right thing putting Dawn through because of just how iconic it is. Can you, can you name a more iconic movie poster? Yeah. than Dawn of the Dead. So, I mean, it's it's a definite staple of 70s greatness. But I guess I still got to give props to Martin. And Eyes of Laura Mars, man. That one's kind of left out there. The people kind of go, eh, I forgot about that one. Mm-hmm. And, That's uh, a TV movie, though, wasn't it? It's a TV, what? I think it's a TV wasn't movie. Wasn't that a TV movie? Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we, we left that off the list because we decided it was only going to be released in cinema films. That was one of the yeah, earlier things. Yeah, it was things. only because we had the door. If we'd opened that door, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, we would have had Ooh. we would have had a whole shitload of stuff that Ooh. we would have had. I mean, right. Duel, Duel probably might have even made the list. I D- Duel would have made the I, list. I it totally yeah. would have oh, made that. 100%. Actually, theatrically. Yeah, probably yeah. one of the best ever made for TV films ever. That cool. was one of the things we said right at the very start was that we actually felt guilty about doing our lists, knowing fine well that Duel wasn't going to be included anywhere, uh, purely yeah, on the basis tough. of that one. Yeah, as Trilogy of Terror as well, because that was yeah. right. That, or even Night Stalker. Uh, oh, did that not yeah, go through? Yeah. I think I've got the original list before you took that out, because I was talking about Trilogy of Terror earlier, like it was on there. <laughs> I thought it was. <laughs> Oh no! It was <laughs> no, it was gone. Uh, right, Doug Tilly is the only one that um, like was as interested about this year as myself and Court was because one of his movies from '77 got shunted over in the '78, <laughs> and I recorded the '78 and '77 episodes in the same day. Um, so I recorded with with um, uh, Doug after recording with Court. And uh, the first question Doug asked me was, did Martin go through? To which I said, no. <laughs> um, I said, God damn it, Duncan, piece of shit, I left you one job. Um, I'm going to set up loads of fake email accounts and troll you about tourist trap, which I didn't know about yet. Um, but yeah, like, <laughs> like, like when we were talking, when we talked about this shifting, the first thing you said to me, Doug, was this will be, you know, a double, double win for George. Um, it was almost academic in your brain it was going to go that way. Do you still feel that way now? Um, I thought it was going to go that way. I did. Uh, and I'm glad it didn't. Yeah. I know that might sound strange. Uh, I, I actually am very, very happy with how it went. Uh, if I, if it was up to me, I would have picked Halloween and Dawn of the Dead. There's no doubt in my mind. And I love Martin. I love Invasion of the Body Snatchers. But Halloween is like... Uh, the. It's like a, a, a movie... This makes it sound like it's dispassionate, but it's like a movie created by a computer to be as horrifying and perfect and, you know, structured as amazingly 
you know, uh, exact as possible. And Dawn of the Dead is a shaggy dog pieced together. You know, there's all these different cuts, all these different versions, and they all work because the pieces are so amazing. And yeah. the, the I sort of the ideology behind it is so great. Um, Dawn of the Dead, I loved what was said about it being sort of like like a comfort movie. Uh, there were summers when I was a teenager where I would watch Dawn of the Dead like every two days. I just put it on, watch the whole thing from beginning to end, have friends over, watch it. We just put it on because it was a movie where you can dive in at any point. It's a movie that I love from from top to bottom and back to front. So Dawn of the Dead to me, and when you see my final list, you'll see it. It's it's that's the movie for me. That's the one that changed everything when it came to horror movies. It made me change what I thought a horror movie could be. Halloween to me is the best example of that kind of movie. Down of the Dead might be, it might not be the best example of anything, maybe not even the zombie movie, but it changed everything for me. So for me, it's Halloween, Dawn of the Dead. I'm really happy with those going through. Martin, look, Martin, Martin is amazing. Everyone should see Martin, but it's no Dawn of the Dead. There we go, right now, this is the one then that I actually thought would slip right by, but turns out people have things to say about 1979. Um, and to be honest with you, to, to be honest with you, I got it in the neck when this episode dropped. Um, some people cynically could say that I deliberately put it out this way that people were so enraged that they'd have to check out this show, this round table. I, I, I still side with quite a lot of the logic in here. I'd, I haven't really been swayed that much. Uh, 1979, myself and Andy finished it all out. We had Zombie Flesh Eaters, Alien, Tourist Trap, The Brood, When a Stranger Calls, Phantasm, Driller Killer, The Amityville Horror, The Visitor, and Nosferatu, The Vampire. We chose Alien and Tourist Trap to go through. Now, I will get my piece in first. I think Alien is a no-brainer here. It'll mm -hmm. be interesting to see if anyone wants to argue that point. It, it would appear that a lot of people wanted to argue that point. And I, I, once again, the, the listenership dumbfounded me with their, I can't believe you put Alien through over zombie flesh eaters, and I was like, "That's oh. what really? Like, on, is that is that where we're going? Because one is a masterclass in cinema, and the other one is a Fulci movie, which is great, but is Fulci ripping off? He's innovating a lot, but he's ripping off something that you know he himself got landed this project purely because." Dawn of the Dead did well. <laughs> like, like that, do a zombie movie. He's like, I don't really, I want to do a zombie movie. Like, can, I, can I throw maggots at people and try and impale someone's eye? <laughs> yes. All right, well, I'm in. I'm in. You sold me. But to me, Alien's just a completely different level. It's like almost in a completely, it's almost in its own territory in that of the, of what we call science fiction horror movies of all time or space horror movies of all time. It sits atop, it's like The Exorcist. It's the movie that everyone tries to do, but no one really gets near. Um, which brought us to Tourist Trap. Now, I was originally juggling with Phantasm, because I think Phantasm is a fucking great movie. Yeah. Yeah, and, and <laughs> Phantasm was going through. It was going through from me. And then Andy spoke about Tourist Trap. Me and Andy had spoken about Tourist Trap once before on this show. And me and Andy had decided that we were annoyed by the fact that everyone... There's a lot of people that don't know this movie and I don't know how or see the, some of the clips from it and think it looks goofy. I think Tourist Trap is a really fucking well-made, really effective horror movie. I think it's it's it almost bucks all the preconceived conceptions you would have if I described what the movie was about. I think it handles it with so much 
weirdness. It, it, it's, it's such a strange, woozy, horrible, nasty piece of cinema. Um, but yeah, at times it's a bit campy and a bit goofy, but when it came down to, if I get one shot uh, at, at trying to put Tourist Trap in a position where people can actually debate it, then I'm going to put Tourist Trap through. And FYI, ladies and gentlemen, we got a lot of blowback on this one. But I'll let you know right now, if you think for one second when I count down my list, Tourist Trap is at the bottom, then you can think again. Tourist Trap scored really well. So, there. Not that. That's me got my piece out. Andy, now that the pressure's mounting, i.e. the other hosts are circling like vultures, um, yeah. uh, have you have you changed your opinion? Still comfortable with Alien and Tourist Trap? Yeah, I mean, I saw a couple of people on, on the page saying that Alien's not a horror movie, and that's fine if you don't think it is, but for me, like, being trapped on a tiny little ship with a virtually unkillable fucking creature with acid for <laughs> blood, stalking you one by one in the dark, okay, fine. Um, <laughs> for me, it's one of the greatest fucking horror movies ever made, and it's so beautifully shot, and if you watch that on Blu-ray, I think I talked about this, like, if you need a demo, a demo disc... Obviously, yeah, forget stuff like the fucking Avengers and all the Marvel stuff. Obviously, that's going to look incredible on Blu-ray. Alien is just astonishing in every fucking sense of the word. Um, Tourist Trap, I do fucking stand by. I mean, we, you know, we're talking about, I know some people are putting films through on what they think is the better made movie. I was personally putting films through on what I thought was the better horror movie. Right. And although Phantasm is a great film and The Brood's a great film, and I fucking love Zombie Fleshy, is I really, really love that film. For me, I find Tourist Trap just far more creepier and scarier. I think it's just, I do think it's the better horror movie. There's just so much creepy, weird shit in that film. Like, you've got the telekinesis, and you're not sure if it's like supernatural poltergeist kind of stuff. You've got the creepy, like, waxworks and the weird mannequins coming to life and all that kind of shit. I think it's kind of out of time because it looks like an 80s movie. Um, and I suppose we're not that far away from the 80s, but. It would have kind of looked about right coming out sort of mid to late 80s, that, yeah. just with the way it looks. Um, but it's kind of without any of those nasty 80s tropes, if you know what I mean. It's not got the wacky clothing and the weird sort of styles of the 80s. Um, yeah, I do, I do stand by. And I know why it's got backlash, um, but I'm wondering how many people that have given it backlash have actually watched it. I don't know. I find maybe some people are just kind of turning their nose and, oh, well, fucking tourist stuff. I've never heard of it. Well, give it a watch. And I genuinely think it's a really fucking creepy little film. So I'd be interested to see what everyone else thinks. Well, I, I can see for 100% that everyone of the other hosts have seen Tourist Trap. So oh, I know the host. You're, you're, you're about sure. to find out. Um, now, yeah. one, one of the most... Well, we heard him earlier on. He, he jumped a year to make a comment about this. Uh, Douglas Tilly, <laughs> my, my, my Canadian friend, um, you said The Brood above Tourist Trap. Is that your pick then, Alien and The Brood? Or is there another movie that... Were you just using The Brood as a, a measuring pole as if to say even The Brood's better than Tourist Trap? I mean, there's there's at least seven or eight just on the ones you were talking about, I probably would put <laughs> above Tourist Trap. Look, Tourist Trap is a good movie. Uh, let me let me preface with this. I'm related to Chuck Connors. Oh. He's he's in my family history. His parents were from Newfoundland. His grandparents were from Newfoundland. I you know, he, I love him. I actually think he gives a ma an amazing performance in Tourist Trap. The twist in it is fucking obvious. Everyone could see it 2 minutes in, right? I mean, I don't think anyone was surprised by the by, by the by the twist in Tourist Trap. It's such a pedestrian movie. I mean, there's interesting things about it, but I mean, it's it's not, you know, it's a middling slasher movie. 
It's a fucking Charles Band movie. I know he didn't direct it, but I mean, you know, it's just it's just one of those everyday okay slasher movies right in the middle of the pack. I see nothing special about it. It has some good sequences, especially the opening, but uh, the thing that irritates me the most about it is that there's no rules to it. It just, you know, there's no way you can beat the villain in this movie because his abilities just keep changing all the way through. I think that the all the... Um, the, all, all the, the leads, all of our sympathetic characters, they're all really bland and uninteresting. I just don't think it's anything special. And this is a year that has some special movies in it. And I think Phantasm is a very special movie. I can see why you wouldn't necessarily put it through. I mean, Alien is the no-brainer here. But to me, it's like there's two no-brainers. It's Alien and The Brood. The Brood is a fucking amazing movie. And it's to me, it causes an unease in me that goes beyond just regular horror and terror uh, and I know that, you know, it, it's kind of uh, well known that Cronenberg made it and it's based on his divorce oh, and yes. the custody issues and things like that. And we talked about it at length on our Cronenberg episode. But this is a movie that works on so many different levels and it's so well acted and so well made. Uh, and Jesus, I'd probably put Driller Killer above Tourist <laughs> Trap. I mean, you know, it's, wow. it, and that's a movie that I see is flawed from from top to bottom. I mean, and look, I know we've already mentioned briefly uh, Herzog's Nosferatu. That wouldn't have made it through for me at all. There's no fucking way. But boy, you know, you put it next to Tourist Trap and it makes it look sparkling and new. Uh, I, I, just, I, 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 think, I think when people look at this list, the list, the entire list from top to bottom, and it's funny because I, I didn't put Tourist Trap at the bottom of my list, but when you look at it, it's this outlier. It's like, what the fuck is it doing on this list? Interesting, interesting. Tell us how you really feel, Doug. <laughs> it's okay. It's a pretty good movie. <laughs> um, Bo Ransdell. Yeah, I'll go to bat for uh, Tears Trap a little bit. Not not for the top two pick. Let's see. <laughs> but um, like, oh no, that's right. <laughs> I, I think it. I think it's better than by the numbers uh, for sure. I think. I think there is a weirdness to it. I, I. I think maybe the fact that it is so bananas and all over the place in terms of its rule set is sort of what makes it unnerving and uh but still i i would not have gone that way i you know i keep going back and forth between phantasm which is a movie i really really like but every time i watch it i all i see are the mistakes mm -hmm. and strangely amityville horror oh, which <laughs> I know. I mean, I look. I I was a kid when that movie came out, yeah. and it was such a big deal. Uh, like I, I remember the the Blair Witch time of like, hey, the Amityville Horror really happened. Yeah, and like yep. people believe that shit for a long time. <laughs> so uh, yeah, there there's something I think special about uh, Amityville Horror as well, um, and it's not just you know. Margot Kidder and <laughs> Josh Brolin, or is it James Brolin. J Jesus James Brolin. That's the James Brolin. I kept calling him Josh all the way through the recording. Yeah, as well. like uh, yeah. It's, it's fine because, to be honest with you, I was glad that you did it because that was gonna. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So James Brolin um, being cold all the time in the movie and 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 being genuinely kind of scary uh, in in a lot of that. So. Um, yeah, but Alien is the standout. Everything else is a runner-up. Alien's the the big with, winner here. With what you're saying, though, Bo, I totally agree with what you're saying because I think Amityville Horror was the most talked-about movie of that year, for sure. 
because of the legend of did it really happen, did it not? Um, I was nine years old. I knew more about Amityville Horror than I did any other movie that came out that year, just oh, yeah. from the fact of how much it was talked about. So uh, I, I I see the impact of exactly what you're talking about because I was there too, bro. So, so what would you have put through then, Ricky? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alien by leaps and bounds is, is the best movie of this year. Uh, no question. To this day, it's still incredible. The claustrophobic feel that it gives you. Uh, it's just a, it's a masterful movie. Uh, the other one. You know, I, I do love uh, I do love some some uh, tourist trap. There's there's no denying that. It's on the same level as like Motel Hell for me. Uh, there's a lot of love, but you know, eh, it's not that great. Uh, I, I became a Jamie Simmons fan because of early T Putts episode where she introduced that movie to you, and you're like, what? Never even heard of this. Yeah, that's right. So that's that's what this movie is. It is for us diehard horror fans that want to dig a little deeper and find the, the, the jewels in the rough. That's what this movie is. This is not alien, you know, by any means. So I think for us as fans of horror movies, that's kind of where we put it. And we want to push that up. It's the same as death dream. It's a jewel in the rough. It's it's, is it the best? Absolutely not. But is it good? Yeah. Do people need to pay attention to it? Absolutely. With that being said, phantasm all day long. Uh, Let's swing it to court psyops. The last word um, on our final year before we take a very well earned break. (laughs) Um, This ran way longer than expected. Um, Hashtag ambitious timescale for recording. Duncan is wrong again. Uh, Hashtag what a fucking surprise. (laughs) All this happens, man. I'm telling you right now, though, people are listening to this, they don't know that three hours have passed. Um, Or maybe they do. Uh, They're like, this is basically the last ten weeks of teapots we're hearing again. Um, Court, what's your opinion? In the effort of trying to make things as brief as possible, obviously Alien goes through. There's not a better made sci-fi horror film and for people who say it's not horror, it's basically a haunted house in space. And right. then you add in a slasher element or let's just say a space bear where it goes out <laughs> hunting the people because it's a perfect killing really, weapon. You're really, trying to, you're really trying to ingratiate yourself to Bo, aren't you? I want to stay on the network really bad. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's a space bear in a haunted house. How much more horror can you get than Alien right there? Uh, Torres Trap does not belong. <laughs> Um, at the top two in any way, shape, or form. Now, I love Taurus Trap. I paid a ridiculous amount of money for the old DVD to get the full 90-minute version that was originally released. Uh, There's a whole thing about that for all the Blu-ray cuts that are out there, including the one that was released overseas in the UK. Charles Band did some very underhanded things that we won't even get into that actually outraged. Yeah, there's like an yeah, I know, right? But there's like an 85 minute cut that's been released on Blu-ray everywhere else. But there's actually full 90 minute movie there that you you got to get the original DVD back in the day for. Uh, Now, having said that, that's all the more nice things that I'm going to say about Taurus Trap because it totally does not belong above either Phantasm or a lot of the other films as well, but I would have definitely put Phantasm through. Phantasm is a template that even Wes Craven had to have had an eye on whenever he did Nightmare oh. on Elm Street. Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Phantasm is essentially 
another one of those hallucinatory, just completely out of the, out of its mind, bonkers films. That it's just an experience, and everything in Phantasm from the start to the end of the film just is this psychological torment, and such a joy to watch at the same time, including Reggie Bannister playing guitar. I'm just saying. <laughs> what, was, what, what is super interesting is that from the feedback I got. Um, those were not the movies that were picked above Tourist Trap. Universally, everyone was surprised that zombie flesh eaters didn't go through. Yeah, I mean, really? I even, yeah, I yeah, that was really the one that seemed to be getting. P- and I, I, like I said on the recording, it's a movie that I've only. And Andy, like when we did Doing the Nasty, I was like, that, it's alright. I, I, it's a movie that has taken me many, many years and many watches to actually really like. It's the one that when people talk about, like, Filchie's top five. Um, like zombie flesh eaters doesn't even make that top five for yeah. me. You know, I I just think it's I think it's cool for what it is. I just don't think it's as I'm great trying as to, everyone thinks. It is. What was zombie flesh eaters released in the states as? I'm trying to recall. That's is that zombie? zombie? zombie. Yeah. Just zombie. Yeah. Zombie. Okay. Okay. Fulci's Fulci's zombie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm a huge, huge Fulci zombie fanatic. Now, if we're gonna just go by best made horror films or most horrific effect. Or just even if we want to, however you want to stack it up, however you want to argue it, regardless, if, if you want to say the best made films, you're going to have Alien beat it out, definitely. Mm-hmm. Now, Taurus Trap obviously isn't going to be fucking shit here, but, uh, <laughs> and I love Taurus Trap, don't get me wrong, but it ain't fucking sounds, beating a goddamn ever, any other film on that list. It has too much like stiff No one likes Taurus Trap here, Andy, I'm just saying. I love Taurus Trap. I did I not <laughs> no, just say I, yeah. that I spent a ridiculous amount of money for a DVD that was out of print for it. I <laughs> no, fucking I love the, the movie. Side of the fence. Yeah, but it's not. <laughs> it doesn't belong with this group as number two. I I understand the choice that you guys made, and quite frankly, I think you're just fucking trolling everybody to get this reaction <laughs> out of radio. <laughs> but it doesn't belong there. It really doesn't. But zombie, okay, zombie, Lucio Fulci zombie, zombie flesh eaters, however you want to call it. It, it doesn't have the the same level as what I would have put through in any way, shape, or form. But I can see if somebody said, oh, zombie over tourist trap, they'd be like, oh, of course. But then it's, you got Phantasm, you got all the other things that 1979 had. And this is, I totally, I, I do not sympathize, guys. This is, a, I think 79 is a harder year to pick from than even what 78 was. But fucking tourist trap? I mean, okay, I gotta stop. <laughs> or I'm just, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna sit here for like hours going, fucking tourist trap, really? I mean, I, fi- like, I figured, yeah. I figured Bo would go to bat for the prophecy. Ben, it's a big inside-out bear. <laughs> <laughs> inside-out bear—that's a whole new level of bear. Right? Yeah. Well, I've said it before. Say it again. Best sleeping bag death ever in a movie. Absolutely. Uh, Justin, I, got a, I, have, I have a quick question for you and Andy before Uh-oh. we finish up here. Uh-oh. If we had allowed TV movies and allowed Salem's Lot to be Salem's Lot would have went through. Yep. Is that for both of you? No. Okay. <laughs> So Salem's lot, there. Salem's lot would have gone through for you, Duncan, but not for you, Andy. Is that right? I would have loved, I would have loved um, like Jewel. Like, and there's quite a few TV movies I would have liked to be in there, but Salem's Lot, I'm, I'm not a fan of that. But fucking tourist trap. Sorry, sorry. I still, I still just feel sorry for you, man. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hurt you. I, I want to hug you, and I just want to tell you it's going to be okay. No Argento, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I love I love Salem's Lot. Uh, we spoke about it last year doing that top ten. Um, yeah, I think that movie 
And it's it's not. I actually think. See, I think it's weird. I think like Salem's Lot has a lot of issues. I think it's overly long. <laughs> like yeah, nothing happens in that film. Oh, hey, hey, now <laughs> easy, right? I say did Except you. the nightmares of a generation. <laughs> <laughs> Listen here, Andy, I'll have none of that. James Mason is dreamy. <laughs> back, ah, priest. Ma- back, shaman. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Ah, the master. Um, <laughs> with that, with, with the bad impressions coming at the end, ladies and gentlemen, this has been uh, the first half. Now, the second half will be a lot shorter, trust me. Raining the leads right in this one. This has been the first half. I think it's been good, though. I think it's good to see where everyone else would have hit out at different points on on things and we've already kind of answered some of the questions that had about movies which you would have liked to have seen make that final list if there was one you could have picked it'll be interesting to see if we can shortlist them down but we're going to take a break we're all going to stretch um, do a bit of Tai Chi drink some green tea uh, some ginseng get yourself ready some of us will be hitting something a bit harder I think uh, after being shouted at about tourist trap um, but when, when we come back really fucking tourist sorry sorry. <laughs> when we come back we're counting down the official host list from 20 through to 11 and we're going to be doing that right after this did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable! At 12 years old, you should not be watching this. Movie. Obviously, at 13, you should not be. 14, you should be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything Dude, that kept little history up. doll yeah, popping absolutely. up at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at twelve years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How be did a rough you watch movie. this shit at twelve? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Science. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. Most effective, Your Majesty. Will you destroy this Earth? Destroy it utterly. Send Rick and Penny in Wool Rocket Ajax. So, just destroy it? That's what Ming said. Don't you ever listen? Well, there's no arguing with Ming. Hail Hail Ming. Ming. Wait! You see those transmissions on the Visua screen? Crow? Nightmare on Elm Street? Chud 2? Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? I've seen those things. 
Flash? I guess we could wait a while before the destruction. Yeah, and watch the movies. And talk about them. The Helming Power Hour. Disobedience to Ming. For now. You can find us at Legion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. iTunes. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. At www. You know what? Just Google it for yourself. Just Google it, you bastages. Helming. Breaking 2? Electric Boogaloo? Samurai Cop? Army of Darkness? Flash Dance? <laughs> <laughs> we might destroy the planet if it's Flash Dance. And welcome back. So hopefully you're rested. Uh, we are <laughs> not rested. We, we're, we're a bit tired. Um, but this is where it gets interesting because all the roads have led here. All that discussion that we had at the start of this episode, all three hours of it, um, has led to cre- the creation of a list. A list of 20 movies. Now, on that list of 20 movies, ladies and gents, you would have found um, some of the greatest horror movies ever made. Ever. And Torch Trap. And... <laughs> He just wouldn't let it lie, would he? Hey, wouldn't let it it's lie. It's like would sleeping he? corpses. He can't let them lie. Can't let them lie. So a reminder of our movies. Uh, the movies going through for 1970 were The Bird with the Crystal Plumage and Count Yorker Vampire. From 71, Devils, the fucking balls in this movie. And Daughters the of Darkness. Fucking du- balls. The fucking balls in this guy. Uh, and Daughters of Darkness. 72, Don't Touch Her Duckling and Deliverance. 73, The Exorcist and Don't Look Now. 74, Death Dream and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 75, Jaws and Deep Red. 76, The Omen and Carrie. 77, Suspiria and Eraserhead. 78, Halloween and Dawn of the Dead. And 79, Alien and clearly the greatest movie ever made, Tourist Trap. So, um, now that we have that already, let's let's look at the host list. Oh my god! Right, let's let's uh, let's start off down at number twenty, uh, with a score of thirteen points overall. Now, it's worth noting how we scored this was. If it was your top movie, it got twenty points. The second top movie got nineteen points, etc., etc. Your least favorite movie on the list or the least best movie uh, got one point. So, with a total of thirteen points at number twenty. Count Yorga, Vampire, bottom of the list. Um, now, I will say that I had it at number 20 on my list. So, there we go. Um, did anyone else have it at number 20? I did. I did, <laughs> yeah, I did too. Yeah, yeah, a few people. Bo did, uh, Doug did, and so did Court. Um, Andy, it was higher up your list, yes? 15. 15 on your list. And Ricky, higher up on your list. 18. 18, that is right, ladies and gents. There we go. Are you ready for this? This, this, is, where, this is where people start gasping and falling out with each other. <laughs> uh, at number 19 on the list, with a score of 24, Daughters of Darkness. That's right. Daughters of Darkness. We spoke about I had, it. I had that one at 19. That, I know you did. That's exactly where I put it. <laughs> uh, I had it higher on my list. Um, Andy, was it higher on your list? 16 on mine. Bo Ransdale? Bo? Is Bo gone? <laughs> Bo's like that. Watching Tourist Trap. Bo's like, <laughs> Bo's like, this is my movie. Fuck the lotties. We'll come back to Bo. Um, Doug? 
Yeah, no, I had that at, at 19. It's You know, it's funny. We haven't gotten to Taurus Chap yet. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> and we're counting down mine exactly so far. We, we, we could be waiting a while. Uh, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Uh, uh, 14th is where I had it. Thank thing. you very much, Bo Ransdell. Court, PsyOps. Uh, Daughters of Darkness was on 18 for me. Um, I just, it doesn't click with me, I suppose. Yep. And uh, Ricky Morgan? 17. Number 17 on your list. You ready for this one? At number 18 on the list with a, a total of 31 points. This is mind blown. Uh, the bird with a crystal plumage. What the f? Yep, only one person <laughs> had it at number 18 on their list. That was. That's me. Bo, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say it was higher on my list. Uh, bird with a crystal plumage, believe it or not, uh, was number 15 for me. So, um, let's see. Andy, where was it for you? The bottom of my desk. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be okay, Andy. You just need a hug, man. You just need um, a hug. Doug Tilly. I had it at number 15, the same as you, Duncan. There we go. Corsiops. 10. It was in my top 10. There we go. And Ricky Morgan. Actually had it down a step from you guys and had it at 16. Oh, there we go. There we go, there we go. Right, let's let's continue this on. Uh, <laughs> uh, number 17, with a total of 33 points, uh, was Death Dream. Uh, now, there was two people that had it at the position number 17. Would you like to volunteer yourselves? Yeah, that's me. I had it number 17. And I did too. I'm oh killing this. <laughs> I told you my list was right. Your, We're your, done. your list, actually, <laughs> I'm, I'm just all I'm going to say is, Bo, you appear quite a lot in this this list in terms of how you match them. So um, I will give you I will give you a bit of props here, just just a little bit, not too much. Um, for me, Death Dream came in at number nineteen. I had it lower than this overall, even after all the all the love and praise that I showered on it. Andy Blockley, fourteen for me that one. Number 14 for you, Court Psyops. Death Dream was at 16. There we go. And Ricky Morgan. Number 10. Number I love 10. This movie. With a motherfucking <laughs> bullet. So at, at number 16, and no one put this at number 16, with a grand total of 40 points and in joint. So it's technically joint 15th, but we'll, well, it was at number 16 in the way that I've written it out because it's alphabetical as well. Uh, is. Tourist Trap! That's right, Tourist Trap arrived at number 16, joint with, wait for it, Deliverance. Wow. Ladies and gents, you you scored this. This is the host scored list. And Tourist Trap for me was number 16 on my list. Um, Where was it for, where was it for everyone else? Bo Ransdell, where did you have Tourist Trap? Uh, Up one slot at 50. You had it for 15. Andy Blockley? Number 9. Number 9, Douglas Tilly? 18. Number 18, Court Psyops? Uh, for once, both list is absolutely correct. I also had Taurus Trap at 15. There we go. And Ricky Morgan? I had it at 14, but I had the Deliverance at 19. There we go. <laughs> yeah, so Deliverance, like I see, arrived in um, <laughs> with the same amount of points. Uh, at 15, Deliverance for me was... Where did I put Deliverance? I, put, I, I gave it 17 points. So there you go. I shall put Tourist Trap above Deliverance. 
Yeah, I honestly, do. I honestly think that that some of the the response there is because a lot of people don't think of it as a horror movie. And I they, honestly do think that because otherwise my brain would be fucking broken. To yeah, think I, th- I think that people think, put those movies. Yeah, I think I think maybe I think maybe that's where it comes in. I think you start thinking about things and you start thinking about scares and, and whatnot. Uh, Doug, where did you have Deliverance? Number twelve. Number twelve. Bo Ransdell. Uh, I had it a little bit higher than Doug at number 11. Andy Blockley. Number 8 for me. Number 8. Uh, Court Psyops. Ricky and I are in total agreement. I put it at 19, and it could possibly be because of me not looking at it as yeah. much of a horror film. Uh, but that's only in comparison to the others that are on this list that are much heavy hitters in the horror department for me. There we go. Right, jumping up. Um, only two points and sitting at number 14 on the list only one person had this right it's Eraserhead uh, Doug Tilly picked this one spot on uh, well done Doug Tilly there we go oh, I'm not trying to match the general public remember this is not general public this is hosts Oh right. Well, I guess I don't mind matching with you guys. Yeah, this is this is just the host. We all know that when we get into the general public, all bets are off. Like <laughs> this is a safe list. This is a safe place, Doug. <laughs> so the, the the head scratching, head explosion moments come later on. Um, <laughs> Bo. Bo. Yes. Yep. Uh, what? <laughs> what uh, is sorry. the movie? Eraser I was staring at my list and I I I, I completely lost the Eraser plot. Head. What? Eraserhead for me is way up at eight. I had I, it. At, I love that. I had it at twelve. Andy Blockley, seventeen. Court Psyops. Lucky number thirteen. I feel that's exactly where Eraserhead belongs. <laughs> and and this is my favorite. This is my favorite one. Ricky Morgan, twenty. Yep, the bottom of the list. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> oh, even even Andy ah. even Andy Blockley even Andy Blockley. Who does not like this movie? Scored a bit higher. So, I I feel like I'm freaking Pee Wee Herman. At, I feel like I'm Pee Wee Herman at the end of fucking Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm just ah, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, let's let's jump on to number thirteen on the list. Unlucky for some, and aptly with fifty four points, it's the Omen. Could it have picked a could it have picked a better number list? We had six hundred and sixty-six <laughs> movies. Um yeah, so the omen landed there. No one had it at thirteen. Uh, I'll let you know that the omen landed at number fourteen on my list. Um Bo. Yeah, my uh number ten. It cracked the top ten for me. Top ten, Andy Blockley. Number seven. Number seven, Douglas Tilly. 16. I think of it as the marker where everything after that uh, should not have been on the list. Hive Mind, man. The Omen I had at 14 as well. All right, Ricky Morgan. 11. Yeah, at number 11. So, yeah, that was number 13. It was The Omen at number 12. Uh, with 55 points, so one point more, and technically joint 11th, if we're being fair, um, was Carrie. And no one had it at this position. Uh, sharing the points from 55 uh, at position number 11 was Don't Torture a Duckling. So let's let's rattle through where we had um, both those movies. Uh, Carrie, for me, landed at number 13, and Don't Torture a Duckling was way up at 6 for me. I had that one so really high. Bo Ransdell, what about you? 
I was number 12 for Don't Torture a Duckling. Yep. And I had Carrie way down at 19. You're that dirty, dirty boy. <laughs> oh. you, you scored. Ah. You, you scored. <laughs> oh, this is, I just love this. You start all this slagging off. Well, no, you actually defended Tourist Trap because you had Tourist Trap quite a few points above that. Uh, Andy Blockley. Number 10. Number 10 for Carrie. And where did you have Don't Torture a Duckling? 18. 18. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Doug. Uh, I had Carrie at number 13, and Don't Torture a Duckling uh, is the first one we've discussed that hit my top 10 at number 10. Kapow. Court Psyops. I put Don't Torture a Duckling at 12, and it breaks my heart to have to put it that low, but again, other heavy hitters that just go above it for me personally, because this is my personal list. Carrie was at number nine. It cracked my top ten, and I feel like I might have could have put Carrie a little bit higher, but again, other heavy hitters, and Carrie just got pushed to nine. Very, very nice, Ricky Morgan. Where did Carrie land for you? Carrie is at number seven, Come and down. don't torture the don't torture ducklings at thirteen. Number thirteen, ladies and gentlemen. I told you this bit would fly in. That's your your the top half of your list. So let's go back through that again, and then for uh, clarity's purpose, we will then um, we will then read from our lists individually, twenty through eleven. So the listeners out there know what we had also there. So at number twenty with thirteen points was Count Yorga Vampire. At number nineteen with twenty four points, Daughters of Darkness. Number eighteen with thirty one points, Bird with a Crystal Plumage. Number seventeen with thirty three points was Death Dream. Number sixteen and fifteen, joint fifteenth, uh, with forty points, Deliverance and Tourist Trap. Number fourteen with forty two points, Eraser Head. Number 13 with 54 points, The Omen. Joint 12th and 11th, so joint 11th essentially, with 55 points, Don't Torture a Duckling and Carry. Um, I will tell you that counting down my list from 20 through to 11, we had Count Yorga at 20, Death Dream at 19, Daughters of Darkness at 18, Deliverance, Deliverance at 17, Tourist Trap at 16, um, Bird with a Crystal Plumage at 15, The Omen at 14, Carrie at 13, Eraser Head at 12, and it's not been mentioned yet, but I had The Devils at 11. Um, Bo, oh. count us down to... <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, Bo, count us down uh, 20 through 11, please, on your list. Uh, yeah, number 20, I had Count Yorga. 19 was Carrie. 18 is Bird with Crystal Plumage. 17 is Death Dream. Uh, 16 is Deep Red. Uh, oh. 15 oh. is Tourist Trap. Above Deep Red. I just Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> hey, hey. Love these lists. I love them. Uh, 14 is Daughters of Darkness. 13 is Suspiria. The... <laughs> uh, 12 is Don't uh-huh. Torture a Duckling. 11 is Deliverance. I'm just wondering if Andy Blockley wrote your list. There seems to be a lot of a lot of, a lot of hate for the old uh, Italian cinema on the bottom half of this hey. list here. Hey, hey, none, of those, none of those contain bears, so that's why that is, this is true. So low this on the is list. True. This is true. None of hey. that is about hate. I'm still. I'm. <laughs> hey, Court. He put. You're... He, he put Taurus Trap over Deep Red. I know! <laughs> I know, Ricky! I know! <laughs> oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Andy Blockley, count us down. I know your mouth's sore, sorry. Uh, count us down 20 <laughs> to 11, please. Oh, here we go. 20, Bird with the Crystal Plumage. 19, Deep Red. 
18, don't torture a duckling. 17, erase the head. 16, doors of darkness. 15, count yoga. 14, death dream. 13, suspiria. 12, don't look now. 11, the devils. Kapow, Andy oh. Blockley. Doesn't it make oh. you feel warm and fuzzy inside? <laughs> uh, Doug, count us down 20 through 11, please. All right, counting down. Number 20, Count Yorga Vampire. Number 19, Daughters of Darkness. Number 18, Taurus Trap. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 17, Death Dream. Number 16, The Omen. Number 15, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Number 14, Eraserhead. 13, Carry. 12, Deliverance. And at number 11, Duncan, the same as you, I have The Devils. Though I should, I need to, to say, I rewatched it again yesterday and I probably... I probably would have knocked it up at least a couple of notches. Yeah, yeah, that's. I think that's fair. I think that's fair indeed. Court Psyops, 20 through 11, please. Uh, 20, Count Yorga Vampire. 19, Deliverance. Yeah, just deal with it. Uh, 18, <laughs> Daughters of Darkness. 17, Don't Look Now. 16, Death Dream. 15, Taurus Trap. Should have probably been lower. <laughs> 14, The Omen. Yeah, I know, I'm sorry. 13, Eraserhead. 12, don't torture a duckling. Not happy about putting it there. And also deep red at 11. Still not happy about that. Should have switched it with bird, which was at 10, as I already said. Yeah, I jumped ahead. <laughs> but you already said that. So no, I'll no. You, when, when we went with bird being a little bit lower on the list, I already said where I put it. Yes, you did. You did. I will let you off. I will let you off. Ricky Morgan, give us your countdown 20 to 11, please. Number 20, Eraserhead. Number 19, <laughs> Deliverance. Number 18, Count Yorga. Uh, 17, Daughters of Darkness. 16, Bird of Crystal Plumage. 15, The Devils. Oh! oh. Watch that one. Four- this is- check, check this out. 14, <laughs> Tourist Trail. <laughs> yes! Oh. Yes! And your that face. Does, that does sting a little. I'm not going to lie. Face. Oh. And your face. Yeah, it doesn't feel good when it happens to you. Does, doesn't feel good when it happens to you. <laughs> Number 13, Don't Torture a Duckling. Number 12, Don't Look Now. Number 11, The Omen. Fantastic, fantastic, right? That's the first half. Now, this is a serious bit. This is the definitive countdown of the host's top 10. So this is what will be published at the end. That top list that I gave you, that that top, well, 10 essentially, from 20 through 11 will not make the final list, which is a shame because we lost some amazing movies. Deliverance, you ain't making that list. Don't torture a duckling. Bye-bye. Carrie, no such luck for you. Um... Yeah, we have a, a we have a, a monumental task ahead of us. Now I will say this: of the hosts, only two hosts got <laughs> the number one spot correct, and all the other hosts chose a different movie. So we almost landed on something completely different. For number one. In fact, if we look across our, well, when I look across the lists, very few of these titles match up in the same places. We are pretty much all got a similar group of movies in there, but they're all in wildly different positions. So, are you ready, gentlemen, to hear the official top 10 horror movies of the 1970s using the Noah's Ark teapot rules for 2017? Are you ready, guys? Oh, yeah. Very ready. I, that, I'm not ready. That was born ready. It felt so anticlimactic. It's staying in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's to stay in. At number 10, no one had it at this position. 
from from the the maestro of horror Dario Argento comes deep red. Deep Red cracks the top 10 spot. Deep Red landed at number 5 on my list. I think it's probably one of my favourite horror movies ever fucking made. Bo Ransdell, you've already told us where it landed in yours. Tell us again. Yeah, 16. I, uh... Ah. <laughs> it's the, the audible pain that comes in court's amazing. <laughs> uh, I, I, what's even sorer is Andy Blockley. Where did you have Deep Red? Yeah, 19. <laughs> Uh, Doug Tilly, where did you have Deep Red? Number four. Kapow, higher than I had it. Uh, Court Psyops. I'm going to need some ice cream after this. I need some comfort food. <laughs> I put Deep Red I put deep red at 11. I, I, I said it before and I'm going to say it again. I should have swapped it for 10. It should be above Crystal Plume and Dunline. Right, and uh, Ricky Morgan? Number eight. Number eight, very, very nice, very nice. Are you <laughs> at number nine with 67 points? Only one host put it on this spot on their list, and once again, it's Bo. Like, <laughs> Bo lands a lot with these. Uh, it's Don't Look Now with 67 points. Don't Look Now for me lands at number three overall. Uh, I think Don't Look Now is uh, like arguably one of the best horror movies ever made. I've spoken about it at great, great length. Uh, I will save you all. Uh, having to hear it again. Bo Ransdell, we know where you picked it. You got it spot on, buddy. Nine. Feel good? Mm-hmm. I do feel good. Almost all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Blockley, where did you have Don't Look Now? Twelve. At number twelve. Uh, Doug Tilly. Number... F- Sorry, number five. Mm. Very nice, sir. Very nice. Court Psyops. 17. I'm uh, sorry. Uh, Sutherland's uh, ass, man. I can't handle it. Uh, uh, and Ricky Morgan. Number 12. Number 12. So how are you feeling so far, guys? Everyone feeling comfortable? Everyone feeling good about this list? Yo. If the number one doesn't go my way, I'm going to lose my shit. I mean, I'm... <laughs> It's just going to happen. I'm I'm getting very concerned as we're getting closer. <laughs> uh, I kind of I, I kind of hate you all, but I still love you. This is good. <laughs> this is what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that we can all uh, never do this experiment again. Uh, <laughs> so I'm hoping. Um, let's, Let us let's... never talk of this again. <laughs> at number eight, at number eight, ladies and gentlemen, with seventy-four points, no one had this. In their position, however, one host has this as their number one movie. So, are you ready for this? Oh, at number eight, the fucking balls on this guy. The Devils comes in at number eight on the list. I had it at number eleven on my list. Bo Ransdell, where was it on yours? Number three. Number Ooh. three. Andy Blockley. Eleven. Number eleven. Doug Tilly. Number 11, though I feel bad about it. Number 11, uh, Ricky Morgan. 15! Number 15, and the reason I left this last person to last, Court Psyops. It's number one. Number one there with is, the bullet. There is no other film in the 70s that affected me as deeply as The Devils, and still to this day. Uh, one of the one of the moments of my life that is totally defining is being able to see a surviving 35mm print of this in the Alamo Draft House. Now they advertised that it was the completely uncut, you know, <laughs> director's cut version. Yeah. It was not. There was no rape of Christ. There was no uh, self diddling with severed body part uh, <laughs> that you would normally see. And I still, to this day, I'm trying to get a full and complete version of that. Now that I know that it exists on Shutter, 
They now have my money. I'm out. To <laughs> Actually, the shutter, to it. the shutter version does not have the Rape of Christ or the. Uh, the oh, Severed, it doesn't. Uh, no, it doesn't. No. Okay, I assumed that that's where you watched it at. So I, I'm totally fine. They don't need my money because <laughs> I have composite. I have composite versions I've made myself. I've bought several versions of this, including bootlegs. I love the Devils. Uh, it, it affects me every time. And just talking about it right now, images are starting to surface in my brain that I've seen in the film that are starting to make me feel kind of icky and hollow and, and nihilistic <laughs> and, and empty. And it just, it, no other film has affected me quite like the devil. So that's why it had to be number one. There we go, ladies and gents. Right. At number seven with 77 points, scoring three points higher. Um, is the return of a director that we've already discussed. This is another movie by Dario Argento. This one is the one about the witch. This is Suspiria at number seven. Suspiria landed on my list at number fucking two. Like, Suspiria is to me the, it's the closest thing you get to going on a roller coaster which is purely designed to terrify you from the moment it says you are watching Suspiria to the moment it finishes by saying you have just watched Suspiria <laughs> yeah like literally what they might as well do is take a photograph as soon as this movie finishes and see the terror on my face um, yeah Suspiria landed number two for me Bo where is Suspiria on your list number 13 number 13 unlucky for some Andy Blockley yeah, 13-2. Scoring it the same as Bo. Uh, I will say that when you submitted your list, what did you say to me about how you scored Suspiria? I was fucking generous to it, I think. Yeah, you said that you may, may have bowed out to a little bit of peer pressure uh, on that one, <laughs> just slightly. Uh, let's swing it to Doug Tilly. Number nine, number nine, number, number nine. nine. Court Psyops. All is that. Number three for me. Suspiria is my top three. <laughs> Here we go. And Ricky Morgan. Number nine, same as Doug. Number nine. Ooh. All is dead. 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 <laughs> Feels good. Feels good. This list is starting to feel good at number six with 88 points. No one had it at position number six. This is the movie that people said wasn't a horror movie. This is Ridley Scott's Alien. Alien landed at number nine on my list. Bo, where did Alien land on yours? Number four for me. Number four, Andy Blockley. Five. Number five, Doug Tilly. Number eight, Court Psyops. Alien was number seven. We're talking Space Bear and a Haunted House in Space. <laughs> and Ricky Morgan. Number five. So this is one of the very few movies that we've discussed thus far that made the top ten list. That is universally in all, our, all of our top tens. Mm. Worth knowing that. Quite interesting, isn't it? Quite interesting. Number five, only one host had this right. Uh, picked the, the correct spot collectively. It's Bo Ransdell <laughs> again. Fucking Bo every single time. It's, uh, it's a little movie called Dawn of the Dead. Landed in at number five. Georgie Romero. Dawn of the Dead landed number eight for me on my list. Obviously number five for Bo. Andy Blockley? Six for me. Six. Doug Tilly? Number two. Ooh. Nice. Nice. Court Psyops? Number eight. As much as I love George Romero and I have tattoos of it, that's where it had to go with the fierce competition it has above. Yep. And Ricky Morgan? Number six. So another movie that universally landed in all our top tens. <sighs> Which takes us to four. Oh, man. <laughs> Are you starting to get a bit nervous? Anyone getting nervous now? 
starting to feel <laughs> hopefully the listeners are feeling the tension 94 points two hosts had this in the same place uh, both Court and Ricky picked correctly that John Carpenter's Halloween would be number four on the list uh, for me Halloween landed at number ten um, Bo number six number six Andy Blockley number one oh, yeah he had at the top right at the yeah. top Oh, there we go. Don't I mean, hit. that's not wrong. That's not. <laughs> yeah. I can't. I can't. I can't argue that. It's just this was personal, and I have deeper feelings with the movies that were above it. So I totally agree. Doug, I, I can see why you would pick one. Yeah. Doug Tilly, number seven. Court Psyops, number four, as you said. Yep, and Ricky Morgan also. Quattro, quattro, quattro. Number four. Ooh. Top three, top three, top three, top three. <laughs> uh, with 104 points, number three was correctly predicted by one person. It was myself. Uh, so it's worthwhile saying that I picked as my number three uh, a little movie by a director called William Friedkin called The Exorcist. Um, Bo Ransdell. Yeah, that's my number one. That's your number I, one. I think that's yeah. just I think that's just one about the scariest goddamn movies you're ever gonna <laughs> see. You ain't gonna get no arguments at me. Uh Andy Blockley. Number four. Number four, Doug Tilly. Number six. Court Psyops. I've seen The Exorcist about 167 times and it keeps getting funnier every single time <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> I have it at my number six. Uh, I, again, I cannot disagree. It's just that for me, the religious aspect and the possession stuff, this is more a movie about a whole lot of mental illness and mass delusion yep. that just keeps building to become worse and worse yep. until the exorcism happens. So it just doesn't have the same effect on me that it does other people. But it is absolutely horrifying. That's just for me. I couldn't put it any higher than six. There we go. Ricky Morgan scored it quite high as well. Ricky, what did you have? Number two. Number two. Oh, which means there's only two movies left. Now, it's worth saying that only one host got this right. And this movie only beat out The Exorcist by one point. Wow. Yep, yep. Uh, this one, um, if this one isn't the movie that Doug thinks it is, then Doug is walking off this show. <laughs> right? Because Doug's done the math. His movie ain't been called yet. Um, so let's see if Doug's movie landed at the top spot. There's only one way to work that out. The person that correctly picked the second spot with 105 points was none other than, once again, Bo fucking Ransdell. Finger <laughs> on the pulse, y'all. Dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. Jaws is Ocean at number bear. two. Ocean bear. <laughs> Ocean bear. Ocean grizzly. Ocean grizzly. Uh, Jaws for me landed at number seven. Bo Ransdell correctly selected it as number two. Andy Blockley, where is Jaws for you? Number three. Doug Tilly. Number three. Court Psyops. It is number five for me. I'm sorry, but it's number five. And Ricky Morgan had it. Number one. Number one with a bullet. Top of the tree. Which means if you've done the math, you'll know that both me and Doug correctly picked the number one movie. Five points clear of Jaws with a whopping 110 points. It's Tobe Hooper's Masterclass in Terror and the number one movie 
for the top 10 list selected by the hosts. It's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I had it at number one because I have said, especially on this year, coming back to I think it could very well be the best horror movie ever made. <laughs> I genuinely think it is the most terrifying experience you can have with your clothes on. Um, so there we go. Bo, where did you have TCM? Uh, number seven. And Andy Blockley? Well, even though Halloween is my personal favourite, I really can't have a problem with Texas Chainsaw is my number two. Kapow! Dog Telly, happy that I reached number one? Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the scariest movie ever made. Number one. Court Psyops? I actually have it as my number two. Had I never seen The Devils and had that effect on me, it would have been my number one. Yep. I and can't argue with it being there. Yeah, Ricky Morgan? It's number three for me. So there we go. Now, it is quite interesting to note that, ladies and gents, there is only one host here, even though they got it out with the right order, um, there is only one host here that had the top three as a top three, and that's Ricky Morgan. Ricky Morgan's top three was Jaws, The Exorcist, and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and um, it was almost in the right order. Uh you had the top three, just you picked them as your top three and those were in the top three. So let's count them down again before we jump back to the hosts. So the definitive top ten list is selected by the hosts had at number ten, Deep Red. At number nine, Don't Look Now. At number eight, The Devils. Number seven, Suspiria. Number six, Alien. Number five, Dawn of the Dead. Number four, Halloween. Number three, The Exorcist. Number two, Jaws. And number one, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Let's count down the list, ladies and gents. My one. At number 10, Halloween. Nine, Alien. Eight, Dawn of the Dead. Seven, Jaws. Six, Don't Torture a Duckling. Five, Deep Red. Four, The Exorcist. Three, Don't Look Now. Two, Suspiria. And one, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Boo! Yes. Uh, <laughs> just sit back and, and listen to how good this feels. <laughs> <laughs> number 10 the omen number nine don't look now number eight eraser head number seven uh chainsaw massacre six halloween five dawn of the dead four alien three the devils two jaws one exorcist does sound pretty good both yeah does. that's a good night <laughs> <laughs> andy blockley give us your top 10 number 10 carry Number nine, <coughs> trap. What was that? Sorry, what was that? So Andy, you coughed there. Sorry, the audio Great didn't pick up. What was number eight, nine? What was number nine? I can't remember. It's lost my list. <laughs> <laughs> number seven, The Omen. Number six, Dawn of the Dead. Number five, Alien. Number four, The Exorcist. Number three, Jaws. Number two, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And number one, Halloween. It's a pretty good night as well. Dog Telly, give us your top ten. Taurus Trap as the ninth. Best <laughs> I don't remember. Did I say that? I thought I <laughs> number 10, Don't Torture a Duckling. Number 9, Suspiria. Number 8, Alien. Number 7, Halloween. Number 6, The Exorcist. Number 5, Don't Look Now. Number 4, Deep Red. Number 3, Jaws. Number 2, Dawn of the Dead. And number 1, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Boom. That's a nice sound of the list as well. Court Psyops, let us know. Top 10. Taurus Trap? Really? Nine? <laughs> really? Was that ten? Oh, no, it was nine. <laughs> uh, mine is ten is the bird with the crystal plumage. Again, I said it. I think that should be deep red now instead. 
Uh, nine is Carrie. Eight is Dawn of the Dead. Seven is Alien. Six is The Exorcist. Five is the Sea Grizzly, known as Jaws. Mm-hmm. Four is Halloween. Three is Suspiria. Two is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And number one for me is The Devils. Very nice. Ricky Morgan, top ten list from you, sir. Number ten, My Sleeper, Death Dream. Number nine, Suspiria. Number eight, Deep Red. Number seven, Carrie. Number six, Dawn of the Dead. Number five, Alien. Number four, Halloween. Number three, Texas Chainsaw. Number two, The Exorcist. Number one, Abby. <laughs> <laughs> Wait kidding. a minute. That Jaws. didn't even make <laughs> <laughs> So there you go, ladies and gents. The definitive top list um, for, from us. Uh, it looks pretty good. Uh, uh, let's, let's put it out this way before we do the listeners one. Like that top list... Deep Red, Don't Look Now, Devil, Suspiria, Alien, Dawn of the Dead, Halloween, Exorcist, Jaws, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Could really... The funny thing about this exercise is I could have really went on any website anywhere and typed in top 10 horror movies of the 70s and chances are all those titles would have appeared. Um, like, without much wiggle room there, really, I think I think that is a, a fucking thumping list. Um, and one that... Almost universally, we had in our top ten positions. Um, is there any one movie that you think that didn't go through that should have been in that top ten list? And I will start with you, Bo Ransdell. Uh Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You would have 100%. had in the top ten. Oh, I would have. If it had been on the list, it probably would have been in my number two or three spot. Right, that's good to know. Doug Tilly. How so? For sure. Uh, and it also, I think it would have been a really nice addition to the list mm-hmm. to give it a bit of an Eastern flair because otherwise it's very American and European. Yeah, it's dominated that way, actually. Um, funnily enough, it would jump like back a decade um, or forward a decade. You start to get those influences. There's a lot of really good Asian horror movies from, from the 60s that I think definitely would have been in the conversation. Um, and certainly in the 80s when they start kind of sparking back up a bit of love for it so um, also the brood also the brood should have been the brood should have been top 10 would you have that top 10 you know what maybe not top 10 but it's weird not to see Cronenberg on this list it is very weird but once again when next year swings around and the 80s swings around I've got a feeling he's going to be well represented <laughs> uh, I got a feeling he did, might was be he in... directing in the 80s yeah did he put out anything in the 80s I don't know uh, commercials or something so, not so as anyone would notice anyhow <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing at all. Um, Court, anything that you would have seen from the, the remaining list that didn't go through at the top 20 that would have made your top 10 overall? Any other horror movie besides Taurus Trap? No. Um, <laughs> that didn't make the top 10. Has to be in the top oh. 10. <laughs> um, for, for me, I would have probably, I would have liked to have seen Phantasm hit the list and then be pushed up to the top 10. It, it would have probably pushed down whatever I had at 10 at least, if not higher up. Cool, cool. Andy Blockley. Uh, Taurus Trap 2, the second trap. <laughs> <laughs> the second trap. I believe, the, I believe it was Taurus Trap 2, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. Uh, right. The trappening, I think, was the uh, <laughs> European time. So that one, uh, if not possible, then um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, I think is, I can think of two films in my top 10 that I've think are oh, not as good as that one so yeah invasion of the body snatches interesting interesting ricky morgan phantasm yeah. um yeah I, I i was that's the one that probably crushed me more than anything else throughout the series um 
But you forget about Invasion of the Body Snatchers too, man. Both of those would be great. It's good to know. It's good to know. Um, believe it or not, I wouldn't change my. Li- I wouldn't change it at all. I, I actually think as lists go, it's a great representation of like if I was trying to hit the sweet spots for seventies horror, I think our top ten list does it. I think you have you have arguably one of the best Jalo movies ever made in Deep Red. You have one of the best psychedelic horror movies ever made in Don't Look Now. Uh, you have one of the greatest sacrilegious movies ever made in The Devils. You have one of the greatest just all-out experiences in pure terror and Suspiria. You have Alien, which almost stands in its own world. You have arguably one of the greatest zombie movies of all time made in Dawn of the Dead. You have arguably one of the greatest slasher movies ever made in Halloween. You have arguably one of the greatest horror movies ever made in The Exorcist. Nothing's ever really going to top Jaws and Texas Chainsaw Massacre stands alone. I I genuinely think we have pretty much captured the essence of the 70s in that list there. I I am very impressed with it. Very impressed. Are you ready to hear what the listeners picked? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, good lord, yes. Are you ready? Right, ladies and gents. Now, I'm just counting these down, so strap yourself in. At number 20, with 49 points. Now, it is worth saying that we got 18 listeners submitted their list to this. Thank you very much. It's above and beyond. It's one of the highest kind of interactions for something as complicated uh, that I've ever had uh, doing this show. People tend to get involved, but not on the level they did. So, at number 20... The score of 49 is Count Yorga. So it was the same, ladies and gents. It was the same between both lists. Um, at good num- job, listeners. Yeah, good uh, listeners know. They know their shit. Uh, <laughs> at 19, it's shit, all right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> at 19, with a, a score of 66, with Death Dream, not as beloved as we had it. We had Death Dream slightly higher at 17. Um, at number 18... On the list, with a score of 78, is Daughters of Darkness, which um, we had lower. We had at 19. So there you go. So they scored it slightly higher. At number 17, with 90 points, Eraserhead. Now, Eraserhead was 14 on our list, but quite low on the listeners' list. This is the one that's going to cut both his his very soul. Um, Because at number 16 uh, is The Devils, with 119 points. Um, And we had The Devils, you know, a a bit higher. Uh, up on our list, uh, the devils came in. At, I can't even see it. That's <laughs> that's how cross-eyed my eyes are now. My eyes, my eyes. We had an eight, so we had it much higher, much higher. Uh, Don't look now. Uh, did not do very well <laughs> for our listeners. They came in at number fifteen with hundred and twenty-six points. Uh, Don't look now appeared at number nine on our list collectively. Above Don't look now. Um, at the <laughs> is tourist trap at least is tourist trap yeah with 129 points a lot of people bitched about tourist trap you want to see on the facebook group page and by emails turns out they kind of liked it turns out yeah when it came to scoring it he's all scored it relatively well <laughs> duncan sorry are you telling me that the listeners of your show who i'm the sure one, are very intelligent yeah the, the, no, the listeners of my show they gave me a hard time for putting through tourist trap wait no are you saying that they rank the devils the fucking yeah. devils yeah they rank that lower than tourist trap and don't look what, now. what kind of diseased minds are sending <laughs> yeah. in these fucking ballots don't look clearly now. people who have not actually watched the devils the devil only excuse i can come head. up with don't look now yeah, devils and the book. look they can just not get a racer head lots of people who don't get it some of them are on this panel 
But I mean, it's. <laughs> but but the devils, man. Devils. The fucking balls on this movie. Yep. Turns out, turns out, um, push comes to shove. People will uh, will say one thing and do something else, which mm. is why Donald Trump got elected. It's the way to to work things out. <laughs> so. Um, oh my God! What's gonna be the number one then? Uh, you have no idea, but I do. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, so at number, let's see, that's uh, 20, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14 was Tourist Trap. At number 13, Deliverance. 13 for Deliverance. We had it at 15, so the listeners scored it higher. Once again, listeners that told me it wasn't a horror movie. Um, just saying, just saying. Obviously, I'm pigeonholing all my listeners. That's not fair. Not fair. Not fair. Well, that's that's the route to go. And then, listeners, if you're tired of how he treats you, come on over to my show. I'll treat you a lot to better. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Um, <laughs> there you go. That's I'll give you all the fan service you want, guys. Come on. <laughs> Love the, me. The Love level me. of shameless I can appreciate. Uh, <laughs> at number, n- number 12, Bird with a Crystal Plumage. We scored Bird with a Crystal Plumage at number 18 on our list, but number 12 on the listeners list. Um, at number 11 um, Don't Torture a Duckling uh, So See, number, 12, to, number 12 I'm, don't starting torture to, duckling. I'm starting to agree with the listeners I, I kind of think that those should have been higher up on our list But, you know Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting Don't Torture a Duckling for us scored higher It was 11, no, in fact it scored the same, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. same So it's the same, so some of them there is a bit of synchronicity there Most of them not so yeah, so let's count them down. Count Yorga was at 20, Death Dream at 19, Daughters of Darkness at 18, Eraserhead 17, The Devil 16, Don't Look Now 15, Tourist Trap 14, Deliverance 13, um, Bird with the Crystal Plumage 12, and Don't Torture the Duckling at 11. Are you ready for their top 10? Yes. Don't all jump <laughs> up and down. If nothing else, just to get it over with so we could get up and move around. Yeah. <laughs> just so I can get the circulation back in my legs, Duncan. Um, right, so at number 10, The Omen. We had The Omen at number 13 on our list. At number 9, they had Carrie. Carrie scored number 12 on our list. I agree with the listeners. I had it at nine as well. I think that's an excellent place for Carrie. <laughs> at number eight, they had Deep Red. Deep Red appeared at ten on our list. Uh, at number seven, Suspiria um, appears there. <laughs> Suspiria appeared at number seven on our list, so we match up with that one. Well done, ladies and gents. Um, at number six, uh, we had Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead appeared at number five on our list. Oh, it's getting so tense. I'm kind of handle it at number five. The listeners chose. Any guesses? Any guesses? Anyone at all? Anyone at all? We're uh, the back. We're uh, the back. Alien? Have we already hit Alien? We haven't yet. Is that where you're going? I think Alien's yeah. going to be a little higher up, maybe. Ooh, I like what's happening here. Any any more calls? It was The Exorcist. Number five, wow. The Exorcist. Yeah, number three for us, but number five for the listeners. I got it at six, though. I kind of agree. Hey, yeah. listeners out there that made this top ten list, I love you guys. Come, Come on listen. over to my show. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Shameless plugging at the end of the show. At number, oh, shit. At number four <laughs> on this list, the listeners chose... Anyone? 
Anyone? Halloween. Ha- Halloween, spot on, Ricky Morgan. Because we also had it at number four. Number That's three. where I put it, so I yeah. love them. Number I love th- you guys. Come on over to my show. <laughs> this might just be courts list submitted over and over and over again. I'm just saying. Uh, so at number three, they had Alien. We had Alien at number six. So there's a bit of a difference there. I uh, told you Alien was going to be higher. <laughs> right. And, and, this is where it gets sexy. Um, and joint first... With 280 points each, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Jaws. Ladies and gentlemen, they mirrored our, our top selections, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Jaws. So, turns out, whilst there may be a bit of difference there, it all came together in the end. So let me count that down one more time for you. 20 for the listeners count Yorga, 19 Death Dream, 18 Daughters of Darkness... 17 Eraserhead, 16 The Devils, 15 Don't Look Now, 14 Tourist Trap, didn't realise we'd have to talk this much, 13 Deliverance, 12 Don't Touch for a Duckling, 11 The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, 10 The Omen, 9 Carrie, 8 Deep Red, 7 Suspiria, 6 Dawn of the Dead, 5 The Exorcist, 4 Halloween, 3 Alien and Joint First Place Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Jaws, which brings us to the definitive overall list. Oh, oh my, my god. God, how many lists are there? <laughs> so, he so like I said, the list of all of his lists, Bo, and and they're all laid out in, you know, this wonderful Excel format. They totally are to laid out in this wonderful Excel format court psyops. That would see it's the one brain thing, hide mind. It's a, you've got a list of lists and then you have a list of your list that only constitutes one list of your overall every list you've ever yeah, made. My, my my formula creation, my sum the equal sum bracket thing was going mental. Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a little Excel joke for the peeps. Um, right, here we go. Definitive list. So, we've counted down the top 10. So, the top 10 list for the hosts, you know. The top 10 list for the listeners, you know. What I'm going to do is I'm going to count down the top 10 overall. And then at the end, we'll, we'll let you know what didn't quite make the 10. Are you ready? Let's do this. Oh, this is going to be good. This Billy good. Zane showed up for a second. <laughs> yeah, Billy Zane. <laughs> and the hizzle. Right, at number 10. Don't torture a duckling. There you go. Shock, I'm okay with that. Shocker okay At number 9. Deep Red. Also okay with that. At number 8. By the way, this is just like Italy just raping everyone right now. <laughs> number, yeah, Italy. Yeah, and number eight, Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Weirdly above Deep Red. Strange. At number seven, Keeping with the Argento theme, Suspiria. At number six, Dawn of the Dead. At number five, Halloween. At number four, Alien. At number three, Jaws. At number two, the Exorcist, which means the number one overall movie, the collective, the official top movie of the 1970s is selected by the podcast under the stairs using the caveat of the Noah's Art Rules. With a massive 343 points, three points clear of The Exorcist, is The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There we go. Shock a Rooney. Uh, counting down 11 through 20 on the overall list. 11 was The Omen, then Carrie, The Devils, Deliverance, Don't Look Now, Daughters of Darkness, Count Yorga, Tourist Trap, Death Dream, 
and a razor head was bottom of the list. Sorry, David Lynch. So, so, sorry, David Lynch. Turns out people don't like your movie um, hey, as much hey, as Bo, we can you would. can you give us a David Lynch what the hell for a second for that? I love his Lynch. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bo. Thank you so much. Your David Lynch is pretty amazing. So, yeah, so there we go. Uh, that is the definitive list, the top ten. Don't Torture a Duckling, Deep Red, Bird with the Crystal Plumage, Suspiria, Dawn of the Dead, Halloween, Alien, Jaws, The Exorcist, and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Funnily enough, if I was to type in top five horror movies of all time in the 1970s, I almost guarantee there would be very few lists that would not have our top five as a definitive five. In a different order, maybe. But you're always going to have Halloween, you're always going to have Aliens, you're always going to have Jaws, The Exorcist, and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So there we go, which has proved to me that this has been pointless. <laughs> All this work. <laughs> All this work to try and create a unique list has resulted in a list that could have just come from the internet. It's going to be in fucking you know, BuzzFeed's top fucking ten you, nonsense you, you, you added too many variables, sir. You gave too many people an opportunity to have a voice. And in doing so, the democratic process has synthesized everything to the top that would have gone there anyway. It is interesting you say that. It is interesting you say that. In fairness to the listeners, um, the top five movies on our list, the top five movies on the listeners' list, and the top five movies overall, four of the five are the same. Uh, the only one that differs is Halloween and Dawn of the Dead. Um, are the only ones. Uh, sorry, Halloween and uh, Alien are the only ones that differ. So there we go. Gentlemen, this has been... A war of attrition and not only did we manage to get through this I just want to say that according to my recording time which is not indicative of how long the show will actually be because there's promos and all the rest to go on we just hit just hit the four hour mark and I said to you all at the start that we would be aiming for three hours but with a potential to hit four hours so we landed this within the time I'm proud of myself and I'm proud of you guys because Bo, Court, Doug Andy and Ricky, you took a load off my shoulders by agreeing to do this run of shows. It was something totally unique, um, something we did not know where we were going to go, how things were going to turn out, um, and we were looking at a decade which is universally rec recognised as potentially the greatest decade for horror cinema ever. Um, and we got to watch some incredible movies. We got to watch some interesting movies. We all got to watch Tourist Trap. <laughs> that joke would have killed it 20 minutes ago when you were more switched on I just kind of felt tumbleweeds were just going past it. <laughs> when we could all still feel our asses that joke would have been hilarious it was so much funnier then uh, but yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, think... I lost a foot while we were recording yep yep Bo has lost <laughs> Bo has lost a foot um someone a foot find of what? yeah <laughs> <laughs> so all the compression is sitting down. Gravity's taking a foot off his height. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think it's been it's been a, a pretty incredible run. I've said it already on Facebook. I think this is my favourite top ten series that I've done um, for, for podcasts under the stairs. And this is technically the fourth one that I've done through. And I think that I've, or maybe the fifth. I can't remember. But I think this one's the one that has just made it effortless uh, and. I say effortless in terms of how much fun I've had. Not effortless in, into how much effort I put in, which is a lot. Uh, Ricky Morgan, quote of Ricky Morgan back on the 1974 episode, said that he 
was interested to see if we could get through this because on paper it looked impossible. Um, yeah. And we, we got there. We all got there and we got through it and the, the list is there now and it's the list I'm immensely proud of. So, yeah, now that I'm being all sappy and brought it down to a nice mellow tone, this is where you get to sell yourselves like the whores that you are. Um, <laughs> whore yourself out. Bo Ransdell, you have a, a collective group uh, of different ventures. Uh, some may call it a plethora of different things out there. <laughs> Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a Three Amigos quote. Hate me for it. Um, could you please let the people know how they can interact with you and listen to your stuff on the internet? Sure. And and in, as much as it pains me to do so, I should compliment you, Duncan, <laughs> on organizing all of this and, and putting it together. And it, it's been a tremendous amount of fun. So thanks uh, for having me, first of all. Uh, and then second of all, uh, listen to all the people uh, here. Right now, all the people talking <laughs> on this show, uh, legionpodcasts.com, uh, and and so they'll pimp their shows now. This is true. This is true. Um, so let's let's run around the Legion ones first, and then we'll let, let Doug, who's not affiliated with any group, he stands alone. Lone Wolf. <laughs> the Lone Wolf, yeah. He is the Lone Wolf. Come lone with wolf. us. Join us. <laughs> Court Silence. Oh, I didn't take... <laughs> oh, sorry? What are you saying? I was going to say, I didn't tell anybody, but uh, Doug and I are working on a show together. So, uh... <laughs> Surprising no one that Ricky's adding yet another show to his own Yeah, their first episode was recorded during the recording of this episode. <laughs> this episode, yeah. They did little asides on a separate you, window. You have no idea. Here. Bo's had to buy an extra server just for Ricky's shows. Um, like, literally, he's like, that. another show, Ricky? Uh-huh. I'm going to have to buy yeah, another server's server. fast now, though. <laughs> right, uh, Court Psyops, you have two shows on Legion. Tell us about them. Yeah, we do the Obsessive Cinema Discourse. It's a once a month show with myself, my man crush from Down Under the Witch, and my bromance from overseas, that is Boz, uh, where we go through a film and obsess about every single little detail and basically rip it apart by, by at the same time lovingly lampooning it. And Normally, I mean, almost every film that we talk about, we've we've enjoyed and we love, but there's still certain things that you always end up seeing, little flubs and things like that, that you just can't let go of, and that's where we like to be in the discussion for that. And of course, my my main show, my my love, my garbage people, cinema psyops. Uh, we kind of have had a little, you know, some problems with the fearless leader because he <laughs> thinks we're garbage people. But uh, we're smoothing those out. Things are, things are working out okay because our, our numbers are up a little bit. We're, mm-hmm. we're doing okay. And uh, please listen to us because if you don't, both going to hurt us. going to hurt us bad. <laughs> cinema PsyOps. It's on Legion Podcast. <laughs> LegionPodcast.com forward slash cinema dash PsyOps. Please listen to us. Both going to hurt us. Please. <laughs> that kind of sounded like he was almost encoding a plea for help. I'm not, uh, and his, and I'm not kidding. <laughs> this is not a joke. People, please help me. Shut it down, Duncan. Shut it down. <laughs> just, just listen to my show, people. Please listen. Please listen to my show. Please. It's going to hurt me. Um, now, now, I almost imagine Ricky Morgan doing like an Ace Ventura intake of breath before mentioning all the shows that he's about to mention. Uh, Ricky, tell us about your shows. Where can people check them out? <laughs> no. Uh, of course, Hail Ming Power Hour uh, over at Legion Podcast. Proud, proud members of being there and, and all the great shows there. So that's me and my buddy, Danny Bennett. Um, you know, no, people, it is not all about Flash Gordon. I mean, <laughs> people still ask us about that a lot. But uh, 
you know, uh, we just cover a lot of different things. You can check us out through Legion. We're on iTunes. You can catch us on Instagram, Twitter, all those good things. Um, Short Bus Cinema, where we watch the movies. We love to watch the movies that you hate, so it's really listener-driven. So whatever they suggest, we try to watch. Not an easy task, but uh, working with Johnny Krug makes it a whole lot easier. Mm-hmm. Also on Legion Podcast. Um like we said, the uh, the horror project working on Flash the Blade is in the works. We're still ironing some things out there. It's going to be exciting. That's, uh, again, Johnny Krug and, and Mark Ball uh, from uh, Midnight Horror Show with Duncan. Yep. And uh, so uh, I'm just trying to bring all these people to Legion. You see how this is working, right? Yep. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, dude looks like the 80s, which is the new one that's going to be fun. Just an 80s romp with uh, Brad and Jamie Sammons. There again. And then uh, Billy Stewart from a show called Scary Dad that I'm a big fan of. And um, all these shows are going to be available on Legion. And like I said, iTunes, all the all your outlets, wherever you listen to podcasts, we will be there. And if you can't find it, just Google it, you bastages. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's like he did a freaking needle drop. It's exactly the same as your freaking promo there, That's Ricky. exactly the That's, same. Yeah, I, I ripped yeah. myself off. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell you, you have two fantastic shows. Uh, one of which is about to to, to level up uh, to 100 <laughs> episodes, and one of which is about to level up even further when you actually get to interview the namesake of your show. Could you please let us know where they can check out those shows and uh, yourself online? You can find No Budget Nightmares, which is a podcast about micro-budget cinema, basically uh, homemade cinema, amateur cinema. Uh, you can find it over at nobudgetpodcast.com or over on Twitter at nobudgetpodcast, all one word. I host that with Mo Porn. And uh, yeah, Eric Roberts is the fucking man is over at ericrobertsistheman.com or at E-R-I-T-F-M on Twitter. Uh, at the beginning of November, we're heading to Chicago uh, to the Cinepocalypse uh, Festival, uh, and we're going to interview Eric Roberts live in front of a crowd of people. <laughs> we're going to record a live podcast. It uh, it still blows my mind a little bit uh, about that possibly still occurring. Uh, I'll see how nervous I get once it's the beginning of November. You can, of course, find me also on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. Fantastic. Andy Blockley and me have a project together which has not recorded anything this year. Uh, (laughs) That's not to say that we don't care about you, it's just Andy is the manliest of manly men who will actually do DIY. I would pay someone to do it and we get like regular images, Andy, uh, of your handiwork in the house. Um, Handy Andy is starting to... Handy Andy is what I call you. But then I need to watch what I'm saying with that because it may insinuate that you give out hand jobs as well. So <laughs> just want to stress. Uh, call me, you. call me, Andy. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. However, Andy, uh, we we have Opera Omnia, which will come back at some point because Bo will cut us off the feed if it doesn't. Um, <laughs> but I, I feel that like me and you need to keep promoting the show that that is no longer with us. That everyone wants the next part of. We need to keep talking about doing the nasty. Yeah, there's a lot of films actually that we talked about tonight that probably should have been on that list. <laughs> Quite a few that were. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Um, I'll, I'll put you on the spot every time you're on the show. If enough people write to me and you saying, "Can we have the next series of doing the nasty?" Looking at the next part of the nasty list, could you be persuaded, or is it still a hard no? Probably not. How many people? <laughs> <laughs> 
See, that sounds like a waffle. <laughs> Don't even have to think about it. It, it does. <laughs> It does. How many people have contacted you so far? Um, this is me putting the call out for people to call. Well, I uh, did on our episode a few weeks back, yeah. you remember? Ricky you did. five or 5,000. <laughs> yeah, that's... What, what, what if some of us here were to be willing to suffer through some of it with, with you, Andy? Oh, what happens if we've got guest hosts on? Yeah, that's what, a conversation what, for offline. That's a conversation yeah, for, that just, could grow arms just, and legs on a show which just, is already just, four hours long. <laughs> just putting it out there, folks. Just you know, yeah. get a hold of them. You know, yeah. make it happen. Yeah, pressure, Andy. Make them, make them love movies again, even bad ones. Uh, right. I, 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 I clearly do love bad ones, don't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> according, according to this list, Andy, uh, we, we got battered with that. Um, still going to say, like, according to the overall list, though, Tourist Trap is better than Eraserhead. That's all I'm saying. All I'm oh, saying. All I'm saying all i'm saying vindication andy <laughs> that's what they call vindication um so, also lunacy if there had uh, been a morrissey lookalike in uh Tories trap <laughs> who knows who knows uh, if, a, if a tree falls in the woods and no one's around does it make a sound andy um but uh can i just thank my guests once again for not only taking part in this this summer top 10 but for also joining me on this very long epic round table but as round tables go this is actually probably somewhere in the middle we've recorded longer we've done we've done more this is easy stuff uh, oh that john carpenter episode. this episode <laughs> yeah what well, sorry we you saying both? You're trying to badmouth this episode? No, 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 no. I'm just saying that the John Carpenter, you. <laughs> John Carpenter <laughs> one and the david cronenberg ones ran longer and uh, we talked about uh, ostensibly in a roundabout way, a hundred movies uh, on this on this episode. Uh, so that's all I'm saying. All I'm saying. I feel like we're shortchanging people. So that's why we will all collectively sing. Always look on the bright side of life. Uh, on three. Right. Give me a second. Ready. One. Two. No, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Uh, thank you very much to my guests for coming on the show. Do not fear if you've enjoyed this series. The podcast under the stairs will return with another summer teapots top ten next year and we're running the train on the 1980s that is right we're going to be doing Noah's art rules again on the <laughs> 1980s as if it wasn't traumatizing enough oh my god can you imagine the I, pain I hope I get picked because I really want to come in and defend Frightmare and show everybody how great it is that's next year's tourist trap yeah, next yeah. year's tourist and, trap and I'm going to have to be there to smack Ricky down on Frightmare so if you're going to bring him in and he's choosing that I got I to gotta fight him on that we'll, 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 see, we'll see how the format looks and we'll see how many hosts are on involved of what parts and what the rim table looks like and stuff but yeah thank you very much thank you very much for giving up your time and coming along I'm going to take my final break of this show when I come back I'm closing out I'm going to be doing that right after this you're listening to the podcast under the stairs and you've been listening to the podcast under the stairs this was episode 123 closing out the summer teapot's top 10 series and we now have our definitive top 
10 list. Thank you very much once again to my guest hosts, Andy Blockley, Ricky Morgan, Court Psyops, Doug Tilly and Bo Ransdell for spending time working on this project and also giving up a sizable chunk of their Saturday to record this round table. It was a ton of fun. Hopefully you enjoyed it uh, and hopefully the list has proved a bit of food for thought for you and um, I'm looking forward to coming back next year and doing uh, the same run for the 80s. Uh, refine a couple of things that I think worked really well, changing uh, some things that I think didn't work uh, that well uh, during the recording process. But yeah, it was a ton of fun and um, thank you very much for that. And thank you very much to all the listeners who have supported this series of shows. The interactions have been fantastic on the Facebook group page. You know who you are, ladies and gents. Uh, folks like Don and Ellie have been really active in... Um, going through, like my instrument as well, checking out the movies, feeding back and where they would have went on their their lists. And even both of those guys that submitted lists at the end, one of the uh, many, many cool things that come out of this was the interaction at the end, eating lists supplied by listeners. Pretty incredible. Now, I know that some people were saying ahead of this recording that they would be really interested to see what the, the hosts actually chose. And we rattled through them on this list, but maybe it wasn't necessarily clear to write down. So on the website and in the show notes for this episode, you will see our top 20 lists for each of the hosts listed there. So check them out as well. Um, there is only one more episode of the podcast under the stairs dropping on Friday the 29th of September before we kick off Baz v Halloween 2017 and it is my privilege and pleasure at this time to announce what the first two movies that the Baz will undertake are. So are you ready ladies and gents? This is exciting times, always exciting times when we start a brand new series. Um, week one, we'll see Bad Baz face off against um, listener choice Bad Ben and uh, my choice, The Houses That October Built. So week one is Bad Ben and The Houses That October Built. I will announce on the bonus episode what the second two movies are because those episodes are dropping quite close together so you can check them out. Uh, but yeah, Bad Ben and the Houses that October built. Get them watched, get them picked. What do you think? How do you think Basil cope? Will there be wins for Halloween? Will there be wins for the Baz? Um, will the listeners get a win? Will I get a win? It's all to play for in this series. This has been a very long episode, so with that in mind that I'm jumping out just now. There's a multitude of ways to check out the show. Please check us out on Apple Podcasts. If you do, subscribe to the feed. Um, and uh, leave us a little bit of feedback and a review over there. Um, the, the ratings over there push us higher up the iTunes charts, but the reviews are what sell the show. So if you haven't left us one there yet, please, please do it. It takes seconds to do. It doesn't cost you anything. It means the world to us. Subscribing to our feed on iTunes means you get access to the episodes as and when they drop and access to the entire back catalogue of shows. Check us out on SoundCloud, Stitcher Smart Radio, TuneIn and Google Play. Please visit our website tputzcast.com and join our mailing list at the bottom of the webpage by tipping your email address in. The newsletter will be out at the end of this month. So it'll be out on September 30th with a competition to win a horror block box full of goodies. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Please visit our Facebook group page, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast. The Baz is in charge of the twin prongs of social media sexiness. Twitter and Instagram both can be followed at tputzcast. 
Right, I'm out here, ladies and gents. Thank you very much for all the support over summer 2017. I hope you've enjoyed these shows as much as I did. Researching, watching the movies, reviewing and recording them. It's been a fantastic summer for Podcasts Under the Stairs and uh, quite frankly, it would have been nothing without you guys listening to the show. So, until I speak to you on Friday for our uh, (laughs) movie club. By the way, get your submissions in for Bazzy's Choice at People None In thus far. Be a short episode if it's just me reviewing it. Uh, So please get your reviews in for at People no later than Thursday the 28th of September. But until I speak to you all on Friday. Please take care of yourselves, whatever you are up to, and whatever the time zone is, wherever you are in this big bad world. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs, and I'm signing off. Life going nowhere